We're on four sources now. We're on Crusade Channel Premium. Mm -hmm. We're on Crusade Channel Preview. We're on the Roku. We're on my YouTube channel, and you're on six. Your YouTube channel. This is six-way. It's a six-way simulcast. All right, I got to bug out for just a minute, uh, but uh, Doc will stay there and entertain his audience, and then we'll come back and we'll do a six-way cast and break another world record. See you in just a few. All right, sounds good. Hey, everybody. I'm here with uh, Mike Church. He's the he host of the Crusade Channel Texas Tag on Twitter over at King Dude. I'm going to be done real quick. We'll see ya. Uh-oh. I can't mute him. Hey, Mike, is there any way you can mute they your end? They say little boy blue did it because he needed the money. Okay, KKK. So what's Drew Brees' excuse? See if I can for a good read. We're just waiting Not on a commercial sure break over at Mike Church. Tune in to the Pirella Files, the Crusade Channel's we weekly look at there what's good, go. bad, and downright ugly in the literature. Hopefully, I remember to unmute all that. Okay, hey, we're we're here today live. We're going to be with Mike Church in just a little bit. I'm going to make my concession speech to Mike Church. You'll remember that he and I wagered online uh, whether or not Amy Coney Barrett would be confirmed before November 3rd. I believe she would be confirmed, but not by November 3rd. Mike Church said uh, it will be before November 3rd, so I lost that wager with Mike Church, sadly. So today I'm going to make my concession speech to Mike, and then he and I are going to talk about today's big election and whether or not President Trump is going to pull it off, if he's going to win, if he's going to MAGA today. And while we wait for Mike Church, they're just getting everything connected and, and going through a commercial break. I'll take some questions if y'all if y'all want to do some questions about the election coming up. So the rule is, whether you're on Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, it's all streaming everywhere there. When you ask a question, just put a lot of question marks on there because it goes pretty fast. And uh, if you don't put a question mark, I don't know if you're um, asking me a question or not. Or just saying like, rah, 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 MAGA, President Trump, greetings from Norway uh, or whatever. So um, if you have a question, let me know. And we'll be going live here with Mike Church over at the Crusade Channel in just a little bit. Uh, he's been um, he's had a lot of good things to say in this whole campaign in the run up to the election. And he and I are going to do some analysis, maybe talk about the electoral states and um, what we can expect by this evening. Uh, someone asked, do you think cheating will uh, impact the results? I'm going to put this on the screen. That'll work. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is a big problem in Michigan and Pennsylvania in particular, from what I've heard from the Trump campaign. This is one reason why you've seen Trump campaigning so hard. I think he's done 13 or 14 events in the last three days. So Trump knows he can't just win. He has to win by a big margin because the other side is cheating and the other side's going to contest it. So for the sake of peace in America and for a smooth transition, Trump is trying to win big, and that's why he's spending so much time in Pennsylvania. That's where I was with him. Uh, how many nights ago? That was Saturday night. Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Florida. I think he's got. Um, what else? Ohio. I think is pretty secure. Uh, Minnesota. Ooh, I, that's one I'm not so sure about. I think. I think the other ones he could get, Minnesota, we'll see. Um, 
but yeah, he he there is cheating, and I think the biggest places for cheating is Pennsylvania and Michigan. Those are the two places, and so Trump not only wants to win those states, but he wants to win them big, and even blow out the cheating. So okay, here's Mike. He's coming back. And you'll hear Mike, are you back with us? Six-channel surround sound. Oh, when you purchase a copy of the two-DVD director's so edition the plan of The Road to Independence, available now at MikeChurch.com forward slash road. By the way, the director guy, even though he's a royal pain, did a- Mike, you just wave at me when you're ready to go. All right. Um, more questions here. Did you meet the president? I did not meet the president. He was running... Uh, late and uh, and then they ushered him out because he was going to a fourth Pennsylvania meeting. Mike, are you ready? No, he's not. Okay. Uh, he was going to a fourth meeting, so I didn't. I wanted to give him a miraculous medal. I wanted to give him a rosary, but alas, it did not work. So um, hopefully I get to meet him again. Hopefully at some point, um, some point in the future, I'll get to meet him in person. Mike, are you ready to go? No response yet. Okay. Um, For us. Yes, my country. Let's see. Mike, are you ready? Oh, man. This is a bummer. Now I can't un I can't unmute him. Speakers are muted. Are you muted, Mike? I guess he's muted himself. And no, he hasn't. Mike, are you there? Somehow you're muted now. Hmm. Sorry, folks. Is there always? It's always a challenge. How do I unmute you, Mike? Mamma mia, come on. Live with your... I had an option to unmute him, and now I don't. That's a bummer. I think he muted me on my on his side, and uh, I can't get off. I'm gonna have to hang up with him and come back. Yep, I'm gonna have to hang up and come back. I don't know if you can hear me, Mike, but somehow you're muted on your side and I can't hear you any longer. So I may have to hang up. It says speakers are muted on my screen. I'm sorry. I don't think he hears me either. I don't know if you hear me, but your speakers are muted. Hmm. Oh, we lost him. Let's see if he'll come back. Sorry, most technical difficulties of all time. Okay, can you hear me? No, it's still... <laughs> the speakers are muted, Mike. Um, Mike, your speakers are muted. 
It says it on Skype here. You know what? Let me just. I don't know how to turn it off. Hmm. Wow. All right. That's a bummer. Well, Mike, it says speakers muted on on the screen here on Skype, and I don't know how to un unmute them there's no option to unmute them let me check in my I don't know uh, what's audio happened and, here let me check my audio and video settings here because what you know let me change can you hear me now can you hear me now let me try there we go it came on oh you got it now yes uh, most but now it's gone again uh-huh. Now do you ha- now, now I you got you. Me? You're back. Okay. All right. Yay! Let's uh, let's uh, let's say a hail mary. Hail mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, God pray for us pray sinners. Amen. Nomina patris et filii et We're back. We're back. Now let me get this uh, audio visual thing out of the way here, so that you're uh, uh, good and clear. You look great today. You look like you're ready to go vote or something. Did well, you early? No, oh, you early voted and got. I yeah. already early voted, but I want you to note my tie. It's for you. So it's a Florida Lee tie. <laughs> this is I like this that. is part of my concession to you in in New Orleans and and having to come. So are you ready for my speech? I am ready for the. Should we tell people why I'm I'm making a concession speech to you, Mike? So we made a vote. I mean, a, a bet, right? Yeah, a wager. A wager. It was a gentleman's wager. We did a digital handshake. We did this, right? Right. right. <laughs> and the wager was that uh, President Trump's nominee to be Associate Justice on the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, would be confirmed and on the court before Election Day. And we bet a steak dinner at Morton Steakhouse in Dallas or at Roos Chris here in New Orleans through the winter. And uh, you are ready now to concede. Well, I just want to defend myself because I've gotten some flack on this wager. I was never against Amy Coney Barrett. I always wanted her, right, to pass through. I just didn't think that they would rush it through and get it done by November 3rd. I was always pro-Amy. People, how could you be against Amy? I wasn't against Amy. So it was just the date, and here's my speech. I, Taylor Marshall from Texas, concede the victory to Mike Church host of the crusade channel that I was wrong on the, on the uh, what's the approval of the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme court of the United States of America. And I and my wife, Joy Marshall will take you and your wife out to a steak dinner in new Orleans. I, I accept. Cons- okay. <laughs> you don't have to say anything else. You didn't have to do that, but it's a great formality. Um, uh, and there are a lot of, you, you don't have, we don't have to do Roos Chris. There are several great steak. No, we're going there. all out. We're going all, right, all well, out. All right. Well, Roos is, is fantastic. So we got that out of the way. Uh, and let me be clear. I know that he was for, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, uh, but I don't know if you noted this cause he said this in the last, uh, 10 rallies or so, but president Trump is not very happy with the Supreme court, but I believe now on last Thursday, those comments that he made to me were directed directly at Judge Just, uh, Justice Barrett when he was basically saying, hey, where are you? Right. I put you on the court. Mitch got you confirmed. What are you doing? Yeah. Wait, 
Um, I believe, though, that this is the, com- the, the, the that this is the conflicted and maybe even compromised John Roberts chicanery and that he got Brett Kavanaugh to change his vote. My buddy, Andy mm. McCarthy, who knows a lot more about this stuff than I ever will. Andy, a former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He prosecuted the blind shake. Andy theorized that there is some politics going on here and that Roberts went to Kavanaugh and went, if we take the case. And she comes in and votes. The left is going to scream bloody murder about illegitimate seating, this and that and the other. And it will always have the patina of Bush Gore. Uh. Let's roll the dice and hope for a blowout on Tuesday so it never comes to us for us to decide. And we don't put our new justice in the in that predicament. Now, some may say, well, that's actually kind of gentlemanly, maybe even chivalrous of Roberts. I can't read Roberts other than I did see the picture he was on the Lolita Island. He was in the water with. Uh, okay, right, right. Um, and in any event, keep I this can't PG, read Mike. Keep this PG. I can't read Robert, so I don't know. I think Robert is a Judas Iscariot. There, I said it. Well, I agree with you. Um, and by the by, another one of those little uh, Our Lady intuitions that she gives me. I called the vote on the day of the Obamacare vote in 2014. I said, Roberts, it said it's going to go 5-4, and guess who the deciding vote's going to be? And my listeners on Sirius XM went, you, 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 Bush put Roberts on there. He's a good guy. He's one of us. Oh, said, you called Roberts' take- betrayal back then? Oh, absolutely. Good for I said, you, he's going man. to take the dagger out. I said, I don't know how he's going to do it, but it's going to have something to do with the tax code. And sure enough, he took the dagger out and plunged it into uh, in, into the back there. And President Trump just basically finished undoing that treachery. That I hope so. Now. I hope so. So uh, I have some questions for you, Dr. Taylor Marshall, if you're watching us on uh, our YouTube or, or Roku stream. Well, welcome, Doc, who is in the outskirts of Dallas, Texas here. Um, uh, I have some questions for you. Was your son with you on Saturday? He was. Yeah. Uh, what was it like for him? How, now, are we talking teenage boy? Is this your oldest boy? No, this was my second oldest son, my fourth child, my first baby baptized in the Catholic Church after we converted. So this is Jude. Jude's with me. And uh, we flew up together, and he was in the crowd there at the Trump rally, and uh, he loved it. He'd never been to anything like that. I'd never been to anything like that. There was so much energy, Mike. When we were there, i I got to tell you, I'm really grateful to the Trumps and their family. They treated me first class. I was right at the front, seated with two congressmen, best seats in the place. Jude, my son, was just two, three rows behind me, and it was electric. The congressman told me they were expecting 14,000, and as it was getting going, they were super elated, and they said, we're hitting 20,000. Well, later on, they said it got to 57,000 people. At this Trump rally. Did you see Rona McDaniel's tweet about what they got out of that? No, what? 12,894 new registered voters is what they got out of that. 12,894 new registered voters, never voted before, signed up at that rally that you were at. It's amazing. And you know what's funny is I did the prayer at the beginning. And it was very Catholic. I used, I did the Latin in Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti, and I, it was very Trinitarian. And then afterwards, the congressmen, all the people, they didn't know what I was. They knew I was Catholic, but I was wearing a suit. I didn't have a collar on, so they were all calling me the Reverend. I was the Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> I was the Catholic Reverend. 
Well, and uh, it was great. A lot of the Catholic people, they really appreciated the Catholic vibe and that prayer. And then there was a lot of um, Protestants who came up to me and, and shook my hand and said, that was an amazing prayer. Thank you, you know, for talking about the blood of Jesus and the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and all that. So uh, it was did, it was awesome. Didn't you wield your weapon too? You know, I just ran up with, and threw on a pair of jeans and I don't have it in my pocket. Well, hold on. But you did wield your weapon there, didn't you? Oh yeah, I had the rosary in my hand, and I was okay, I was I lifting I it up. Saw the rosary. And you know, one thing I one one thing I did is uh, I had a little speech on the rosary after the prayer, and then when I finished the prayer and said Amen, everyone cheered, and then the announcer said, "And now for the pledge of allegiance." And I couldn't go on with my rosary speech. So if ah. I if I knew that, I would have said it before the prayer. But I did quote Vigano. I read a whole paragraph of Vigano's letter to President Trump. And um, it's amazing. I've never seen so so much. I've been to World Series. I've been to all kinds. Of, I've never seen so much. I mean, it was it was like the Beatles coming to America plus a World Series plus a Super Bowl. I mean, there is just so much excitement and energy. And President Trump, that was his third of the day. He was going on to a fourth. He had so much energy. I don't know how he does it. Well, and he's seventy four years old. Um, he did five yesterday. I don't know if you follow Rush Limbaugh, but uh, I still dearly love Rush because if it wasn't for Rush, I wouldn't be in his business. Right. And I saw Rush's tweet about this, and Rush is standing at his, uh, his house underneath his Trump flag. And he's going, my friends, I hold here in my formerly nicotine-stained fingers a Trump flag. Why does he do it, my friends? He doesn't have to go out there and do five campaign rallies per day, but there he is. You know what? And he does it all for us. Yeah. I just thought I was blown away by by Russia's sincerity, and uh, and really meaning that. And I think it, 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 just tell us, did you did you get the sense of sincere when they chant, "We love you, we love"? Did you get the sense that they really actually mean that genuine like love? They didn't just do that once. They did that. A Several times over and over. We love you four more years. I mean, there were several times where he had to stop speaking because the crowd got so loud chanting for him. It was incredible. I, I got to say this. When he came in and the choppers were coming in and all that, and then he walked up on stage, I'm not an emotional, sentimental guy. My eyes got a little misty. No drops came out. But my eyes got a little <laughs> misty. And um, it was like it was a dad moment. It was like daddy's home, you know, and he was there and, you know, I can just, you, t you can tell he cares for the country. I don't know. I don't think anyone can really fake that. I think he really does um, by his demeanor, by his words. I mean, by the things he says, everyone in that stadium feels like he loves our nation and he'd have to be a really amazing actor to pull that off for three, four rallies a day. I, I really do think it comes from his heart, and um, yeah, it's amazing. I, do you think he's going to win today? Let's just let's just jump to it, Mike. Well, I uh, I had the count at three twenty to three thirty, and I have Biden's at one eighty eight solid. He'll get the one eighty eight. Okay. It could go as high as two ten, two twelve. Um, I do not, but uh, let's keep it PG. I don't believe any of this uh, this bowl. That Florida is in play. As a matter of fact, I got a really yeah. good stats guy yeah. that's doing actual data numbers, voter registration, and voter turnout. The Republicans are clobbering the Democrats in Florida. This yes. isn't even going to be close. 
how the Economist and NBC News and CNN and Fox News and ABC and CBS and every other entity in the world is putting Florida in play is just being, you know what, that's a ratings coup. That's all yeah. that is. They have Georgia in their play map. That's not going to happen. Right. He will easily win Georgia. They have Texas in their play map. That's not going to happen. Right. There's no one that lives in Florida. Look, no one even went and campaigned in Ohio. What the hell has Ohio in play? Ohio can't be in play. No. Biden never went. Harris never went. And Trump, Trump only went. Yeah, Trump went one time. One time. Right. And then he sent, uh, I think he sent Eric, maybe a, uh, Eric a, a time or two. Um, uh, I, I believe that the, uh, that the the polling and the voter registration stuff that we have shows that this Trump wave, that, that he could take, uh, I'm very hesitant to say he will take Minnesota, but uh, I just got to tell a little story and boast and brag for a minute. Steve Bannon is not Steve Bannon today if it's not for me. He wanted my job on Sirius XM. He lusted after it. And finally, oh. the opportunity came up in 2015. He used to fill in for me, okay? Fill in. I'm not knocking Steve. I like Steve. I'll have Steve on the show if he would have me. I like Steve, and I liked him back then. Bannon got that job, and he took my show that I built that audience over 13 years and used it to get the Trump campaign's attention, okay? So I feel like uh, I'm owed a little something here, maybe a phone call or something. So there's a connection with me to Steve, to Steve Bannon, a very good connection. And again, don't read anything in that. I like Steve. I think Steve's, uh, I think Steve's doing some good work right now. Secondly, another guy that used to fill in for me on SiriusXM is soon to be Senator Jason Lewis. And Jason and I used to like talk regularly on, on the on the phone. And he would fill in for me and I would go on his show a time or two. I think Jason is surging. That look that that race did not look good two weeks ago. It looks like it's a dead heat right now. Does Trump drag him over the finish line? I don't know. Pray to uh, burn those rosaries up, Minnesota. I think yep. you could have a Republican me member of the Senate. Let's go to Arizona. Oh, um, the, the, the candidate is the husband of Gabby Giffords. OK, he's not a likable guy. He's a big lib. Um, uh, he only plays well in that very small progressive uh those progressive pockets in arizona you know where they where they think peyote is cool and all those other all the hippie stuff that came from california and invaded right. arizona so they think that that's cool arizona is a very conservative state mm -hmm. i mean we got governor fife symington back in 1992 was the last governor to say i'm not making mlk day a holiday in this state okay and then the only reason he did it is because clinton went well, i'll tell you i'll yank all your highway funds You'll give me my MLK. They, and they finally, they did. That's a conservative state. Again, our data guy, Don from the Bronx to Florida, our data guy says, and I'll tell you, Taylor Marshall, and your audience, our data guy says, if President Trump and the early voting shows that he will, if he holds Maricopa County, it's over. You can call it. There simply aren't enough votes in Tucson okay. and the rest of Arizona uh, and the voter registration rolls to, to undo the carry in Maricopa County. So that's our eyes are focused there. I think it's going to be a uh, uh, um, if all the votes are actually counted as they come in. This is a this is a no brainer. This is a yeah. 322 blowout. Um, uh, I have concerns, though. Yesterday, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. The uh, the uh, the attorney general of Pennsylvania, this Catholic hating Shapiro guy. You know, the one who said we had all these cases of pedophiles, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he went all the way back to 1958. Right. He got cases that were like from the 50s, and these are all current. No, they're not. Those people are dead. 
there were dead priests that were on that list of, that he was waving about mm-hmm. about the evil that is the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania. Right? He tweeted out yesterday. I, I'm quoting now. I guarantee a Biden win in Pennsylvania tomorrow. You're the attorney general. You're the highest law enforcement officer in the state. Yeah. What are you doing playing electoral politics? You guarantee there's something uneasy about Pennsylvania. Now, you were there. So you landed at Pittsburgh Airport, right? I landed at a small uh, a smaller airport because okay. I wanted we were. It's interesting. This is something I didn't know is we were going to try to go into the airport where Trump was going, which is the Butler Pittsburgh Airport. Guess what? There's a 30-hour window of no in, no out because of Air Force One. Ah. So we had to land 45 minutes away and drive over. So I learned all kinds of stuff on these campaigns. You know what else I learned on these? The Trump has his own polling that's not what's released to America. And they don't want to fudge it. They're not trying to get clicks and headlines. They really want to know what percent in these counties and these states are voting Trump. And when you're in the campaign, you're talking to people, they tell you the real numbers that are that the Trump campaign has. They're confidential. But you begin to realize, and since I think I can share it now because we're in November 3rd, but you know, a lot of these polls had Trump down by 8%, 9%, 10% in Michigan. Well, the internal polls were having them up even or at up 1%. So the polls you see on your screen can be off by 10%. And how do we know this, Mike? Four years 2016, ago, 2016. four years ago, I want people to take a deep breath and realize that the reason they write Texas is going blue, Texas, Biden is up in Texas by two points. They're only doing that. So you click on it and read it because you, you see that and you get nervous. It's click bait. These polls are click bait. They're trying to sell you ads. And if it says, well, it's a really close race, no one's going to click on that. They scandalize you by saying, suddenly Florida's all Biden. You get nervous and you click on it. You got to realize that this is all fake polls. Look at the rallies. Rallies are greater than polls. Now, I will say this. um, uh, I got caught up in this yesterday because of what I do here on the Crusade Channel. I kind of have to know what's going on. So I was doing a lot of clicking yesterday, okay? And yesterday morning, I had my stats guy on, Don, who's going to deep dive into the data and I'm pretty confident. It, it, I'm pretty. I'm feeling pretty good when the Mike Church show ends yesterday at 10 a.m. Central Time. I'm pretty good. As the day went on, and I'm going to these clickbait headlines that you're talking yep. about, and I'm reading this stuff. By the end of the day, by the time I get home at six o'clock last night, Midish Chern goes, "What is wrong with you?" And I went, "I fell for it. They got me. I, they psyop me." Yep. I was despondent by the end of the. I was despondent. I was angry. Yep. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going to lose. We're going to lose. I'm going to have a President Biden. They, and I look, and I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff, and I got a pretty good prayer life, too. So I'm praying for demons to stay away. They got me, Taylor. Yep. If they got to me, um, and I think I'm a pretty hard mark, how for an average person that maybe, and I'm this is not a knock on anyone, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that I'm just... I'm just saying I'm seasoned. I should know better is, is the point. Yep. How easy is it? This stuff works. And I thought to myself, this stuff works. You can actually depress someone and maybe even alter their behavior. Right. So uh, let's go to cheating. Yes. I, I, I'm I'm really worried about cheating. While we were while you were setting up in the commercial break, I was talking to my audience. 
that the the cheating situation, from what I understand, is Michigan and Pennsylvania are cheating ground zero, with Pennsylvania as the number one cheat zone, and then Michigan as well. This is where they're going to cheat. This is where they have people on the ground. We're already seeing pictures come out this morning. I mean, it's 9.33 a.m. By the way, Mike, we're going to keep going. Is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah, we can keep going. We're already seeing photos come out where you go to the voting places in Pennsylvania and they have poster boards taped to the side of the building with Biden's name on it. You can't do that. You can't post uh, campaign material on the building where people are voting. That's illegal. Turning away people, turning away poll watchers. So there's already an operation in Pennsylvania. And this, I mean, Mike, I'm not worried about who America is going to vote for in the electoral college as it stands, but I am worried about cheating in Pennsylvania because I know Trump can lose Pennsylvania and there's still a couple ways for him to win, but it gets real hard. If he can clinch Pennsylvania and get over 300 electoral votes, there'll be, I think, more peace because it'll be a slam dunk in your face to the Democrats. If it's just squeaking by by 10 electoral votes, I think we could see some violence. We could see some rioting. We could see a lot of problems. Well, you see that Washington, D.C., Connecticut Avenue is boarded up. Looks like a plywood display store. Okay. Dallas, we're near you. I hear downtown Dallas is being boarded up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, what do they know that we don't know? Right. I have have two operative uh, things going on here beyond the clickbait. So in the early days of the Corona hoax, when I was on your show, I was talking about how they synchronize this. This all comes from one central intelligence, okay? We know who it is. Call him what you want, devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, doesn't matter. Um, The central narrative is this. United States, the people of the United States hate Trump. They know he's a bully. They know he's mean. They know he's cruel. They know he's heartless. They know he's a playboy. They know he's three times divorced. They know that he that he lied. They know that that you that uh, that um, uh, he, Republicans bailed him out on Ukraine and on the impeachment and all that. All of the bad, the negative things that that you could possibly throw at him, um, uh, and and they they serve this narrative up, but they serve it up so consistently. Yeah. It's not just a two or three percentage point, just barely outside the margin of error of the poll. You got NBC News and the Wall Street Journal, a president that has on the RCP poll to poll averages. This takes all the approval rating polls and averages them out. Today, his approval is 53%. Now, how do you have a nationwide poll to poll with an approval rating of 53%? And you're losing to a guy that can't leave his basement. And when he does, he can't put coherent <laughs> sentences together. Uh, this just defies logic here. Uh, but yet it is out there. So there's a consistency in their messaging. Now, one of two things is in play here. Either they know something that we don't, or it's just a psyop and a clickbait campaign so that they make more millions of dollars. That's one thing. The second thing is, let's go back to my data guy. My, my, uh, we dove into Pennsylvania. Here's what I can tell you. And this is beyond internal polls. Let's talk data, actual voter registrations. The Republicans have cleaned the Democrats' clock in Pennsylvania. It's not even close. Early voting, why did they send Obama to Philadelphia? Because early voting, including in-person and mail-in ballots, are low. They're below yes. where they were for Hillary. They're in big trouble in Philadelphia. They got to carry Philadelphia by such a huge margin because you were there. 
You know where Scranton, you know where Beaver County, you know where Bucks County, you yes. know where Butler, you know all those outlying counties. They're all out in, 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 besides the city of Pittsburgh, the actual Pittsburgh proper, right? You know those outlying counties. That's pro-Trump, that's Trump country. And I can tell you on our, our caravan trip from here to the St. Benedict Center in New Hampshire, we drove. We went Interstate 81. I drove through rural Pennsylvania. And how many Trump you know signs I, did you see? Thousands. Thousands. Not only did I see that in Virginia, in rural Virginia. What, Maggie? We saw the world's largest MAGA hat. <laughs> and it was on a flatbed trailer. It was about 8 feet, 10 feet tall and 20 feet wide. And the guy had made it. I don't know what he made it out of, but it was just MAGA. And on the side of his like bar. giant parachute. It yeah, it kind of looked like a parachute. It's straped over a bunch of hay, hay bales. And on the side of his barn, he had his mural uh, of, of, of Trump painted. That was on Interstate 81 outside of Withville, Virginia. Then we went through Allentown. Okay, Allentown, people might not know this, but Allentown is a Catholic city or once was. Mm -hmm. All right. I was blown away. You couldn't swing a dead cat and not hit a Trump sign. Yeah. Um, so rural Pennsylvania I'm a, is a lock. That's a lock. And what what I what our data guy told us as well, and what the Pennsylvania Republican Party, the GOP, what they were communicating to voters was wait till election day, mm -hmm. because we don't want them to know how many fake ballots they got to get in. Ah. Let's clobber them on election day. We're not going to. Uh, 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 Pennsylvania voter uh, Republican turnout was just it was good. A little uh, up small percentage points. So because there's going to be a massive turnout today. So that the Democrats do not know how many fake ballots they have to overcome. They have to print That's out. That's the strategy. They're running their printers right now, printing out those <laughs> ballots. I think that they are. I think that You know what are. I learned about Pennsylvania? I lived in Pennsylvania for a while. And outside of Philadelphia and downtown Pittsburgh, they're basically Texans. They love their guns. They're Christian people. Uh, I got I mean, when I was doing that prayer at the Trump rally, so many people were cheering and yelling as I was talking about Vigano and Christianity. I think someone said in that Butler County or in Pittsburgh, it's 60 something percent are Catholic. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean they all go to mass every Sunday, but that's that's the religion there, you know, and these people love guns. They love the Second Amendment. They're conservative. They're country people. We think of it in the north. Down here, we're like, oh, those northerners in Pennsylvania. It's a it's a country people. They do they love deer hunting. This is who we're talking about. Look, look at the famous people that you know that come from that area. Altoona, Pennsylvania gives us the great Mike Ditka. Duh, coach. Cradle Catholic. Yep. Very devout Catholic. Uh, you know what? I ate at his restaurant after we left the rally. Before we got on the airplane, there was a Ditka's restaurant, steakhouse, and we hadn't eaten for hours being at that rally so we went into ditka's and we had it we had ditka's dinner <laughs> that's awesome. prime rib at uh, ditka's okay no that's a mike ditka and trump actually called out mike piazza mm. yes mike piazza was the catcher for the florida marlins he's got a world series ring mm -hmm. he was in florida in 19, uh, with the marlins in 1998 i want to say when they won the world series he called out piazza that's another cradle catholic mike piazza dan marino oh the i didn't know that Went to Pitt. I'm just assuming Marino went to Pitt, Western Pennsylvania, 
That's an assumption on my right. part. It may not be. Um, but you have a lot of athletes there. And, of course, the most famous one being to coach. And I'm sure I'm leaving a lot out um, uh, of, of that part of Pennsylvania. It's very, as you said, it's very, it's very conservative. Yeah. Um, and, and not only do they, uh, do, 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 do they like their, their, their deer hunting, you know what else they like? They like people that respect their private property. Yes. They're a big, I talked to a guy who was a FEMA worker working at my father-in-law's uh, ranch in western Louisiana, where we will we'll be moving the studio to it sometime in the near future. I talked to the FEMA worker guy. He was from the he was from the little town right outside. You went to the Catholic Identity Conference. It's one of the towns next to Weirton, West Virginia, but it's on the Pennsylvania right. side. He's like he said, I'm 20 minutes from Weirton. He knew exactly where I was talking about. I was talking to that guy, and he told me, he told me and my father-in-law, he goes, it's all about property rights. Hmm. He goes, Trump respects my property rights. He goes, my neighbors, I know I got them, but I don't see them. And he goes, and I like it that way. I know they're there, but but I don't I don't see them. There are very private, very conservative people there. Uh, Maggie, can you throw in the chat room? Where did where did the Amish buggies come from? Is that Pennsylvania or Ohio? I think they're Pennsylvania. I, did you see them? With oh the yeah. Trump flags? See now, in here in um, Texas, we got Trump trucks. You seen the Trump trucks? I have. And uh, up there, they got the Amish buggy, Trump Amish buggies. You got a picture of one of those that you can put on the screen? I um do I? I don't know. I might be able to pull one up. I might be able to pull one up. It's hard for me to 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 add uh, graphics. I haven't mastered that part yet. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add one for people here. I'm gonna show you. I I got Trump trucks, but yeah, the Amish people. I mean, are the Amish really gonna vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? What? (laughs) Kamala Harris. What? Who by the by is an out of the closet, out of the out and out communist. That ad that they put together with her talking about equality of of outcomes. I'm going like that's straight out of the market. That's straight out of the communist manifesto. <laughs> equality of out, outcomes. And they released that on the day before. Then she actually put it on her Twitter. So somebody said, "It wasn't her. That's Trump people to put together." Okay, well then, how did he get on Kamala Harris for vice president? Right. Blue check mark. Yep. Here, I'm going to put my, so, you can't no, see I, this. I'm going to put, this is my truck on the screen right here. I got flags all over it. I got Trump flag behind it. I just drive this around all the time. Trump, this is, this is what I do. Trump truck. Did you see when, when the Kamala Harris bus came to Texas and all the tr- Texas Trump trucks around it? Did you see that? You know. I did, and you know she wasn't on it. I think oh, abortion Barbie was on it. Oh, was she on it? Was it? I Wendy thought Davis she was, but I might have gotten it wrong. I, I thought Kamal was on that thing, but maybe it was, as you say, abortion I, Barbie. My 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 friend at Sirius XM, the Patriot Center, Andrew Wilcox. I can't take credit for that. He calls her abortion Barbie. Yeah, <laughs> and it fits for when she ran against Greg Abbott back in what twenty fourteen. Yes. Talking about Wendy. Yes, yeah. Wendy Davis. Well, what a piece of work she is. She's a disgrace to Texas. So did you get to meet when you were there? Did you get to meet uh, Kaylee McEnany, any of the people that were No, I was sitting next to uh, Congressman Mike Lewis. You know Mike Lewis? I know of him. Okay. And uh, Sean Parnell and some others. But no, none of the, you know, it was kind of a bummer because he was late. Coming in from his previous, 
He was supposed to be there at 5.30. I don't think he actually got to the stage till 6.30. And then he they rushed him out. Because when we started, there were only three rallies that day. And by the time he got there, there was a fourth rally. Right. And right. I think what happened, the reason we got to 57,000, they were expecting, is he was delayed an hour. And I think people just kept calling their friends saying, he's not here yet. Drive over. Come on over. He's not here yet. He's not here yet. So I think the delay probably played into Trump's hand on that. Because people heard the news, they hadn't missed him yet. Maybe they were, you know, getting off work or had some free time and people just kept on driving over because the fields all the way around the airport were just full of people. So I asked this of Michael Hitchburn, who was your guest last uh, mm-hmm. uh, last week on the show. Uh, let me give you a 9.40 a.m. Uh, update. This is from my okay. uh, my friends who do the data for us, okay? Reliable people. Yes. We're talking data here, folks. Give us Not the data. I'm going to give you the data. And I wish I knew how to share this with you. I'll figure it out for for, for next time. Um, red suit, 9.40 a.m. update. This is from Florida. Red tsunami coming. Miami-Dade and Sarasota aren't included in this data, but their combined impact will be minimal. We're looking at 300,000-plus are lead by the end of the day. That's just voter wait, 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 turnout. Wait, which state? Three. This Florida. Okay. Three, Florida. Good. Three. 100,000 plus Republicans over Democrats. That's just voter turnout. Um, uh, uh, and wow. our lead by the end of the day. I predict I predict Trump wins Florida by at least 5%. As goes Florida, so goes uh, the rest of the nation. So, again, we have been keeping up with uh, our mantra to our people is, I don't want any polls. I don't care what polls say. What does the data say? Right. And there's a lot of data out there. You'd be surprised. There actually is a lot of data to crunch. Uh, you just got to be willing to get well, the numbers. And the polls, and, uh, the polls, Mike, I've been contacted four times in Texas. Who am I going to vote for? And I just ignore them because I want to mess up their data. Their, their fake data, the pollster <laughs> data, right? Well, uh, and I'm just scrolling through to see uh, because we get a lot of data. Um, okay, so I got another Florida update for you. For your Taylor Marshall All audience, right. for our audience. Exclusives coming in, breaking. Very, very explicit. Again, this is data-driven. This is not polled. This is a- actual voting tallies. Um, ED vote assessment. A South Florida focus. Miami-Dade is not reporting. Broward shows Democrat lead by 2,164 votes as of 1020. Palm Beach shows Republican lead of 10,724. I predict Miami-Dade will have at least 20,000-plus Republican lead by now for end of uh, for Election Day. Trump wins Florida by five points and by extension, the presidency. And then he's got the data dump underneath that he's getting directly from Secretary uh, of State website, which you can get. So what we're seeing, what's important, Broward County is the county that Biden wouldn't campaigned in. He went to Tampa when Trump was there. Then he went to Broward. Okay. Okay. Now he went to Broward. Why? This is this is retirement snowbird central. You've been to Fort Lauderdale. Have you been to Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, I think so. I don't know it. All right. The high rises on Fort Lauderdale on the beach. A lot of those people think that that's Playboy uh, high rises penthouse. It's not. It's principally <laughs> it's retirees. Right. That's, uh, there are on the ground ones, too, but there's a lot of retirees there. So you've got a lot of old, aged Connecticutans, Vermontans, Massachusetts, uh, New Yorkers, New Jerseys, et cetera, snowbirds, as they call them rent these condos, come down for the winter, and they stay there. Many of them actually, uh, some of them uh, move, uh, then take up permanent residence, and they, they actually wind up voting there. So Broward County, the reason why it leans so heavily Democrat, 
is because of the carpet-bagging Yankee invasion, if I could be so bold, into that part uh, of, of, of Broward County. Because when you get to the western part of Broward County, this family country here, Coral right. Springs, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the other three towns. There are three other uh, towns there. There's, as a matter of fact, our mutual uh, friend or uh, acquaintance, Christine Niles, is from Coral Springs. Oh, Florida. okay. That's where she grew up. So that's a very, uh, it is a little bit Hispanic or Latino or, or, or Cuban expat, um, but that's family country. You've got, very, you've got very active and robust and large schools. I know I lived in Coral Springs. So Broward County is important to the Democrat Party, as is Miami-Dade, simply because of the amount of Democrats that live there. This is how I knew and how we knew in 2016 that Hillary was in trouble, because the polls close at 7 Eastern time, 6 p.m. for us. By 6.45 or so, we were getting 70% precincts reporting, and we were getting Miami-Dade and Broward numbers. And it was a horror show for Hillary. Yeah. She was only up 200 and some odd thousand votes. I'm going like, it's over. Because the, 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 the polls don't even close for Eglin Air Force Base, Pensacola Naval Air Station. This is in the panhandle now. Yep. These are red, red. Kind of, what now, time do they close? What time spot. do they close? They close at 7, but 7 yeah. Central. So it'll close 7 p.m. our time, mine and your time. So 8, so, eight Eastern? 8 Eastern, they close. So um, we won't even get voter tallies. If, right. if it's close at 8 p.m. when those polls close, it's over. You can just bank it. Yeah. And by the by, Trump made up 270,000 votes that he was down from the Eastern time zone, Broward, Miami, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward County vote in 2016. It wasn't even close. He won it easy by four points. That's a blowout. So uh, these early numbers that we're already seeing here in Florida, and we have been tracking the early the the early vote by mail and by by in person. Um, this is going to be an ugly day. Now, again, I share your concern about Pennsylvania because I want this to be a, just an absolute bloodbath that, no, lib, that right. no, no libs out there can even contest this. And I think President Trump also wants, they want the popular vote win. Oh, absolutely. That's why they're they, stressing, if you're in California, vote Trump, vote Trump. They got to push that popular because they just want to, at the end of the day, say, we won this, go home. Yeah, we won Stars. this, go home. Go home. Now, uh, we'll be broadcasting live all day. We're doing our election coverage tonight. We've got our coverage maps, our vote totals and all that. You can keep it tuned right here on our Roku channel on our YouTube live. Uh, maybe you hop in and join us this evening. Maybe we have a little. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll jump in. I would love to have you. I'm going to be following it all day long. Well, uh, we'll keep communicating. Uh, congratulations uh, on uh, the Catholics for Trump. Um, uh, I think that uh, they picked a good guy, a good man. It's good to see you and Jesse there. Uh, yes. I know both of you. And I know Jesse got to lead a prayer at, at an event in Arizona, Jesse Romero. So He did two, actually. He did one for Trump, and I believe yesterday he opened a prayer for a Don Jr. event, I believe. So that's a holy man there. That's <laughs> As, as we say, Jesse Romero's churched up. And uh, I'm hoping, I think he's going to come on my channel today. So if you're not subscribe to my channel go ahead and hit the subscribe button on periscope or on youtube hit the bell for notification and then when i go live with jesse or whoever else today you'll be notified yeah and if you're uh, not subscribed to our channel do the same thing hit the hit the bell and hit the subscribe channel on youtube and again yep. you can find us on your roku device search for crusade channel tv all right i'm gonna put you on the spot and then we're gonna then i gotta go okay all right call the catholic vote for trump 
And do you, do you have any uh, kind of a percent higher than 2016? Uh, Same? I'm what gonna, do you say? I've been hearing 30% higher than 2016. So that and, puts us in the mid-60s. And the reason is, is because so many of the blue Democrat Union Catholic voters have peeled off because Biden's anti-fracking, he's anti-energy and all that. And look, you can't even have a union if you don't have a job. Right. So I, I really think that the, the Catholic vote would go up. The black vote for Trump is going up. They're saying it could be 30%. Have you seen that number? I've seen a, a reliable uh, poll. I've seen 19%, which is still double. Still amazing. Is, that's one-fifth. That's that's incredible. Yes. So I think we're going to be surprised. I can't wait for the Catholic number to be revealed because, look, you and I know, this time around 2020, Trump went all in on Catholics. Sure did. You, if you, if, I don't know if y'all been watching, but if you watch Catholics for Trump and what Catherine O'Neill has done— and the people they chose, and the Ave Maria at the GOP, and Abby Johnson, and Sister Dee Dee, and Jesse Romero, all this, I mean, they went all in. You know what else they did, Mike? Is they ignored the USCCB, and that was a good move. As as, as our mutual friend uh, Mike from RTF Media put it yesterday, they chose the rogue Catholics over the industrial or the institutional Catholics, yes. Trump chose Trump chose the people Catholics over the corrupt uh, institutional cap. That tells you again little signs that, as Michael Hitchmer just said, Mike, I believe that Our Lady has been with him the whole way, and he was giving me the list. Of, I think he might have talked to you about this. Yeah, yeah I've seen he Mike's list. Us, it's good. Yeah, he was giving us the list of the, the of the Marian influence that you can see. Uh, a great day, Doctor Taylor Marshall. Always good to see you, brother. No bets today. <laughs> no bets today, and then uh, we'll make arrangements, and we'll come to New Orleans, and we'll have a we'll have a good time. And and you bring the cigars, and I'll, and I'll pick up the bill for the for the steak dinner. Sounds good. All right, um, let's stay in touch during the day. I'll keep I'll keep you up on those deep data dives so you can share them with your audience. That sounds great. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, brother. God All bless. All right. You, God bless. Godspeed. All right. Always good to talk to uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall there and uh, to have him on. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for for watching and uh, pray that rosary. Uh, I'd encourage you to pray the rosary as you're waiting in line to vote. Bring your beads, rattle the beads, pray the rosary every day, pray the rosary today while you're waiting in line. Have the beads out in your hand, praying the rosary for the unborn praying for our nation. Pray the rosary every single day. And I'm going to close this up with an Ave Maria, and this is going to be for all the voters and for America and for a pro-life win. So please pray with me. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. You know what? I'm not going to hang up. I'm going to keep talking to you. I'll do some q and got nothing else to do. And it's too early in the day to have any good data. Right now, it's just what they were saying last night. There's nothing, nothing new. We probably won't start getting any good numbers probably until around 7 p.m. Central. So you might as well not worry about it too much, but if you have some questions or maybe something that Mike and I touched um, or we didn't touch, uh, go ahead and leave a question. You can hit question marks, put question marks in your question so that I see that it is 
a question and I'll, I'll hang out with y'all. And, um, okay, here's a question. Jacob Bauer. I know Jacob Bauer. Hey, Jacob. Um, did you get to meet Trump? I did not. Uh, he was one hour late, to, maybe over one hour late to our event in Butler, PA. I was right there in the front. I had a rosary for him. I had a miraculous medal for President Trump. But he flew in, he spoke, and then he immediately did his YMCA dance, you know, the Trump dance where he does this. And then he got in a helicopter and he went to another Pennsylvania rally. So I did not get to meet him. I did not get to shake his hand, did not get to give him a rosary. I was seated with some congressmen and I was hoping that Trump would just come over. We'd have to come off the stage down just to shake their hand. But he didn't even greet greet his Republican uh, congressman. He just got on Marine One and he flew out. So sadly, I did not. I was supposed to do a rally with him on stage in Wisconsin, but that was a day or two after he got COVID. So that event got canceled. So thwarted twice, but hopefully one day I will meet him. So good to see Jacob. Any, any other questions? Uh, oh, this is good. What's your favorite mystery of the rosary? Mm. I kind of like Descent of the Holy Ghost. Third glorious mystery. I like that one. Let's see. Were there protesters? You know, I saw one girl as we were leaving. Mind you, 57,000 people are leaving this airport. And I saw one girl. She looked about 18 or 19. And she had a poster board that was not well made. And I read it. And by the look on her face and her demeanor and the way she was standing, I could tell she was not part of the Trump party. But her poster board did not make sense to me. There was, it was too long and too wordy, so I didn't know what she was trying to tell us. So out of 57,000 enthusiastic Trump supporters, I only saw one protester uh, the entire night in Pennsylvania. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chica says, what did your son think of the entire event? He thought it was awesome. Let me, I'm going to share a picture um, of him at the event with me. And uh, I just kept looking. We weren't sitting next to each other. He was a couple rows behind me. But I just kept looking back at him. And, and he was super, super excited. And we've had a lot of good time talking about it. Here he is. Let me get this. Share this off my phone real quick. And they were, since it was Halloween, we were there on Halloween. Uh, they had these special edition MAGA hats that have a pumpkin on them. There he is. So these are the MAGA hats on the back. It has Donald Trump and all that. Uh, that's us. There's a stage right there behind us. And that's my son. He's a little mini me, isn't he? Little mini, little mini Marshall. And uh, we had a great, great trip together. There he is with his Halloween MAGA hat and his, you can see his brown scapular. And uh, he didn't want to wear a suit coat, but I said, hey, we might meet the president, so I need you to dress nice. So he did. So that was great. Uh, let's see, what else? We're still alive? Yeah, we are. Yes, he looks like daddy indeed. Any more questions? Ah, here we go. Uh, hi, Taylor. I'm a Catholic mother of 10 from Scotland, and we have been denied Holy Communion on the tongue. Please give me advice on what to do. Well, my advice would be to uh, prayerfully receive, spiritually 
receiving communion spiritually goes like this. Lord, I'm not able to receive you sacramentally. Please come spiritually into my heart. I embrace you. I love you. I adore you. These kind of words, kind of prayers to Jesus. Uh, if it were me and there were no communion on the tongue, it was enforced on the hand, I just wouldn't receive communion. Um, so I just don't think that we should be touching our Lord in the Eucharist. Our hands are not consecrated like the hands of a priest. And so I don't receive communion on my hands. And I would encourage you not to do that as well. So sadly, it's a very sad, it's a very criminal, it's a very wrong thing that the bishops and governors are doing. So that is my advice to you. And I'm, I'm sorry that it's sad advice. Let's see what's going on here. Oh, this is a good question. Catherine McLean, do you think Father Altman's videos will impact the Wisconsin Catholic vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think Wisconsin is going to go easily to Trump. There is a lot of strong pro-life Catholic voters in Wisconsin. Yes, the inner cities are liberal university students. But remember, with COVID, the university students and that whole mobilization of young liberal Democrat voters, it's kind of broken because of COVID. This COVID thing backfired them on that, on the university vote. Um, but yeah, Father Altman, he has become just such a, a strong voice all across America. I think he's impacted the vote in all 50 states, but certainly in Wisconsin, the bishops don't know what to do with Father Altman. It's, it's great to watch. It's great to watch. And sadly, I think most of our bishops are Democrat voters. You might be shocked to hear that, but they are. Let's see. Any more questions? Make sure you put a question mark so I see as a question. Oh, this is good. Causa Laetitia. Uh, what will a Trump win mean to Europe? Thanks for everything you're doing. Greetings from Berlin. Great. I've been to Berlin. Um, well, it depends. If you want Europe that has national sovereignty for Germany, for Italy, for England, for France, and it's not swallowed up into the European Union, which will be a mega communist socialist bloc, well, then Trump is going to stop the momentum of globalism. And I think it's going to be a net positive for Europe and for Europeans. I know many Europeans overseas and they're saying, we're praying for you. We're praying rosaries. We're fasting. This election is our election. These are Catholic Europeans telling me this. This election is our election. They realize that Donald Trump is the backstop against globalism. So pray for us. Pray for us. Uh, Kimberly Hall, when is your rosary book coming out? It was supposed to come out. October 7th, Feast of the Rosary. And we had a printing delay and then it's all ready to go. The book is done. I've just been so slammed with Catholics for Trump and other stuff that I have not um, hit the button and approved it for for um, publication. And the reason is whenever you push out a book publication, you have to be ready to promote it and talk about it. And I just haven't had any time to promote or talk about the book at all. Here's a picture of the cover. This is my new book. Um, you know, you kind of do a book launch. Well, with everything going on in the last two weeks, I just, with the election, I just have not been able to even think or prepare how to launch this book. 
but it's done. It's a great book. Uh, my wife, Joy, just finished reading it. She loved it. And um, I think it's going to be very, um, I'll talk about it a little bit, but the first chapter is why do we have devotion to Our Lady and why would we even need a rosary? Why do we need this kind of a prayer? The next chapter is where does the rosary come from in scripture and how did St. Dominic get it from Mary in the 1200s? Then the third section is on the power and the history of the rosary. So just anecdotes, stories, popes, saints quotes, running all the way up into Lepanto and then, and then Our Lady of Fatima. And then the, the last section is how to pray the rosary in various versions of the rosary. And then the final appendix is how to pray the rosary in English and in Latin with all the Latin prayers with the accent mark. So it's a short, simple book. It's almost like a, um, what's the word? A tract. A, um, a, uh, I want to say bulletin, but that's not the word. What am I trying to say? Anyway, it's a short little book on the rosary you can give to people. They say, why do, you, why do you pray the rosary? How do I pray the rosary? Here, take this. There you go. This is the, one of the edit versions. It has this gray bar on it. And on the edit versions, I always fold them over so that I don't accidentally give it to someone. So thanks for asking. And hopefully, over the next week or so, we can do a little little launch or something and push the book out. And by the way, I am going to be sending free copies of um, this book, The Rosary in 50 Pages, to the student-level Patreon supporters. So if you're a, one of my supporters of this channel on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall, if you're one of my patrons on Patreon and you're at the student level, I'm going to send you a bunch of signed books. If you're already on that level, don't worry. You're just going to get the book in the mail. You don't have to worry about it. You have to order it. It's going to be an autographed signed book. So if you want autographed versions of this book, Rosary in 50 Pages, plus uh, autographed versions of my other books, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Marshall. And if you're a supporter at student level or higher, you're just going to get the book autographed in the mail for free. You don't have to do anything about it. It's just going to come. All right. What else? What other questions are we going to talk about today? Um, the Pope, I think, is pro-Biden. You are correct. Um, Pope Francis is pro-Joe Biden. Everybody realize that. Let's see. Yes, landslide. Were you able to give Trump the rosary? No, I, I explained that earlier. He came late and they rushed him out to get him to another one. So no one was able, no one gave him a high five. No one shook his hand. No one talked to him. He was just in and he was out. Let's see. What do you think is going to happen if Trump wins and the left steals the election? Well, we're going to have weeks and weeks and weeks of contests, investigations, lawyers. It could go to the Supreme Court which is a good reason for having Amy Coney Barrett on there already. Um, my guess is tonight at midnight, there are going to be no concessions unless it's a huge blowout. But I doubt even then Joe Biden is going to concede. Um, there are these rumors that Pennsylvania will continue to take votes and they might just print out votes until they get enough votes because then they'll know how many votes they need to print out. But we're going to be watching them like a hawk. So... I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to be watching it up until late. 
And if it's a major blowout like it was in 2016, it's just gonna, they're just going to call it. Um, but I don't see Joe Biden conceding. They don't want to concede. I mean, in, in reality, when you think about the last four years with everything that went on with the FBI, they really never even accepted the results up until now. <laughs> even now, they don't accept. They have this whole um, narrative of the Russian collusion. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has been having Ukrainian collusion, Chinese collusion, Romanian collusion, Kazakhstani collusion. What's up with that? Um, where do we order the book? Uh, Rosary in 50 pages. Uh, if you're a Patreon, you'll just get it in the mail for free autographed. And then if you want to purchase it, it'll be available on amazon.com and Catholic bookstores. Um, Will you be on InfoWars? They need to be... I, I've been on InfoWars a few times. Uh, maybe three or four times I've been on InfoWars. Get a lot of flack when I go on InfoWars. People say, oh, you're such a nutcase. You went on InfoWars. But for me, if someone's going to give me a huge platform to talk about the Catholic faith, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So I don't care who. If it was uh, The View, I'd go on The View. So if anyone at The View wants me to come on and talk about Catholicism at The View or any show, I've, I've been on Huffington Post before. They did a, um, a video, one of these kind of things. I went on Huffington Post. So um, if you invite me and it's a big platform, I'll come and talk about Jesus and the Catholic Church. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Someone's at my door. Yes? Hello? It's one of my kids. They ran away. Do you play the guitar? Yes. I would put the guitar on. I just don't know if it's tuned, and it might take me a little bit to tune it. One of these days, I'll pick up a guitar, and I'll play something for you. Let's see. Any new fiction works? Sword and Serpent trilogy was awesome. Thanks for reading Sword and Serpent. Um, yes, I actually did um, revise a short story that I've written. Um, it's about a lapsed Jesuit priest who becomes a um, chaplain on a cruise at sea. And then demonic possession happens on the cruise ship at sea. And this uh, liberal Jesuit priest, well, I won't give any more away, but there's a liberal Jesuit priest who gets to wear his Hawaiian shirt on a cruise ship. And then a demonic possession happens on the cruise ship. It's a short story. I don't know if I'm going to publish it as a collection of short stories with more short stories, or I'll just publish it as a little novella. But yes, I have been working on this, this idea. It's kind of a, almost like a, well, I won't say anymore. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Um, Will you come out with a sequel to Infiltration? Of course. There's so much more material. I could write Infiltration 2, Infiltration 3, Infiltration 4. I've already had the book offers to do it. But I'm just so busy with this YouTube channel, but mainly Catholics for Trump. So I've been telling Joy, when Catholics for Trump is over and the campaign is over and all that, then there'll be time for new projects. Let's see what else here. Uh, thank you for the super chat. 
I believe that the Trump, the landslide, the landslide for Trump will include California. Oof. You're a po- you're positive. You're an optimist. I'm not that optimistic, but I do think the, the popular vote in California will be shocking to a lot of people, but turning California red in 2020, mm, mm, I just don't know about that. I just don't know about that. Any chance of New York and Oregon flipping? Oregon, no. Uh, New York, of course, upstate. It's very upstate New York. It reminds me in many ways of Pennsylvania. Um, there are such strong conservative pockets there. New York City has been destroyed by the Democratic Party and by the riots and all this. I don't think it's going to flip, um, but I think the popular vote, like California, is going to be shocking to people. They're going to realize that there's a lot, a lot of pro-Trump people in these so-called liberal blue states. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Is there any interest in making a... I lost it. Here we go. In the future, make a movie out of your infiltration book. I've had three different people contact me about making a movie of infiltration, and I think that will happen one day, especially if we put out another book to follow up. Let's see. Greg, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate that. Yes, it would be great if California went red. I just don't see it happening this time. Uh, Anne says, if Trump wins, will we be back here in four years fighting for the same battles? Yes. <laughs> As I said before, this is not a this is not a victory win. This is a first down. We're getting a first down with Trump. It buys us four years. We get four more downs. Right? That's it. That's all this means. All right. So as enthusiastic as I am about Trump, that doesn't mean that Trump is the Messiah. Trump is the savior. Trump is the Saint King. There's a lot of good things about Trump, but he gets four more years. And I think he'll be more aggressive this second term when he wins, uh, especially with regard to the wall and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're going to be back. This, this battle never stops. Never stops. Wayne Williams, infiltration, return of the Inquisition. We wish. We wish, right? Have you heard of the liberal agenda in Canada to push concentration camps and debt reset program? Of course, that's called communism. And Canada is slipping quickly into communism. So, yeah, debt reset programs is always the worm on the hook to get the populace to bite into communism. It's a trick. Do not bite that worm. Do not bite that worm. Ty, Sword and Serpent is a great series. Thank you so much. Georgia for Trump. Yes. Amen and amen. Ha- this is a good question. Uh, Mrs. Noak, librarian at large, has being on Trump's team given you a bad or good taste for politics? That's a really good question. Um, I've certainly learned more than I ever could have from a book. And um, there are negative elements to it. The thing that I think is was the most surprising is to realize all the different groups inside the Trump campaign. And we don't all agree. And we're all looking to get our platform, our message across to the president 
and to the rallies and to the talking points and all that, and we don't always get it. So there is a little bit of competition. Let me just, you know, let me give you an example. So I'm on the advisory board for Catholics for Trump, but there's blacks for Trumps, Hispanics for Trumps, evangelicals for Trumps, uh, Jews for Trumps. I mean, just name a demographic and there is that for Trump. So for example, evangelicals for Trump and Catholics for Trump are part of the Christian coalition for Trump, but we don't agree on everything. Right, The way evangelicals for Trump would run a meeting or a gathering um, is more like a praise and worship thing with a sermon. It's like a megachurch thing. Well, we Catholics for Trump, we don't do that. right? So we want to do a rosary rally or we want to do, um, you know, have a, a priest, you know, or something like that. So there's, there is this, I guess, by competition, I don't mean like, cutthroat but there is sort of a competition to it and um, it's sort of surprising to realize that once you get into to the actual campaign there is sort of the the jockeying it's kind of like this is a good analogy so when you go to go to rome and you get to be at a wednesday audience with the pope and there's all these old ladies with rosaries in their hand these nuns and they are throwing elbows to get to the very front so that they can wave to the pope or shake the pope's hand now, you know, as a Catholic, that those old ladies holding rosaries and those old and the nuns, that they're on your team. These are rosary praying Catholics. But at the moment, you're kind of ticked off because this grandma is like putting her elbow in your ribs to hold you back from getting into her space. Right. So we're all on the same team, but everyone's kind of jockeying for their position. So it didn't put a bad taste in my mouth. I think it just kind of sobered me up to the reality of of what an election campaign looks like. And I mean, I, I got to say, it's kind of impressive the way that anyone who runs for president or in this case, Trump has to balance all of these groups. I think he's done a good job. I think he's done a good job. I haven't heard of anything like super nasty. When is mass of the ages coming? That's the documentary. Um, I'll be in it. I don't know. It's coming. Um, I thought later this year, but, but maybe it's different. I'll have to ask when it's coming out. All right, let's see. Any other questions here? Uh, TJ says, I listen to you almost daily. Thank you for this channel. However, as a Canadian, I'm hungry for similar content with content more relevant to us. Do you know of similar Canadian channels? No, you should make one. You should make one. I've realized doing this now for all these years, people in Europe, listen to Americans because there isn't content makers in these countries. And I say, look, turn on your webcam. Look at me right now, guys. I am above my garage at my house. This is not a nice set, right? This is, I've got over here, a old chair. Uh, there's, a random guitar case right there that one of my kids left. There's a coffee table. Um, over here is a plant and a picture of Aquinas and some books on a TV stand where there's no longer a TV. You probably noticed I took the TV out because I never use it in here. Um, and there's a mirror right here and the bathroom. I mean, this is, this is not Fox News. I turn on my webcam 
and I talk. That's it. And I do research. Usually I spend 30 minutes to an hour before I go on. I get all my bullet points, my talking points, my data, my percentages, my Bible verses, my Pope quotes, my council quotes, whatever, and then hit record. So I don't know of a trad Canadian channel, but there should be one. There should be one. Someone should make one. Let's see what else. Is Trump part of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart? I don't know. That's his decision. That's something he has to choose. God doesn't force any of us. And uh, to be part of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, I believe, first step is to be in love with the Eucharist and receiving the Eucharist. So he would have to get that straight first. But um, who knows? Who knows? Um, I do know that he has a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. And I do know that he loves his Catholic voters. And I do know that he is disillusioned with the U.S. bishops. and But he still likes the Catholics. He still likes the Catholics. So that's great. Let's see what else. Nicest garage I've ever seen. Well, this isn't my garage. My garage is directly above me. My truck is underneath this carpet. So sometimes when I'm doing a live show you will hear the garage door opening and closing. That's because my wife or someone's coming home or their kids are skateboarding or riding their bikes. And um, I, I tell them, hey, don't don't open the garage door when dad's recording. But, you know, sometimes they just need to ride their bike and they do it. Shouldn't your tie be red? Yes, father. But I was going on and making my concession speech to Mike Church today about the Amy Coney Barrett wager that we had. And since he's in New Orleans and I'm going to buy him and his wife steak in New Orleans, I had to wear my New Orleans tie, which has the Florida Lees in it. And it's a bluish tie. And then I used a blue pocket score. But yeah, I should have a red one. I don't have one. I should put on, I'll put on a red one. If I come back live, I'm going to change and go red. Red wave, red wave. That's another thing I've learned doing um, live YouTube almost every day, uh, I go about five or six times a week now, is the criticism. Everybody wants to criticize you, how you mispronounce. You talk for an hour and a half and you mispronounce one word and then you get 10 people criticizing you for saying the word wrong or they don't like the way I say a Latin prayer or whatever it is, all the criticism. But you know what? I've been doing this for over 10 years, so I got thick skin. But I'm still surprised um, by all that. Where are you watching the election tonight? I'm going to a viewing party. I don't want to be too specific about it. Um, I actually received from my local city a concern about my safety, which makes me a little bit concerned. But we are big believers in the second amendment at the Marshall household. So not too worried. What do you think about the Trump prophecy from the, from the 1980s? Uh, test prophecy. I don't know, but, um, sounds legit. Sounds legit. We'll see. We'll see. Sheila says, I never hear your garage door. Sheila, you should watch me more often because if you watch me more often, you will hear my garage door. In fact, I should. we should play a new game. Every time you hear my garage door, you all should leave a little live chat comment because you will hear the garage door. I mean, the motor 
is right underneath me here and the and the door is just you know two feet from me so you you will if you listen carefully the mic will pick up the garage door going up and down someone asked me what do you think about her i don't know who her is you got to be specific do you think it is possible trump converts to catholicism he claimed even he was raised protestant now he doesn't tag himself in any denomination i think it's a sign of being close to catholicism no um please see my video is donald trump a christian and what his denomination is i do a whole history um on trump's religion his baptism his confirmation the church where he grew up his pastors his religious leaders i do a pretty good job i think in a short video it's here on my youtube channel dr taylor marshall on youtube um i think the reason he doesn't identify himself with his childhood denomination which is he's presbyterian and also um continental reformed which are both historically calvinist traditions and i go through that in the video and explain it is because he's a president you know you don't want to isolate people um by saying i'm a presbyterian and then you know you want you want to be loved by all the denominations and so you he doesn't self-identify now if i were to president i of course am a catholic and i would wave those beads and rattle those beads but um I don't think by him not claiming a denomination, it means he's closer to Catholicism. I think it just means he's a he's a president. Um, now, the, that's still the question is, do you think he could convert to Catholicism? And I think the answer is yes. A big part problem with this is that the current occupant of the chair of St. Peter, Pope Francis, says he's not a Christian and is very hostile towards him. So it's like if you wanted to join a congregation, the local pastor didn't like you. That's an obstacle of coming into the Catholic Church. There are very few people on planet Earth who are like, I wonder if I should become Catholic. But you open the newspaper and you read the Pope himself does not like you. That's a very in interesting predicament to be in. So I think that's, a, that's an obstacle. But President Trump is realizing that there is a majority, a silent majority of Catholics who don't trust the bishops, who don't trust the Pope, who don't trust the cardinals and think there's a giant scheme or a giant infiltration going on in the Catholic Church. And I think Trump is ready to hear that message. And I think that might be something that helps him understand Catholic theology, Catholic doctrine, and the true historic Roman Catholic Orthodox faith. Faith. All right. I need a little coffee. I'm going to have to shut this down and go get a little coffee. Maybe my, if my, let's see if this works. My dear wife, Joy, if you're listening right now, would you please bring me a cup of coffee? I love you. I really appreciate it. Okay. So we'll soon find out if Joy's watching. Did you pray the rosary today? I have not prayed the rosary today, but... I am committed to praying 15 decades of the rosary today, so I will be getting on that. Isn't Vigano retired? Yes, he is. Officially, that doesn't mean just because you're a retired man doesn't mean you sit around and watch TV. He's still a priest. He's still a bishop, successor of the apostles, so he's still living his vocation until death. So he's 
retired from his assignment, but not his vocation. This is a, I, I don't like this. Since Vatican II, this idea that priests and bishops retire, maybe from an assignment, but not from your vocation. You should be a priest um, until you die saying that mass. What's your favorite tie? My favorite tie that I like to wear, you've seen me wear it before. It's a dark navy blue tie with green Irish clovers on it. That's my favorite tie. Uh, it goes with a blue blazer. It goes with tweed. It goes with everything. And I get lots of good compliments on it. I'm allegedly half Irish. And so that's kind of my Irish tie. It's kind of like this tie, but instead of Florida Lees, it's, um, it's green clovers. And I really like that tie. I used to have a tie that was dark blue with white Fortalees on it, but I left it in a hotel room and I missed that one. This is my replacement tie. It's more of a purpley blue. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, this is a good one. It's a bit off topic, but what do you think of Kanye West? Um, I was never a Kanye West fan, like his rap music. It's pretty pretty crass and pretty crude but the new album which was called christ is king i have listened to several times and sometimes when i lift weights or work out i listen to that kanye west album and i think it's pretty good i think it's pretty good um i don't think he's going to be when as president um i would have rather seen him just endorse president trump instead of run for president but i understand why he did it and um I would I would love to see Kanye um, get more and more theological, and I have seen him. I follow him on Twitter, and uh, I think I'm going to continue to follow him. I like what's happening. Um, I wish he was posting a bunch on like St. Michael, and he was po posting icons and all that. I'd really like to see Kanye. His children were baptized in the Armenian Orthodox Church, and I'd really like to see Kanye. Kanye, if you're listening, read. You know, I'd really like to see him get into patristic ancient theology you know not just the um kind of uh in america people don't live in america we have this sort of revival tradition it has to do with the american people moving west and there were not many churches to the west and so there were these revival circuit preachers who would go and they'd set up tents and they would have these revival services where people would give themselves to jesus but there wasn't a church in town so we kind of have this tradition that goes back to the 1800s of circuit riders and preaching missions and revivals and all that. And unfortunately, in a lot of our Protestant denominations, that's always been sort of the model for over 100 years of big, important preachers coming through town and having a huge gathering, almost like a Trump rally, people giving themselves to Jesus, and then he goes to the next town. Um, that's actually an interesting analysis to now to maybe see how the Trump rallies reflect the American ethos and the American love for the big tent revival. That's kind of how these Trump rallies are. They're kind of like big tent revivals. So um, as you see in, in after slavery, during and after slavery in America, the same thing happened where um, preachers would come through and preach in uh, African-American communities, right, and bring people uh, and bring the African-American communities uh, together, a message, accepting Jesus Christ, etc. Uh, this is why in America we have this, you know, can I get an amen? Can I get an hallelujah? You know, this whole like kind of dialogue with the audience is from these 
these revival meetings. And then it kind of becomes canonized inside church services for the other 52 Sundays. So, um, but because of that, it's not liturgical, right? And so unless you're an Anglican or a Lutheran, that liturgical idea is not there. And so I, I think I've noticed, in fact, when I was at the Trump rally, I met a really awesome, I think his name was, oh, I'm going to butcher it. His name was Omi or Obi or something. He was an Ethiopian Orthodox man. He watches this channel. If you're watching, uh, hello. Um, maybe his name was Omar. Um, maybe this is him asking the question. Is that you, Omar? Let me know. Um, and I think it's amazing because I've, I've known some people who have made this journey where they start studying ancient Christianity and uh, they realize, oh, wow, Africa had a had it as an ancient liturgical patrimony and they join. It's incredible. So I think that'd be really cool if Kanye West did that, if he became like an Ethiopian Catholic church or or even Roman Catholic, whatever, you know. I think that'd be really neat. And maybe his kids being or Armenian Orthodox, maybe maybe that's the gateway. I don't know. Okay, let's see here. Do you think France should work to get their king back? Yeah, if he's a Catholic king. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roosh. Uh, Y'all remember Roosh? Uh, he had the blog, I think it was called Return... Return of Kings or Return of the King, something like that. And he was, he had all this pickup artistry and like uh male rights and um, kind of the red pill stuff. And over time people started noticing, well, this guy's talking more about Eastern Orthodoxy and Catholicism and Christianity. And he uh, has, I believe completely returned, had a massive conversion and is no longer writing books on pickup artistry but is completely committed. I think he's returned to the Armenian Orthodox Church or one of the Oriental Orthodox churches. Um, and it's it's amazing to see that transition because I think people are realizing, men and women, drugs, pornography, binging Netflix, this is not fulfilling. Uh, casual sex, this is not fun. It's not fulfilling. Not good. You should have a real job, have a real family, get married to a real woman or a real man and have real kids. And live, you know, live the dream. Let's see. I guess my wife Joy is not listening because no coffee yet. Uh, off topic, uh, Sherry asks, Taylor Marshall, what's your favorite gun? I don't know. I like shooting a fifty caliber. That's like big time. But just to carry a gun around with me like in the truck or all day or wherever I'm going, um, a nine millimeter, a Glock mini subcompact nine millimeter, um, is the best everyday carry. I like all kinds of guns, but for a carry, that's it. Let's see. Uh, pocket carry. Uh, I do, I do pocket carry waistband and I also do on my ankle. Will Trump save the Catholic Church? No, of course not. That doesn't make any sense. I don't even know what that means. Have you ever visited the Holy Land? Uh, yes, last year. Uh, led a pilgrimage of um, a bunch of pilgrimages. We did a Latin Mass pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And this year in 
May, June, we had a Latin mass pilgrimage for Fatima, Spain, and France, but it was canceled because of COVID. But hopefully we will do it again next year when this whole COVID pandemic is over. Let's see. Yes, the good thing about wearing suits is it's easy to conceal carry a handgun. That's very correct. If you if you dress like this, you can easily carry a uh, a handgun. I don't usually always I don't walk around the streets always dressed like this, but um uh just clean my CZ PL7, very nice. I like those. My brother has one of those, I think. Um man, we're getting really off the off the path here. We're not talking about Trump anymore. What belt are you in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I am a purple belt. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There are five colors. There's white, blue, purple, brown, and black. So I'm in the middle in there. And I skipped Jiu-Jitsu last night because last week I got caught in a really hard arm bar on my left arm and my left arm hurts. So, and then sometimes you see on the show, I have marks on my face or bruises or anything. That's not because of any kind of abuse. It's because of jujitsu. Sometimes I get a little beat up. If you ever notice marks on my face during a show, uh, that's from jujitsu. Could Vigano become Pope without being a Cardinal? Yes. Any baptized male can be elected as Pope. So there is a chance, not likely, but there is a chance. Brenda, will someone bring this man a cup of coffee here. I'll do a text. You want to see joy? Let's bring joy in. Let me text her. Or I'll call her. That'll be better. Calling in joy for a cup of coffee. Kitchen's downstairs there. Hey, babe. Hey, people want to see you. I'm still live right now. And could you bring me a cup of coffee? Good. Just bring uh, like an espresso. All right. Love you. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what do I think about vaccines? I don't want any vaccines that have any boarded babies in it. I'll tell you that much. And yes, Catholics for Trump. Catholics are going to be talking and have been talking to um, Trump about that. So don't think we don't know. Uh, yes, we want Vigano for Pope. We all do. Pope Vigano. Definitely, definitely want that. Oh, let's see. Yes, Joy is awesome. She'll be here shortly. Uh, let's see. No one wants to talk about Trump. Why is that? Today's the election, people. Today is MAGA. Today is the day. Red wave. Trump. Trump mania. No, I did not talk with Trump. Everybody asked that. That's the one question. He was late, and then they rushed him out, so I didn't make it. Uh, Pope Marshall, no way. I would not accept that. Even if they voted me, I would not accept that. Um, does Joy have guns, too? I can neither deny or confirm that. Can Joy talk about veiling? I guess, if you want to ask her. Should we, she veils at church. Oh, let's see. What do you think um, put the kibosh on Cardinal Betchu embezzlement scandal? Hasn't been totally, hasn't been totally resolved yet. Um, so yeah, they need to put the kibosh on that. 
but it's, they've kind of swept it under the rug. Don't worry. We're not going to let them do it. Uh, do you think Trump will, or do, sorry, do you think Pence will run after Trump? I, I don't know. 50-50. I, I like Pence. And uh, have you noticed Pence has a lot of good Catholic messaging? It's awesome. Oh, here she is. Um, just talking to 4,000 people. They all wanted to say hello. And she hey, brought me Vigano. Vigano. Everyone praying? Here, you want to sit down? Um, yeah. You want to sit down Take some take some questions? Is there a stool? No, I had to take it out the other day. Oh, okay. Here, I'll just come down here on my knees. You can take the chair. All right. Joey's got a little bit of a cold. We're talking about Trump, but then they're asking me all kinds of other questions. Like, can anyone dance like Trump? There was that. (laughs) Um, People wanted to ask you about veiling. Do you have anything you want to say about veiling? Um, I think it's a, strictly speaking, if you want to be following scripture, um, you want to feel deferential to the Lord. Um, I think it's a really good pious practice. I don't think there's anything proud or haughty about it. Like some people say, oh, those ladies that veil, Mm um, I don't, I've never, felt like that i don't think that's the point and i don't think women do feel like that i think that um i think that in fact you feel more like humbling yourself before god so yeah and like you said it's biblical it's biblical it's in the bible Mm -hmm. it's in the bible so that should be enough let's see what else yeah i was southern baptist someone asked Mm -hmm. if i was southern baptist we were southern baptist anglican and then Catholico. Mm-hmm. I saw a question here. Hey, uh, oh, here's one. Not that we're pros. Uh, yeah. Hey, Mrs. Taylor. That's your new name, <laughs> Mrs. Taylor. Uh, Mrs. Marshall. What are your tips um, and tricks for maintaining a healthy, happy, holy household? I struggle with one toddler. How does it work with a large family? Um, I think you really just have to make a routine for your family. Make a pace that you keep up that keeps y'all moving and going and productive and you know even if it's just wake up make your coffee breakfast clean up breakfast (laughs) you know it doesn't have to be exciting and then you know get out of the get out of the house to do your errands at a certain time just just make a schedule that everyone is in a flow that works for y'all that where you're getting what you need to get done and um, don't stress about things that you shouldn't stress about yep Good. And don't tell the don't let the world tell you what you have to be doing in your home to be a good mother, like how many sports your kids should be involved in and how many extra you know playdates you should be doing. I mean, just everything that adds to you, not what. Don't let other people tell you what you need to be doing. So that's what I would say is the best young mom advice. Yep. And you know, there's different seasons, like a toddler or a baby is different than a teenager because teenagers are really much more harder than a baby. <laughs> well, they are, but then also like, but you have actually no, 
personal space with the, a toddler or a baby. Like right. they need you. They're all over you. All the time, at, you know, whenever. So it can feel hard to make schedules, yeah. but, you know, so you have to be a little bit more go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yep. Oh, um, and she says, thank you for that, Mrs. Marshall. <laughs> Very nice. Um, can you... Uh, can you give us a prayer right now for today's election there seems to be so much anxiety yeah let's do a prayer in the name of the father and of the son and the holy ghost mighty god we pray for america and we pray that your will would be done not our will but your will and we ask that you would take away all anxiety and give us the peace that only jesus can give us we pray in his name Amen. amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen all right. You want to do some more more questions? Um, sure. Or do you want you need to run down and do homeschool? I am in the middle of math. Oh, two kids. What are y'all learning in math? Um, you know, starting to learn some fractions. Mm. Elizabeth in first grade, and um, you know, normal. Stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. People were asking what we do for school. This um, is our first year to homeschool almost everybody. Yep. Um. And we just didn't want to be back and forth with schooling. We do a classical curriculum in general, and our kids have always gone to classical schools. Um, so, yeah, I think it includes, it's a really beautiful curriculum because it always includes scripture and wholesome mm-hmm. uh, virtue talks and things like that, and yeah. poetry and things. Our youngest is five. Mm-hmm. Hi, Paul, doing math in, at home. <laughs> um, you're in the, a bunch of people are in the middle of math class. It's fun. Yeah, everybody's doing that math. Mm-hmm. You need to do math. How, um, do you, how do you count to 270? We need to learn how to do today. Yeah, yeah, we should. Who can add up the electoral college fastest? <laughs> <laughs> how many? Right. If you, yeah, you should do, show them the states. We should show them the states and show how much each state is worth for votes. You can yes. come in if you want. Push the door. You can come in. Anyway. I've taught them not to come in when the when the light is on. Okay. So they're not coming. Well, I better go. Okay. Are y'all good? Yep, we're good. Bye. Don't be distressed. <laughs> oh, here comes someone. Come in. Hey, we're talking about President come Trump. Me. Come say hi. hi. Oh, here comes Elizabeth. Look at your hair. <laughs> you want to come over here, Elizabeth? Talking to this microphone right here. Hi. Are y'all doing homeschool? Yeah. Okay. What are you learning? Math. Math. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Mom was just bringing me some coffee. Okay. Are y'all in favor of President Trump? Yeah. Who's going to win, Margaret? President Trump. <coughs> Who would you vote for? President Trump. Good. All right. I love you gals. Have a good homeschool. <laughs> Bye, Daddy. Bye. That's, that's MAGA. That is making America great again. That's why we do all of this for the baby girls, for the baby girls. Everybody's in the middle of math. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, should we do so? I guess I said I was going to 
get off unless I got some coffee, but now I have some coffee in my Archbishop Vigano mug. By the way, if you're on YouTube and you want one of these mugs, all you have to do is right below the video is a little shelf, a little line, and there's coffee mugs there, and one of those coffee mugs is this mug. And uh, you can get them in all different colors, but everybody agrees the lime color is the coolest one. That's the one that I use. I wish it says something on the bottom right here. Wouldn't that be cool? But it doesn't. Maybe I can sharpie that. Uh, someone says, is that a class ring? Yes, this is the ring of Texas A&M University. It's a big deal at Texas A&M University to wear the ring. I don't usually wear the ring, but today I did have my ring on because I was giving my concession speech to uh, Mike Church. Hope you missed that. Uh, what mic are you using? Says Mike Patak. This is the Sure SM7B mic. It is the microphone used by Michael Jackson to record the album Thriller. And it's also the microphone that Joe Rogan uses. And I think it sounds buttery and warm. Ever since I went to this mic, I've just been so happy with the audio quality of my show. Do y'all like the audio quality? I think since I went to this mic, the production quality has gone up a ton. So highly recommend it. It is expensive. But fortunately, I have very generous patrons at Patreon who support this show and support this channel. They make monthly donations. Even small ones are great. There are people who support the show in a big way, people who support the show in a little way. I'm grateful to all of them. And they enable to for me to, example, for example, buy this mic. Um, I got a new camera. The quality is looking great. The color is great. Um, lights, all kinds of things here. And so if you support my channel on patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I send you autograph signed books like autograph versions of infiltration um, to thank you. And then you make it possible for me to have a nice, warm, buttery microphone for the audio. John Curry, my wife, and myself all voted for Trump today. Trump tsunami is coming today. I agree. Jane says, are you nervous? Dr. Taylor Marshall. I am. I am not nervous. I woke up. I woke up and I said, "Today is November 3rd. And then I said my morning offering, and I prayed, and got a cup of coffee, and started doing MAGA, making America great again. I'm not nervous, and I know even if Trump should lose for some reason, that's not the end. It's not the end. We don't trust, you know, our hope and our peace is not based on uh, American politics, global politics. It's not, you know, Maximilian Kolbe was in a concentration camp in a prison and he was singing hymns and he was peaceful because he had Jesus. So, you know, even if they put you in a concentration camp, if you have Jesus, it's going to be all right. Godfrey Bouillon, man, I'm glad he's watching. Being a married Catholic man, what advice do you have for those looking for a Catholic wife? I'm going to get a little politically incorrect here. Are y'all ready for it? I meet young, awesome Catholic men and Catholic women 
And they all say the same thing. I can't, there's no trad Catholic young men and young women. And I know there are because I travel all over the country and I meet all of you. It's just that y'all have a hard time connecting. And here, I might get booed off the stage here. One thing I notice is that traditional Catholic, I'll start with the men. Traditional Catholic men, they say something like this. I pray the rosary every day. I pray the Roman breviary. I go to daily mass. I wear the scapular. I'm pious, Catholic this, Catholic that, Catholic this. But Catholic men, you need to realize that women want a devout Catholic man who lives the Catholic faith and will lead them and their children in true devotion to God. But they also want an adventure. They want a fun, handsome, attractive, warrior husband. So that means you got to dress nice, you got to brush your teeth, you got to comb your hair, you got to lift some weights, do some cool hobbies. Like there needs to be a cultivation of masculinity. It's true that the young tratty Catholic woman wants to marry a guy who wears the brown scapula and prays the rosaries, but that's not necessarily going to sweep her off her feet. She wants the full package. Now I turn the tables and talk to the traditional Catholic women. Yes, I know you pray the rosary and wear the brown scapula and go to mass every day. That's great. But a man also, when he's looking for that Mrs. Wright, he's looking for that wife who greets him at the door, who's ready for an adventure, who's fun, who's flirty, who will have high energy with him and his children for many years to come. He's looking for that femininity. So I think sometimes traditional Catholics, I hope I'm not getting booed off the stage. I'm not even looking at the comments yet. Catholics realize that it's that piety is good, but piety doesn't necessarily mean romance or attraction. I'm not saying that you you have go for one and not the other. I'm saying you go for both. So part of it is for the women being pretty, being fun, flirting. And by flirting, I don't mean being a floozy. That's not what I meant. I mean, having that feminine energy that makes men feel alive and vice versa, men having that masculine energy that excites and makes women feel alive. This is, it should be obvious, but unfortunately so many of us come from divorced families and weren't raised with fathers or weren't raised with mothers. We've never seen it displayed, but there needs to be you need to cultivate that. And again, piety is great, but matrimony isn't necessarily joining a monastery. It's entering into a relationship, a contract, a covenant, and it's building a family together. And so you have to be able to, to create or not to create, to be and to have those qualities that are necessary as a man to be a leader, a king, a warrior, an adventurer, and then as a woman to have the femininity and the energy and the love and the smile and the presence that brings out the best in a man. 
Can I get an amen? Am I getting booed off? Am I getting booed off the stage? Let me look over here at the comments. Okay, good. People are saying good advice. Good. I realize that people could be offended by what I said there. Um, because I think a lot of people think, well, if I just, if I'm just uber Catholic, then the Catholic men are going to knock down my door and want to date me and marry me. Mm. There's more to it and vice versa. If I pray the rosary every day, Catholic women are going to swoon when I walk by. Mm. Maybe not. You know, maybe you need to have more than just the rosary. Okay, good. People are saying, amen, good advice, right on, etc. Good. Well, I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone who's mad. But uh, I say this sometimes, and I get called a misogynist, and I get called a jerk, and all that. And I think, you know, especially women hear me saying, are you trying to say that I have to be pretty and pious and all this stuff? And I'm like, look, you, you need to be, you need to be feminine, and men need to be masculine. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to sort of the new feminist model um, where you bash your husband and you bash your men or where men sort of cower and, you know, they call their wife the better half or they say, well, hey, can you go do this? Well, I got to go check with the boss or I got to go check with the old ball and chain. I hate that. That's not masculine. It's not virtuous. It's not good. We need strong men and strong women. With women, I'm going to say this, are you all ready to be offended? Women submitting in love to their husband and their husbands being honorable, good leaders. There you go. There you go. And it's admirable for husbands to want to be attractive and handsome and courageous and strong for their wives. And it's also virtuous and admirable for women to want to be feminine and pretty and beautiful and delightful in the presence of their husbands. There. The, probably the most politically incorrect things that I've said in the past month. Yes, husbands love your wives. Good, good. Submission is freeing. Yes, very good point. Very good point. All right, do I have any more questions? How long have I been going here? Oh my goodness. We're coming up on two-hour show here. Wow, I'm I'm amazed that all these women are saying I agree. I'm not offended. Thank you. I always expect to get slaughtered when I say stuff like that. Um, this is okay. So I'm going to say since I'm on a roll here and I'm not getting slaughtered, I don't mind submitting as long as I'm being respected by my husband. Uh, it's true. It's a two way street. Um, you don't get to just because maybe there's not respect there, and I I want to be careful here because I don't know what that means. Um, Submission is there and there's always, the husband should always respect and love his wife and we husbands do fail and the wife should always submit to our husbands and women fail there as well. But uh, if we're going to play this, well, I'm not going to do my job. If you don't do your job, I will guarantee you your marriage will fail and will be miserable. It will be miserable. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. That is a recipe for destruction, destruction. What Joy and I have found is when you're generous and you go above and beyond and do what you're supposed to do, even though the other person's not doing what they're supposed to do, that heals and inspires the other person and brings them into what they're supposed to do. It's all about generosity and kindness. 
We've only been married 19 years, but that's worked for us. Good. Uh, we don't do Seton Home Study. We do Mother of Divine Grace is what we do for those asking. Uh, so submitting is so hard since my husband and I aren't on 100% on the same page with our faith practice. I understand that's so difficult. And I think when it comes to the faith, if your husband is not a Catholic, well, then you, you have to follow. When it comes to the faith, I'm not talking about when it comes to the budget or when it comes to the house or when it comes on those things you submit to your husband. When it comes to the faith, you have to realize that you're in a difficult situation and you have to follow the faith and the morality and the faith and the doctrine of the church um, if your husband contradicts it. That is difficulty. And I will take this opportunity to say this is why all of you Catholics must marry other Catholics. I know so many people who thought it would be no big deal. And then when they had kids, one spouse is Catholic, one spouse is not Catholics, and it just turns into a purgatory. For some people, a hell. It's very difficult. Marriage is made, is meant to procreate and raise children and to get each other to heaven, and it's really hard when one of them is not on the same page when it comes to marriage as a sacrament. Marriage is procreating and educating children, and marriage is getting each other to heaven yes it's very very difficult very difficult <sighs> husbands should praise wife more than criticize i agree and so should wives praise their husbands more than um, criticize them my observation is that usually wives criticize husbands more than husbands criticize wives that's just my observation i'm not talking about personally i'm just talking about being around people uh, a lot of a lot of women cut their husbands off at the knees in public, and it's uh, devastating to the husband. So, women don't don't be that, don't be a Karen to your husband. Here's a great great one here, Gracie. I asked my husband before I married him if he was good with me raising children in the church and being married in the church. He said yes. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful marriage, and he backed up the faith. Good. Good. Can you do a, li a live rosary soon? I, I am intending to do a rosary this evening. I don't know the time yet. Uh, two brothers married Protestants that converted to get married. Only both marriages failed. And I'm, that's what I'm telling you guys. Be equally yoked. That's what it says in the Bible. Equally yoked. Both. You must both be active Catholics. Can you can you jam on that guitar? I want to, but I don't know if it's tuned. Let me see if I have even a guitar pick around here. It's okay. It's not ideal. Looking for a guitar pick. I don't have one.
Well, that wasn't all that great, but there's some guitar on a non-guitar, a non-tuned guitar. Um, what else? A good start to finding a devout Catholic spouse is join a. Uh oh, I lost your question. Darn it. Darn it. I saw a good question here. They're moving so fast. Make sure you use a question mark. That, w- that helps me find your your uh, question. Is that a Taylor guitar? Yes, it is. It's a Taylor brand guitar. It's not custom. There's actually a, a company that makes guitars called Taylor. Um, and yes, people ask me, well, if you have a Taylor guitar, do you have a Marshall amp? And yes, we have a Marshall amp as well. So um, there you go. I think we should talk more about Trump. I want to talk more about Trump. <laughs> Someone says, play Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. <laughs> I have to get a different guitar for that. Um, anyone want to talk about Trump today? What's your favorite music? I I like country music. I like kind of just the good old 80s, 90s. 70s, 80s, 90s rock music, stuff like that. Um, I listen to classical music in the car. Um, I do listen to some church music, but I'm just, I got to admit, even though I'm a trad and I love Gregorian chant in church, it's just not something that I do a lot. Um, Like I don't, it's hard for me to like drive in the car and Gregorian chant or sit around listening to Gregorian chant. Um, Though I do love it in church. Um, So let's see. When do you think the president will become Catholic? I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, if you watch the video I did, is Melania Trump a Catholic here on the YouTube channel? I go through the the three marriages of Donald Trump. And I explain canonically um, how and why the first two are sacramentally uh, invalid and how Trump could get to annulments because the short version is Ivanka was a Catholic. She was not married in a Catholic rite. Therefore, marriage number one is invalid. Number two, uh, with, um, what was her name? Who was number two? Marla Maples. That was a marriage in a hotel. Uh, doesn't seem to be in a religious service as far as I can tell, so that could probably be annulled. And then uh, the third one was with Melania, and uh, she's Catholic, and it wasn't a Catholic rite, so that would be null as well. So he would get the first two declared null, and then he'd have to um, have a marriage cer- ceremony uh, to to make Melania marriage with Melania uh, valid and secure. And then once that happened, he would be able to come into the church. <laughs> the great the great irony on this is that he would go through Wilton Gregory perhaps in DC to get his annulment. And uh, that would be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, here we go. Oh, this is a good question. If Trump wins, what do you think the next four years will have in store for America? What if he loses your thoughts? Okay. Very good question. 
So if Trump wins, I think we will see uh, improvement in our health care situation and overturning the problems in Obamacare, pre-existing conditions, um, forcing us to have abortion and contraception care. I think those will be removed. Um, that'll be a positive. Of course, we already have seen one Supreme Court justice named Amy Coney Barrett. Any Anything that comes up through the courts, I think we'll have a better outcome. It's hard to know what's going to come up through the courts over the next four years. Um, did any of us really think that during Obama, the gay marriage would come up through the courts and that that would happen? That was hard for us to see coming, but it did happen. So, you know, if he loses, uh, I think Biden will pack the court. And by pack the court, that means bring in more liberal justices and transform forever the nature of the Supreme Court, which is horrible. Um, if Biden wins, he will say that he has uh, dementia, Parkinson's, or some sort of a tumor. There's, there's rumors that he does have a tumor, that he's high, he's not only suffering from a kind of dementia, but he's also highly medicated, which is part of his problem right now. Uh, he will then uh, depict himself as a great Abraham Lincoln the kind old white politician patriarch who hands the keys of the kingdom over to the black female Kamala Harris. And it'll basically be this speech for too long. Old white men have been running America. And now as an act of great social justice, I hereby hand over the presidency of the United States of America, America to the first female black president and I am righting the wrongs of George Floyd, and he'll name all all the all the um, social sins of America. This is making it right, and all the liberals will just pass out and they'll just love it. It'll be fantastic, and then Kamala Harris will begin her cringy reign of terror. You know, she thinks that if you're a member of the Knights of Columbus, you don't qualify to be a justice of public office. And it will be a great purge. Taxes will go up. Everyone watching here will have to pay more taxes. You'll have less money every year. And um, small businesses will be injured and hurt. I also think that they're going to continue the COVID crisis. Masks, shutdowns are going to continue to grind down the economy and grind down America. That's their plan. They don't so you don't you gotta understand Biden and Kamala, they don't see themselves as working America first, just like Obama. They're globalists. They're globalists. Their allegiance are to international billionaires and the United Nations. That's who they work for. So they are going to do whatever the international tech billionaires in the United Nations tell them to do. And it's going to be crush and grind America down. That's what they are hired to do. Hired to do. So, uh, and then also, you know, if you want to go to church for the next 100 Sundays, actually 200 Sundays, 208 Sundays, for the next four years, um, you need to vote for Trump because they are going to shut down churches. They're going to shut down churches. It's going to be horrible. Um, you thought it was bad now. 
they're going to continue to use this virus as a pretense to shut down everything they don't like. Here's what they don't like. They don't like small businesses. All small businesses pretty much vote Republican. They need, in order to survive, they have, most small businesses have very small margins. You know, if they can, if they can charge 10% up on their restaurant, on their bar, on their dry cleaners, um, on their sandwich shop, on their uh, bakery, their florist shop, they can just get that extra 10%. They can, they can keep paying the bills, paying their staff, try to grow their business, do another location. But you start chopping into that margin that they use to survive and to grow, suddenly they're stagnant. They don't hire more people. They don't put in a second or third location. So this is why, historically, small business owners, I'm talking, not talking about Target, Walmart, Amazon.com, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your small businesses. They need that room to breathe. And the tax policies of Donald Trump and the Republicans give them that room to, to breathe. The Democrats want to crush them. They resent that upper middle class entrepreneur business owner, which is the backbone of our economy. Amazon and Target and these groups are not the backbone of our economy. It's the small businesses. So that's going to cause a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. And then the, the COVID is the perfect wrecking ball for the small businesses and also for Christianity. They want to destroy Christianity. It's the perfect pretense to say, well, you can't sing. You can't meet. You got to have 25% capacity, capacity. Got to wear a mat. Just crunch, 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 crunch. Make it harder and harder and harder to be a Christian. And by the way, our George Soros funded people are going to rip down your statues and burn your churches. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting four years. But if Biden wins, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, did Stephen ask, did President Trump acknowledge receiving Vigano's recent letter? I don't know of any public statement by President Trump. He's been very busy. I mean, he's on a helicopter and airplane constantly and in front of cr uh, crowds uh i'm confident and sure that he has seen it but i haven't seen a public statement i was hoping when i i quoted vegano's open letter at the pennsylvania butler rally and i was hoping that maybe the president would be present or on stage when i said that and prayed the prayer but like i said he was late so he wasn't there and that's why I was not able to meet him or give him the rosary and miraculous medal that I had ready for him. Let's see. Make sure you use a question mark. That way I can see your question. Do you think lukewarmness from the Vatican has influenced liberal Catholics to vote Biden? Uh, no, the, the, the Vatican, I don't know if you've noticed, the Vatican is campaigning for Biden. It's not lukewarmness. They are all in for Biden. I've, I've talked about that in the shows. This is not just like, oh, I don't know. No, they are pro-Biden. USCCB is pro-Biden. Okay, you need to understand this. Let's not tiptoe around it. Uh, Lori Swanson, I hear Biden ads on Relevant Radio, not Trump. Is that still happening? I thought, I thought Relevant Radio fixed that. 
I thought they fixed that. Uh, I'm going to assume they fixed that because that's what I've been told repeatedly that relevant radio is not running Biden, Biden ads anymore or at all. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Cardinal Dolan saying it doesn't matter who you vote for, just what you what you vote? Also, Bishop Barron's voting guide is a betrayal of the Catholic American people. What Bishop Barron told you is wrong. You must reject it. Bishop Barron has just come out and endorsed James Martin's new book on prayer. Look, you need to get this in your head that Bishop Barron is not a traditional Catholic. He's hardly a conservative. I've mentioned this before. There are kind of three, in Catholicism, there's sort of three ways. There's the liberal modernist, James Martin. What they believe is everyone's basically going to heaven unless you're like Hitler, and maybe even Hitler can make it. But 99% of people are going to make it to heaven. As long as you're religious and generally good and you, you carry groceries for an old lady once or twice in your life and, you know, aren't a mass murderer, you're going to go to heaven. They also believe that all religions are salvific and good. So we Catholics, we should, you know, be supportive of Jews being Jews and Muslims being Muslims and Hindus being Hindus and Buddhists being Buddhists. And I mean, the next question is, what about Satanists being Satanists? But they don't like to talk about that one. And that Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven, but he's the privileged way to heaven. Okay? That's your modernist, leftist version of Catholicism. It's not real Catholicism. Then you have in the middle kind of the the JP2 generation, which they are all about Eucharistic adoration, praying the rosary, Catholic identity, but they still, still feel that they need to defend the institution and the facade of the institution. So they'll say, oh, you know, Cardinal World is great. You know, he's misunderstood. Even Cardinal Supich has some good points. Um, Pope Francis has never said anything in error or heretical. Pope Francis is awesome. It's all, it's a translation issue. People misunderstood him. He was taken out of context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is like Catholic Answers Live. All right. These are sort of your neoconservative. They have a commitment to the truth, but they also will never criticize the mainstream. And then the growing powerful voice in the church is the traditionalists. And they are critical of the bishops. They're critical of McCarrick. They're critical of the cardinals. They're critical of the embezzlement, the sex scandals, the pedophilia, the homosexuality, the bad seminary formation, and the deals that Pope Francis is making with Abu Dhabi, with China, with the EU, with the eco-theology, with the Pachamama idols, etc., etc., etc. Okay? And, and what's going on is, is that middle group is evaporating. People are either peeling off to the modernists and saying, yeah, this is awesome. All religions are great. You can worship an idol. You're still going to go to heaven. That idol represents something good. And then people are peeling off trad and saying, no, 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 this is not Catholic. No one, no Catholic in the last 19, in the first 1900 years recognizes this as, as Catholicism. And what's interesting is, is the left group, the, the modernists, they're all supporting Biden. 
and the right group are all supporting Trump in America. That's how this is all peeled out. It's really interesting to watch. Four years ago, I would not have seen this coming, but it's escalated. It's escalated. Okay. What is your opinion on building the wall? I'm all about it. I live in Texas. I don't want in Texas drug trafficking, human trafficking, and sex trafficking. I don't want that in Texas. And guess what an open border does? It promotes all three, and it's disgusting, and it's gross, and it's bad for Mexico. It's bad for Texas. It's bad for America. If you have a porous border and no regulation, you have drug trade, sex trade, human person trade, and it's horrible. The humane and moral thing to do is to put a huge, enormous wall all the way across it with gates in it. And if people need to come to America as refugees, we examine their case and let, let them in. If they want to move here, we also have a process for that. But sneaking in and having coyotes, and by coyotes, I don't mean big uh, dogs. I mean humans who are basically uh, gang leaders, human traffickers, uh, rape little kids' moms in order to get them passage over our border in a covert way is immoral and wrong. You know, so there's really two solutions. One is have no border and let people walk across it all the day long without any regulation. Not good. Or put up in a giant, enormous wall that no one can cross and then at the gate checkpoints, evaluate who is coming in and why they're coming in. And we can be humane in doing that. And that's what I support. And that's what President Trump supports. Don't listen to all the fake fake news you hear. That's what he supports. And as a Texan who lives on a border state, we deal with it. And I don't need liberal Democrats in D.C. or New York or in the Vatican telling me what's what when they don't even live here. So build the wall and build it big. That's what I say. Uh, Dean, what are your thoughts on hydroxychloroquine? Did I say it right? I say HCQ. Because I feel like I'm going to sound like an idiot. But hydro hydroxychloroquine. That's it. HCQ. Uh, I'm all about it. Let's try it out. Let's try it out. I don't understand why we've got to shut it all down. I had COVID. I got over it. I think I just used Advil four or five days. Um, didn't feel good. Didn't die. I still did shows. I still was on YouTube, still live doing stuff. Um, yeah, I think let's, let's try all kinds of things. I don't understand why, um, why we have to make it political. Let's just make it about people being healthy. And if we can use therapeutics, let's use them as long as they're moral and as long as they're safe. Let's see. Is Pope Francis the false prophet? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I'm just a layman with the camera above my garage while my kids are homeschooling downstairs. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. And uh, I don't know who the false prophet is. I really don't think we're in the end times. Don't quote me on that. I mean, don't, don't quote me as an authority, but I don't think we're in the end times. Are you going to take a Lucifer vaccine? No, <laughs> I'm not. Did Joy bring you coffee? Yes, you missed it. Joy brought me coffee in my Vegano cup. And she came and answered questions about being a mom and 
wearing veils. How'd you miss that? That was the highlight. Oh, let's see. Uh, will you have a video session on Catholic marriages? Mm, probably not. Uh, in the new St. Thomas Institute, Joy and I did a three-part series on Catholic marriage, talking about how to be married as a Catholic. But um, I don't know. If y'all want that, maybe I'll consider it. Do you think that Louis the Twentieth Bur Bourbon, oh, where to go? Oh, they're going fast. Would be a great French monarch. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know much about him. Just seen a few clips. Uh, do you have to be enrolled in order to wear the brown scapular? No, you don't. But you should be. It's just an extra. It's kind of like, can you pray the rosary on a rosary that's not blessed? Yes. It helps you, but it's better to have a blessed one. Can you wear the brown scapula or not be enrolled? Yes, but it's better to be enrolled. How do you vote when both candidates are pro-choice? That's a good question. You vote for the better candidate. Have you ever met Archbishop Vigano? I've never met him, but I've spoken to him many times. Uh, let's see. Taylor, thanks for speaking out pre-1955. Pre-1955 is a reference to the Roman liturgy before 1955 when Annabal Bugnini, the Freemasonic-minded cleric who changed the liturgy and eventually created the Novus Ordo, he began tinkering with Holy Week in 1951. They made the changes permanent, permanent in 1955. This is why I always advocate pre-1955 Roman liturgies. Um, the Fraternity of St. Peter has been transitioning to the pre-55 Holy Week. Instituted Christ the King, transitioning to the pre-55 Holy Week and rubrics and calendar even. Sedeve Contists have almost always used pre-55 liturgy. And uh, the Society of St. Pius X is pretty locked in in 1962. But I think there is some interest and some movement to perhaps explore nineteen pre nineteen fifty five liturgies. It's all very interesting to me. I think we should just say, "Hey, nineteen forty five, let's do it." If you have a Father Lassant's missile, which is what I recommend, or Saint Andrew's missile, you have your in your hands a nineteen forty five missile, so you have a pre fifty five book, and it it rarely contradicts the nineteen sixty two missile. But there are distinctions in how feasts are ranked. And then in Holy Week, on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, you're going to see differences. Especially on Good Friday and Holy Saturday. And actually Palm Sunday. Yeah, there's pretty big differences. Um, good. Is EW EWTN a trustworthy channel? I don't know anymore. My gut says no. My gut, I love Raymond Arroyo. Papal Posse, Father Murray, those guys... Robert Royal, those guys are good. I like those guys. But EW10 in general, not as much. And I've seen some pop shots against me from EWTN. Makes me concerned. Not just, I mean, not for all of you, but just for myself. Um, so, yeah, EWTN is not what it used to be. I think Mother Angelica would would go, uh, would go and weave a cord of whips and have to clean out her. Eternal Word Television Network because 
EWTN is not what it was designed to be. And I, and there's, I think, I think it's going to get more and more institutional with the USCCB as the years to come. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But I like Raymond Arroyo. Um, that part of EWTN is awesome. But I think the some of the newer programming of the last five years or so is not what it used to be. So do I trust EWTN? On a whole? Not like I used to. No. I think it's I think it's become more and more liberalized, sadly. Sadly. The good news is, is, you know, it used to be 15 years ago, all there was was EWTN. There was nothing else. Now you have all kinds of things on YouTube and Periscope and all other different programming that people are doing independently like this. I don't need EWTN to give me permission to spend. How long have we been online here? Two hours and 24 minutes. I don't need EWTN permission to do that. I think that's one reason why EWTN doesn't like me. Ooh, here's a good one. This is from uh, A. Arroyo. What is the Katekon? So some people say Katekon, Katekon, the accents on the E, Katekon. It's a Greek word. It comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I had it on the screen the other day. Let me see if I still have. Yeah, I do here. This is from a previous show last week. So it comes from Greek. It's used twice, once in the neuter and once in in the masculine, it means one who withholds, holds back. And so St. Paul says that there is a katekon who is holding back the reign of the Antichrist. So think about the time of Christ. There's the Antichrist ready to come on the scene. And there's this principle of katekon that's holding the Antichrist back. And Paul says at some point in the future, the katekon will be pulled away and the Antichrist will rush forward. And so people have debated, well, what is the withholding force? St. John Chrysostom says, he gives three possibilities. The Holy Spirit, okay, the Roman Empire, or the church herself. And now recently, more and more people say, well, maybe it's the papacy. Some people say, is it Bennett XVI? Some people, I kind of think of the Katekon as, as Blessed Karl of Austria, um, Vigano associates it with the papacy, but he also said there's a there's a political katekon, which is he identifies with temporarily at, with President Trump. That's going a little bit beyond what I would say, but it's he that withholds or that which withholds back the Antichrist. So basically, the Satan Satan is ready to unleash the Antichrist like a wild dog, but there's this leash, this force this gate that's holding him back. That's the catacon or the katekon. Good question. And I did a show on this with Dr. Maza last week. It's a great show here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast channel on YouTube. If you missed it, go back and watch it. It's great. All right. Let's see. Can you recommend a good apologetics program for teens? Um, I will take this moment to recommend my own. Go to newsaintthomas.com. Newsaintthomas.com. Do I have a link here? I don't have a link. Darn it. You're just not, I'm just not always ready for this kind of stuff. 
But um, if you go to New St. Thomas, here, I'll put, put it on the screen for you. This will work. NewStThomas.com. I have a, a one-year program on Catholic apologetics. It's all online. Some people get it done in a few months. It's designed to be taken over six months to a year. It's Catholic apologetics program. I teach the entire course. It's on uh, how to defend the Catholic faith. We talk about how to defend the existence of God, how to defend the seven sacraments, how to defend the papacy, the Marian dogmas. And then the most important part of my Catholics apologetics program is how do you defend the faith to a Jewish friend, to a Muslim friend, to a Buddhist friend, to a Hindu friend. And then the most important section, I think, in that curriculum is how do you defend the Catholic faith in the presence of a cafeteria Catholic who does not believe everything the Catholic Church teaches? Because that's probably what most Catholics have to deal with on a, on a weekly, monthly basis, especially at Thanksgiving and Christmas. How do you defend the Catholic faith to people who say they're Catholic but are pro-contraception, pro-abortion, you know, maybe pro-LMNOP? How do you do apologetics with these people who think they're Catholic but they don't actually believe the Catholic teachings? So uh, if you go to NewStThomas.com, you can um, you can take that class. Also, if you support me in this channel on Patreon, and I'll put that on the screen if I can. Here it is. Anyone who is a student, supporter, or above will not only get this book signed, the rosary book signed, and a bunch of other books of mine signed, but you'll also get a free membership to the new St. Thomas Institute um, where you'll get free access to all the curricula, including the apologetics. So I do that just to reward people who help me support this channel. You go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. And uh, you can be, if you're a student supporter or above, you'll get autographed books, bunch of merch, and you'll get full access to all the curricula at newstthomas.com. So I recommend that for teenagers. Uh, there's also sexual ethics in there too. So um, I think it's good for, it's, it's not um, shocking, but uh, it's also good for teenagers to understand the uh, sexual morality teaching of the church as well. Okay, I'll put this up here so people don't forget it. Okay. There are many types of antichrist. That's correct. There's not just one. There is the capital A Antichrist, but but Scripture says anyone who denies Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Son of God is an Antichrist. Let's see how do you, how to reconcile taking communion in union with the Pope when he speaks and does thing against the teaching of the Church. It's a very good question. It's one that I struggle with myself, and I would say that. Until Robert Bellarmine says a manifest heretic, even if a pope, falls from the papacy by being a manifest heretic. But he also says elsewhere that we need a decree from a council, a general council. I did a whole show on this if you want to watch it. So it may very well be that a pope falls from the office, but I don't believe that we as laymen, and I might be wrong on this, but I think I am right. We as laymen don't have the authority to decide it or decree it. Does that make sense? 
So until that happens, until Cardinal Burke and a bunch of cardinals and archbishops get together and do an investigation and call for clarity or make a decree that this has happened, I don't feel that we as laymen can ourselves decree it and live that way. So this would be the distinction between myself and the Sedeve contests, who, by the way, I don't, uh, I'm not uh, against or throwing any any uh, bombs against them. I think we live in a very complicated ecclesiastical situation. And there are great saints like St. Vincent, for, uh, yeah, Saint Vincent Farrar, who for a time supported an anti-pope, but he thought he was doing, he was, he was supporting the right pope. He's still a saint. He still raised people from the dead. He still did miracles. So I think we need to be careful with one another and not, not call each other, you know, or damn each other or call each other anathema. I think we got to be patient and wait this out. So until then, uh, read the Bible, pray the rosary, read historic, classic, Catholic theology, catechisms, literature, etc. Good question there. I'm never afraid to talk about that, by the way. I think we need to be totally honest. Do a show with Father Ripperger. He's already agreed. We're going to do it. We just got to get it scheduled. Father Ripperger is awesome. I was with him, went to Mass with him, and was with him a couple, few weeks ago. Great holy priest. Love it. Uh, oh, we got some, uh, we got some Biden Kamala trolls in the chat. They're here. Not surprising. Well, my coffee's gone. I'm getting a little tired. I might. How many people? Well, we still have almost 4,000 people with us. That's cool. Uh, please speak on the Trump prophecy from the 1980s. I think that's the Hermit of Loretto. I already did. Uh, it looks legit to me, but I'm not going to be the one who comes on and says this is a valid prophecy. It's not for me. Trump MAGA red wave. Yes. I think Trump is going to win. I think this is going to be a big victory. I'm really, really believing and hoping and praying for over 300 electoral votes. Do y'all want me to go through the electoral map? That'd be kind of fun. Let me see if I can get a map up. Let me see here. I'm going to go to real clear politics. Y'all know about the real clear politics maps, interactive maps. Oh man. Real clear. Everything's so easy when you're on your own, but when you're live on a screen, you always click the wrong buttons. Here we go. Here it is. Pulling it up. Pulling it up. Oh, they're not showing it? No, come on. It's election day. You have to do it. Ah, here we go. In the house. Okay, let's see if it will let me actually. Boom. We did it. Praise be. Y'all want to play y'all want to play electoral map games? I love doing this. I love electoral map games. Y'all want to do this? Give me a thumbs up. Like the video right now if you want me to play electoral map games. You have to give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. And then I also want you to share this video. Share it on Facebook. Hit the share button right below the video. 
And then I also want you to subscribe on YouTube. Hit the bell. Get notified for live. All right. Did everybody like the video? Did everybody share on Facebook? And then did everybody subscribe? Okay, good. All right. Now we're going to play electoral map games. Let me see if I can. I'm going to manipulate my face so I'm not covering up stuff. Okay. I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. Let's play the game. Okay. So we know what's going to happen. Uh Oh no. What's going on here? I want to create my own map. Real clear politics. Where is create? Here it is right there. Okay. Can y'all see this? Y'all still see it? Look at these sandals right here. You know how they always do like, uh, what you've been looking at. I bet my wife's or my daughter's looked at those sandals and that's why they're on the screen. That's how things run. Okay. So I'm going to cover the sandals up. There we go. Okay. All right. So Texas, boom. Oh, solid Republican all day long. Y'all agree with me? If you agree with me, give me that thumbs up. Okay. All right. Now let's get, okay. So Georgia, come on. It's red, okay? And then North Carolina is totally red. Don't even play with me, okay? So that brings us up to the 194. Ooh, we got a long way to go, don't we, people? We have a long way to go. Who's with me? Am I still on here? I get nervous when I go on these other screens. I think maybe I, I sometimes I lose you. Let's see here. It looks like I have lost comments. Can y'all just say we're with you? Because I have a little glitch on my side. Can you say we're with you? Uh, and then I'll know that you guys can hear me. And I'll keep going here. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do the electoral map game. Okay, okay, yeah, you're say we are with you. That's what I need to see before I proceed. Okay, good. Still with me. Excellent. It says over three thousand people are are still rocking with us and we're, we're streaming on Facebook and we're streaming on YouTube and we're streaming on Twitter via Periscope. If you're on Periscope, please follow me on Periscope. And if you're on Facebook, please like my page. You'll get more stuff. Okay. So here we are. We're playing with the electoral map. Now I already gave Texas. I mean, it's solid Republican. Don't let anybody fool you. They're just trying to clickbait you. Okay. It's totally fake. Uh, Georgia and North Carolina, that's 16 and 15 votes. Those are Trump all the way. But here's the problem is we've got this 194. We got, we got to get 270. So how does the map begin to work? Okay. Well, Ohio is definitely Republican. No doubt in my mind. And Iowa. I'm going to make that solid. So now our number is up to 218, Trump-Pence, and Biden-Harris is 216. Okay, so we're in a runoff. Now, I'm going to ask y'all on the live chat right now. I want y'all to leave a comment, and I want you to tell me, um, what do you think I should mark Republican or Trump yet next? What are you guys thinking? I kind of lost you guys again. I, I think the internet doesn't like me doing this, of streaming this page and streaming all this other stuff. Everybody's saying we're with you, but what, what do you think goes next? What do you think goes next? 
I think Florida. Okay, so let's go ahead. If you agree with me, we're going to click on Florida, and I'm going to put it as Republican. Okay, boom, look what just happened to the map. This is why Florida is so key, is because when you click on for Florida, your number go you have to have 270 to win. Your number jumps to 247. Let me turn it off again. Look what happens. 218. Ugh. I mean, it's neck and neck, Biden, Trump. You go ahead and you give these 29 votes to Trump, and I really do think Trump has them. Okay, once you do that, you're now in the final stretch with the 247. Okay, so now we're going to, now here's the different routes to getting elected. If we go to Pennsylvania and we can beat the cheaters in Pennsylvania, we're now at 267. So all we have to do is win any of these states. I think Wisconsin is definitely going to go Trump. And if you click that, you have 277. I also think Michigan is going to go Trump. It's going to be very close, though. All right. This is, this is, uh, we got to pray an extra Hail Mary. Okay. And we got our Chaldean Catholic brothers and sisters, uh, 100 to 200,000 of them voting. Last time, Michigan was won by only 10,000 votes. So if we can get, an extra fifty to a hundred thousand Chaldeans voting, we we get a bigger margin and we win. So I'm going to give the Chaldeans pushing it to two ninety three. Y'all still with me? I'm getting glitches on my side. Yep, I lost my I lost my comments from y'all, but it's still showing that I'm live. Okay, so I'm going to keep on going. Okay, so. Now we have 293 votes, okay? I also think Jesse Romero has been doing a bang-up job over there in Arizona, and I think Arizona's also going to go Republican like it did before. And that gives us the 304. And I'm really calling for and hoping for anything over 300 votes. But you also have these split states up here, okay? In Maine, some of these could go Trump. For example, like this right here could go Republican and get an extra vote, but it's not needed. I don't think we need it. I mean, maybe I'll give us one just to have fun. Okay, now here's the scary thing that happens is if we don't get Pennsylvania, I'm going to take it back off. All right, and then I'm going to take Michigan off and I'm going to take Arizona off. Okay, this Okay, so Wisconsin, we could take Wisconsin off, but I I do think Wisconsin is a good is is safe. I think we get Wisconsin. So we're at two fifty eight. If we don't get Pennsylvania, I'm going to go ahead and pretend Biden got Pennsylvania, and I don't think he will, but let's pretend he did. Okay, now can we still win? Well, we need our Chaldean Catholics up in Michigan, and I met with the Chaldean Catholics. They are awesome people, and they can carry Michigan for us. So if they get it, boom. 274, we just hit it. So Michigan, take it off. Even if we lose Pennsylvania, if we get Michigan and Wisconsin, boom, it's 274. Maybe throw in a little bit of Arizona, love, and you get 285. This is a close race, guys. But if we take Arizona back off, okay, this is why you have seen President Trump all over Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin.
He's all over it, like a duck on a June bug. Because he knows, okay, if I clinch Pennsylvania, it's an easy win. But if I lose Pennsylvania, I can still win if I clinch. Florida is, of course, always in the deal. If I can get, I'm going to take him back off. Okay, so if we take off Michigan and Wisconsin, he's at 248. If he can clinch Michigan with his Chaldean Catholic love, and he can get Wisconsin with his Cardinal Burke, Father Altman, Father Heilman, conservative, awesome Catholics, boom, he just crossed the finish line at 274. Then we fly over here to Arizona, and we get our Jesse Romero, and boom, we're at 285. Maybe we get Minnesota. This is a little bit harder. 295. We don't even have, this is without Pennsylvania winning. But if we do get Pennsylvania and I switch that back over, 315. I think this is a very likely outcome right here. All right, maybe we don't get Minnesota. If we take it back off, it's 305. But I think we get 300 by the end of the day. This is why I'm smiling. This is why I'm happy. I don't think we're going to lose. I think we're all good. Okay, but you got to pray your rosaries and you got to go vote. Turn this off and go vote if you haven't voted yet. But this is the math. This is the math. So just in review, Pennsylvania is the keystone. All right. But even if we lose Pennsylvania by cheating or whatever, and there's major turnout in Philadelphia or something, this is why Trump is spending time in Michigan and Wisconsin and Arizona. Because those three states without Pennsylvania hand him the victory. Okay, so there's a number of ways going here. There is no real way if you lose Florida. You take If you give Florida to Biden, let's see what it would have to happen. Okay, you aren't there yet at 256. You have to win Pennsylvania. And you barely squeak by of 276 if you lose Florida. Losing Florida is probably the worst thing that could happen to President Trump today. So, But if he gets Florida, he has two or three different ways to get to 270. And the map you're seeing on the screen right now is the map that I think we'll see tomorrow, maybe tomorrow night. We're going to see Florida for Trump. We're going to see Pennsylvania for Trump. And then we're, we'll see Arizona for Trump. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, it reset my map. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Now I've got to go put everything back in. It's okay. It's fun. I've done it so many times I could do this blind. This is what campaign people do all day long. There. Okay. That is, I think, this right here. With or without Minnesota, who knows in Nevada, who knows? But with or without Minnesota, I think we'll, we will cross the line over 300 tomorrow night. Maybe by tonight. And if he gets Minnesota and he got Nevada, it's a total landslide. They can't contest it. It's totally over. It's totally over. If this, if this happens tonight by midnight, they're, they, Biden has to concede. It's over. All right. This this right here is Trump winning by over 50 electoral college votes. 
That's amazing if that happens. Okay. So do you guys think this is legit? What do you guys think? Do you think Trump will carry Michigan and Wisconsin? What do you guys think? I'm going to pull this off here. Let's see. I'm going to go back to my normal viewpoint here. Okay. What do you guys think? Are we going to get Michigan and are we going to to get Wisconsin? Uh, anyone heard that Pennsylvania machines went down? I haven't heard that. Of course, I've been on this stream with you, so I don't know. But yeah, okay, some people are saying yes. I think so. Um, I've been on the ground in Michigan. There's huge, huge Trump support. And um, I've heard Wisconsin. I mean, you got Wisconsin, you got Father Altman. You got Father Z. You got Father Heilman. You got Cardinal Burke is there right now telling you there is a lot of strong Catholic power in Wisconsin, pulling Wisconsin red, 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 red. So I'm feeling good about it. I'm going to put some Trump on the screen. You want some Trumpage? Whoa, that's big. Let me move him over here. My man, there, the Donald. I'll put him over here in the corner. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm surprised. I didn't think I'd, I'd stay on this long. And I should get someone else on here. Why don't I, why don't I see if I can get Jesse Romero on here? Y'all want Jesse to come on? Let's see if I can get Jesse. Here we go. Jesse, you want to come on live now or later? He's got a bunch of interviews today. All right, that's Jesse Romero. Hopefully we can get Jesse Romero on. Who else could we get? Who else would be good to pull on here? Well, maybe I get Jason Jones. Let me see what Jason Jones is up to. Either of you want to join me live right now? Question mark. There, we'll see what happens. I'm going to put my phone here open in front of me and see. We already had Mike Church. We already had Mrs. Joy Marshall on here. Um, you know what? I'm going to see if Allie wants to. Ollie's going to wants to come on. You want to come on live, Ollie? He'd be interesting. Ali Alexander. He's got good stuff. You know what? I'll ask Jack Posobiec while we're here. Let's get OAN. He's probably super busy, though. To join me live. Ali, yes. All right, we'll see who comes on. We'll see who comes on. So that's the states, man. That's how I see the states breaking down. And I really think we're going to get over 300. Um, and if we lose that Pennsylvania, I mean, it's, it's 20 votes, man. Ooh, 20 votes would be bad to lose it. But we can still cross 300. All right, got some bites here. People want to come on live. Awesome. 
Oh, Father Nick's. Here we go. Sorry, I'm just getting people to come on. Okay. Ollie's on. Send me your Skype. Okay. Here we go. So this is how it's going to break down. Um, some people are saying that places like New Mexico could flip. I don't think Colorado will ever. And in fact, this says Colorado as likely. I think Colorado is now solid Democrat, dark blue. They smoke so much weed and marijuana in Colorado. They are totally, totally in it for the Democrats. This is why you shouldn't do drugs is it makes you dumb and it makes you vote for dumb people. Don't do drugs. I really do hope over here in California that it's more of a lighter blue and that the popular vote surprises everyone. I think that would be amazing. So um, let's see here. Oh, good. Jason Jones is going to is going to join us. It looks like he's voting. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to tell him no problem. You I'm going to have him vote and then uh, you vote and then come on live with me. So Jason Jones will be joining us. I think Ali is going to join us. Ali Alexander. So we got some good people coming on. I didn't expect doing this, but it's kind of fun. I wish it'd be fun to kind of let some of you guys come on. Some of y'all watching. It'd be fun to bring some of you guys on, but I don't think that's possible with my setup here. Um, so we'll be joined here shortly with Jason Jones of the Jason Jones show. Uh, also sometimes featured on Infowars. He is part of the uh, team that brought you the movie Bella, great pro-life movie, Bella. Ali Alexander will be coming on. He's an expert. He's worked uh, with Republicans. He's worked with Kanye West. Um, he's an expert on what on tr voting trends, electoral college, the black vote. I really love to hear Ollie talk to us about the black vote right now because they're saying now 30, 33% of the African-American vote may shift or might, might be for Trump. Um, also, Ollie Alexander's got some great things to say about Kamala Harris. Um, so whenever they buzz me, we'll bring them in. Any more questions? Make sure you put a question mark on there. Yes, Jim Caviezel. I'd love to have Jim Caviezel on. Uh, and I've I've spoken to some of his people, but nothing's worked out yet. So that would be great. Um, oh, yeah, I should get Father Altman on. Let me text Father Altman and uh, and see if he'll come on. Want to come on live now? Maybe I can get Father Heilman, too. Yeah, anyone y'all want, any of my regular guests that you want want to, me to jump on with, uh, just suggest them. Put a question mark, though. When I see a question mark, I know to stop scrolling and uh, and to read it. Um, so if you have any suggestions of people you'd like, from, like to me to text real quick and to bring on. Uh, Taylor, I would like to translate your book into Spanish. Uh, many of the books are already in Spanish. Which book? I, I'd love for you to help me with that. Um, but yeah, if you want to translate, um, infiltration is in German, Spanish, Portuguese, and it's coming out in Polish, Croatian, French, and Italian. So infiltration is, is blowing up. Today I heard on Hugh Hewitt, a caller called in and said, hey, I, I watched Anesta Souza 
movie and I read Taylor Marshall's Infiltration. I'm a lifelong Democrat. My eyes are open. I'm voting for Trump. That makes me happy. That makes me happy. This book is not a conspiracy theory. This book is reality. This book is history. If you haven't read this book, please read it. It's a bestseller. It's done great. I think it was the number one Catholic book of 2019. And uh, please read it. Please. There's so much info in this book. So please read it. Uh, yeah, Michael Matt. I can get Michael Matt on here. Steve Bannon. I've never met Steve Bannon. Um, but I'd love to talk with him. Be interested. Um, who else should we get on here today? Let me see if I can get Michael Matt. Oh, here we go. We got Ali coming. Oh, that's weird. We just lost. Oh, no, we didn't. Let me just grab. Copy. Going over to Skype. You guys wouldn't believe all the uh, the buttons and things on this side. Here he is. Say hi. Call him up. Calling in for Ollie here. Let's see if we can get Ollie Alexander in here. Oop. Coming in the other way. Lost him. Stuff is so complicated. If some of y'all out there would invent a way of corresponding with people online that doesn't break and works great, that would be awesome. All right, trying to get Ali here. All right, I said, call me when ready. People are waiting for you, Ali Alexander. Ali, hope you're watching. Call me in. Call me in. All right. I also got invites to Father James Altman. Jason Jones is also going to call in. And um, I invited Catherine O'Neill for Catholics with Trump. I also invited Father Dave Nix and Jack Posobiec of OAN. Anyone else y'all want me to invite, just let me know. We'll bring in some of these some of these guests. I think it'd be awesome if we got Father Altman. Who wants Father Altman? That'd be great. That'd be great. This is all this is all off the cuff, by the way. I did not did not pull Oh yeah, let's get Eduardo Verastegui. Let's get Eduardo on here. Let me let me text him. Let's see. You want to come live now? have you on real quick okay good oh father nolan i don't have i don't have father nolan's contact uh don't post it on here by the way i don't want people doxing our priests um so don't post it but uh yeah if you want to come on if you want uh if you have father nolan somehow you need to get to oh man it'd be great to get father ripperger let me ask if i can get father ripperger too that would be awesome ah here's ali y'all ready Ali Alexander, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm good. I don't see you. Oh, there you are. There you are. All right, I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you in. Everybody right. stand by. Boom. Everybody. This is your first time on my channel, Ollie. 
This is the first. It's a, a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, Dr. Taylor Martin. Now, I'm kind of messed up because I'm wearing blue and you're wearing Uh-oh. red. It looks it looks bad. It's like blood. You got to correct that. It's you like bloods and crips in here, man. <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. We just we just played with the electoral map and we looked at three different ways Trump can win this thing. Um yeah. one way, you know, the easy way is with Pennsylvania. That's the easy way. Right. That's yeah. the that's the toll way. But um without Pennsylvania it gets a little little complicated. A little bit, but you know, if we hold on to Arizona, North Carolina, and Florida, which I think that we're gonna do, and we're gonna blow them out in Florida right now. Yeah. Uh then then all we need is one Midwestern state of those uh top four out of the Rust Belt. All right, and so I just I'm- put the map up here, Ollie. Why don't you walk us through? I'm gonna name states and you tell me blue or slightly red or strong red. Texas. Uh, okay. Texas. Texas, I mean, it'll be a light, it'll be a light pink, a, a light, a light red, but I think we'll pull it out. Okay, okay. Uh, Georgia, red, solid, solid red. North Carolina, I think that we're going to be a, a light red, but we'll pull it out. And the betting markets uh, have it more bullish than Arizona, and I'm actually more really? bullish on Arizona than I am North Carolina. Okay, so uh, Arizona, is it a pink or a red? Uh, it's it's going to be a light red. I don't, I don't want to make light it red. Yeah, but but it's red. We're going to win it. Okay. So so we've kind of covered all of those. We haven't got into Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and we haven't touched Florida. Where should we go next? Florida? Yeah, let's go to Florida. I mean, we're okay. going to blow them out of the water. Donald Trump uh, won it last time by 1.2%. Uh, I think that he's going to get 3 or 4%. Wow. You think so? Yeah, he's overperforming with Hispanics. Black turnout is out of the black voters that are showing up. It looks like he's going to touch somewhere between 10 and 12 percent at minimum. Uh, The question is, did we lose the seniors or not? Mm -hmm. And are the Karens going to, uh, you know, punish him for coronavirus? And right now, today, there's not evidence of that. And I think that we can look at the early voting, that we close the gap in all of these states in early voting uh, to give Donald Trump a stronger uh, election day showing pre-election day showing than he had in 2016 in any state so i think that the pollsters are wrong on seniors and wrong on karens and we're doing better with every other demographic anyway okay so are you putting that as solid red I solid think that red solid. i love florida it has never been a swing state to me now you know it's interesting i've been following some of the news speaking of florida on hispanics and latino it's yeah. remarkable the energy coming from Latino, Hispanic uh, voters in Florida. Yeah. Why is that? What What's the impetus? Well, look, I mean, a, a lot of people look at the, the Hispanic population and they see one people's and, and that's not what's mm. going on. I mean, it's just like if you understand the illegal immigration issue, it's not Mexicans. It's Guatemalans, Hondurans right. and people from El Salvador that are traveling through. Uh, uh, Mexico, but actually we have a, an Asian visa overstay problem. So these issues are kind of complex. And when you look at uh, especially the Florida community, we have a lot of Venezuelans and a lot of Cubans that have escaped 
uh, the perils of communism and Marxism and socialism, those people are solidly Republican. And then we have the Haitian community, and we're running a bunch of those people as well. And, uh, you know, Dominicans are kind of split, and then Puerto Ricans, uh, federal dollars can buy them. Uh, and so uh, uh, what ends up happening is that we do really, really well in Florida. Miami-Dade uh, uh, County is a Republican county. It's a big, big, big old county, and it's Republican. And it's a little, you know, squishy like Marco Rubio or whatever, but but they're, they love Trump. Trump gets – those one of twos and those two or those those one of fours and those two of fours, as we call them, people who occasionally vote, he gets them excited and then he holds on to the four or four Republicans. And that's why Trump overperforms these squishy moderate Republicans. And sometimes he drags them across the finish line. Yeah. OK, well, that's cool. And then you also yeah. mentioned the black vote that affects yeah. Florida, but it also affects these states like Georgia, North Carolina. You're an expert on that. Tell us about why the black vote is maybe going to get up to 33%. Well, I, you know, boy, would that be bullish? Uh, look, what, what Democrats can't afford is another 2016. The biggest secret, and I think, you know, you and I, when we had our, our, our first uh, lunch meeting, you know, uh, I said it's the biggest secret Republicans forget, and that's that Hillary Clinton would be the president right now if uh, the black vote turned out at the 2012 levels, but they didn't. So when you think about these states, think about it like this, Detroit, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, Charlotte, Jacksonville. These are states where the black vote turned, uh, uh, turned out uh, under uh, what they did in uh, 2012. And that's when Obama surgically cut through all of these states to uh, kill Romney's candidacy. Uh, but not only that, but Donald Trump actually got more of the black vote than Romney and McCain, respectively. And so what's happening is now we're getting more of the more that we got. And the black voter turnout looks about steady or uh, uh, maybe a tad higher than 2016, but not at 2012 levels. And that's what they wanted to do. They actually wanted to brown the electorate, which mm. is why they picked Kamala Harris. And that's why I'm telling you today the press is blinding the public because their analysis and all of their polling assumes that these samples are more brown. Well, it's more white. So now we all know what the swing vote is. And I don't even want to call it the swing vote. The determining vote is the Karens. And yeah. so the electorate did not brown. Kamal Harris did not boost black turnout. And what Joe Biden should have done is selected the New Mexico governor. And then Joe Biden would probably be winning right now. Mm. Now, tell us why the black vote is not impressed by Kamala. I mean, you, you're actually the expert on that. And I, yeah. I want, I want my audience to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I had this viral tweet in, in 2019, uh, that was in international news for, for, uh, for, um, uh, 30 days. And, and people might know the tweet and not me because they actually, they actually wiped my face off of my tweet when yeah. they posted on CNN and face the nation and, and all kinds of other things. But Kamala Harris is not uh, what you would colloquially call a African-American. In my tweet, you know, I study a lot about language. I do communication strategy. Uh, I, I said in my viral tweet that Don Jr. retweeted, which is what got the press's attention, that she's not an American black. And what I mean is that she's not a descendant of American slavery, you know, America's original sin. She's not even a, a, a descendant of America's Jim Crow era. And um, this is really unique because, you know, sure, America is what abolished slavery pretty much around the world. Uh, uh, but we were late to the game in terms of uh, how we treated people. And so, you know, a lot of these other Western nations actually beat us 
in the equal treatment of, of blacks. And so our country kind of laggard behind. So when you really think about what Kamala Harris did at that debate, when she stole the time from Joe Biden, she stole the time under the premise that her family had suffered system, uh, a systemic racism, historic racism, and that the moderators and Joe Biden gave her time to talk under the heritage of my people, but that's not her heritage. No. She is what's called a Tamil Indian uh, in the caste system. These are basically, you know, the white Indians. Uh, they have indentured servants. They have slaves. So she she has slavery on her Indian side, and then on the Jamaican side, which we've never really uh, had a chance to to litigate the lineage there, because a lot of people who are familiar with Jamaica knows everybody's not black, but. You know, I don't even want to get into that. Uh, we'll know that her uh, her her great grandmother was actually a major slave owner. Uh, and so uh, what, what, what you have is this kind of impossible sense of irony, which fits 2020 to a, a, a T. And that's that she has she's a descendant of slaves on both sides. That's not Joe Biden. That's not Mike Pence. And that's not Donald Trump, who is the grandson of immigrants. And so um, so I think that the blacks aren't excited, one, because she is a brown female. Uh, and that's why you're seeing black men run away from her, Two, She has an anti-black. Explain that. Record. Why? Why? Explain that. Uh, uh, look, uh, black men. I, this is crazy. In 2009, I theorized that 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 uh, black men and, and black women would diverge. And then in for 2020. I predicted in 2018 that we would see the largest gap between black men and black women. Why is that? Because there's a gender gap that is tearing through the heart of, of, of not just our nation and the body of politic, but also the church. We are trying to solve a gender question in society right now, and it's in language, it's in culture, it's in the church, it's in the body of politic. And what happens is that Kamala Harris, she didn't marry a black man. Uh, her record is anti-black. She actually kept black men in prison when she was the attorney general of California for longer than their sentences. And she told the California Supreme Court, well, it's because we need their labor. I mean, this <laughs> that's slavery. That's slavery. I mean, <laughs> again, it's a, there's a sense of irony, but also justice uh, in, in all of this. And so um, so black men are running from her at historic margins. More black men will vote uh, as a percentage of, of black voters will vote Republican uh, than basic in any time in, in modern history. And uh, we'll see how, how many, uh, we'll see, you yeah, know, wonderful. how the black females cross over. But, but, you know, the average is going to be pretty high. And so Kamala Harris Hold on. is not. I got to interrupt you. Everybody yeah. give, give some applause to Joy. She brought me some, some red. Oh, to redeem me, to redeem me. <laughs> so here we go. But Joe Biden, blue states, peace. <laughs> You're out of here. You've been ejected. All right, go go ahead. Sorry, I just gotta. So 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 yeah, but but look, you also this is this makes it the official mass incarceration ticket, as my friend Roger Stone would say, because Joe Biden mm -hmm. is the author of the uh, 1994, which dubbed the Clinton Crime Bill. Uh, this guy has called black neighborhoods jungles. He has called uh, black men uh, predators. Uh, when Barack Obama was running in 2008, he said, "Well, he can win because he's clean and articulate." Uh, this is a guy who does not like colored folk, yeah. uh, but like a lot of uh, Yankee Democrats, um, they're perfectly fine with playing the numbers game. And a lot of people need to study their Civil War history to learn that, you know, it wasn't like the South was this super racist region. The North was making just as much money off of slavery as the South. 
and without doing any of the work. And so this goes back a long time. And Joe Biden is not a good guy, but he's willing to work with anyone for power. Yeah. 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 That's I remember we, you and I had coffee and you explained that whole as something I never understood in American politics. And you broke it. down. But it turned out right, didn't it? You, you, were, you were dead. Right. OK, so I said 33 percent African-American yeah. vote and you balked. Yeah. I remember when we we the, we had coffee once we were talking about the voting demographics. You had said uh, 2016 was eight or nine percent. Oh, we got yeah eight percent. Eight percent. Yeah. And you said then I think he's going to get sixteen percent. If my memory is correct, I I think I, I think I said sixteen would be the top. Yeah. Uh, I I said I want twelve. And okay. um, what's it going to be? I, I oh man, put me on side. I think I think we'll do eleven. I think we'll do eleven. Oh, that's it. Well, what's uh, that, the, what's all this huge. I hear about 30 on the internet? That's huge. That you know, I think that people are talking about 30 because they're confusing uh, the black approval rating uh-huh. with um, with those who will actually vote for him. Okay. Okay. And then what do you think about black men? What what will that look like? Well, in order to get the, in order to get the number up to to 11 or 12, black men have to be like black and assuming that the gender gap stays the same, black men have to be north of 16. Um, and, and this is, this is really great because they're not going away. Uh, if, if Donald Trump is president and the economy, I don't know, doubles next year, uh, or, or sees a 40% gain, um, black men, a generation is not going to forget that we're looking at a Ronald Reagan figure who is not only going to change our party, but he's going to change the opposing party. Right. Legit. Okay. Let's go, let's go back to our map because we, we stopped. Yeah, we stopped. We stopped at Florida and Arizona, and you believe Arizona is a strong red. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the internal data uh, that the Republicans have. And uh, when I was looking at it three days ago, uh, you know, after early voting ended, we actually uh, are stronger in Arizona than we are North Carolina, which I did not I did not think that that was the case. Uh, but Donald, I'm telling you, Donald Trump, uh, his outreach to Hispanics, mm-hmm. his unapologetic defense of, 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 of healthy capitalism, you know, not this unfettered right. and ran uh, uh, capitalism, uh, has, has paid huge dividends for Hispanics. And I think that the pollsters are actually undercounting them. Yeah. Okay, so where do we go next? What state should we travel to? It's kind of leaving us that... Well, that let's, Great let's Lakes knock out area. the two obvious ones. Like Iowa and Ohio were never swing states. Iowa, yeah. uh, uh, Iowa and uh, Ohio are red states. Um, Iowa voting for an incumbent president is a very good telltale sign. And he was never going to lose Iowa. What we saw, and this is what's encouraging for me, is and and and, and you know I. I you know, we, we talked yesterday, and it was like this election. If Donald Trump wins, is the end of media. Yes. And and I think that that's the tea leaves that we saw in Iowa. Is when is how does a poll flip twenty four points in six weeks? It's never been done. It will never be done. That's not science. That's voodoo witchcraft. That's yeah. mental manipulation. And so when you have the Des Moines Register, you know, the paper of Iowa, come out and say that Donald Trump's ahead by seven points or or whatever they had him. It's because he was always ahead. You know, how can yeah. you give those Iowa farmers billions of dollars from the Chinese tariffs and, and then not vote for him? If, if, the, if the Iowans understand anything, it's green money. <laughs> and um, and uh, we'll, we'll solidly win those. And so it does position us where we're, where we're trying to head it as we got to win one state, 
Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. These are the four, and you and I talked about this. The two things that we talked about when we first had that coffee was, okay, we got to get the Midwest. We got to play in these four states, and the black vote, we got to get them to just chill out and not go with Donald, uh, or Joe Biden. This was before the Kamala pick, uh, which I didn't think he was going to pick Kamala. She's a horrible pick. Uh, but I'm glad that I'm glad that he did because that's what's happening, Taylor. We, in a lot of ways, through God's sovereignty and Joe Biden's foolishness, they have locked in the 2016 map. Right. The white vote is the same. The black vote is near the same. And we come down to those miracle states in the Rust Belt where there's been a cultural genocide, a demographic genocide where grandparents and parents and children can't live in the same town because there's not enough jobs. And Donald Trump has ran on making America great, but in particular with those Rust Belt states, the Midwest, Appalachia, and said, you know, I want to keep America great. I don't want there to be this crazy migration going on where people can play political games. And and I think that that's what we're seeing. So tonight the question is, what state do we win for our victory? And then what other states do we win to keep it outside of the courts? And I that's the miracle that I think is happening. And I think I think that that's what the zeitgeist is saying is like, hey, you know, we're all feeling it. We're, we're feeling our fellow Americans and saying we're not just going to get 270. Yeah. No. You know. OK, so I have a special guest that's going to join us. We're going to go three way here. Great. It's Father Altman. Do you know Father Altman, Ali? I, uh, you know, I recognize the picture from Twitter, I think. Yeah. So Father Altman was the famous priest who says you can't be Catholic and vote for Joe Biden. He got in trouble with his bishop. He's in Wisconsin, and I think he'd be good because we're about to move to Wisconsin to, what, yes. with our map. So I'm going to bring him in. Is that all right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm going to bring in Father James Altman. Just a moment, please. He's bu- He was buzzing while you're talking, but I wanted you to finish your 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 thought well, there. Well, I'm glad he's in Wisconsin because I'm very bullish on Wisconsin. I, actually- I am too. I, I, think, I think we definitely – I'm bringing him in here. I think Wisconsin – I mean, Trump has spent some time there. I think he's trying to secure it, but it's very Catholic, very pro-life, and um, I think I think he's got it. I, I feel, yeah, bullish. I feel here he is, Father Altman. I'm bringing you in. You ready? I I think I am. Here you are. Hey, we're on. I got uh, Ali Alexander and I got Father James Altman. We were, we were going through the electoral map, Father Altman. I am. And uh, we. We're talking about is Wisconsin going to go red for Trump? What do you think? Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me, Father? I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. You might have me muted. There you go. Okay. I think okay. you got it. It was like I was hearing like five minutes ago you talking. Oh, okay. Can you hear? Oh, that's probably the, the playback. Can you hear me live now? Can you hear me live? Yes. Okay, great. We were just talking about all the electoral college in the states. And I said, do you think we're going to win Wisconsin? Yes. You're there right now, right? And what's the what's the feeling in Wisconsin? Yes, I, I, I can hear you, but it's like there's this time delay in, oh. in hearing. That's okay. I think that... Uh, there's no question but that Wisconsin's going to go red. Yeah. And and do you think it's because it's pro-life? Is it Catholic? What's what's the push in Wisconsin?
I think it's because uh, jobs, we, uh, Trump has done incredible things for jobs, not just in Wisconsin, but in the country. And I, I think, too, it's because the, the governor, oops, I'm not sure if you can hear me now. Oh, you know what, I, Father Altman, I think you have, I think you have maybe YouTube open. Restrictive. He's one of those Democrat governors that, that has really put the lockdown on people. Right, and he's not well liked. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe that's why. That's why it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're watching it through YouTube instead of through Skype. Okay. Now, now I think I've got it. Yeah, do you hear me live now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you were watching okay. it through YouTube, which is like Sorry. a two second delay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. About Wisconsin, we're sick and tired of the Democrat lockdown of this fascist power grab, destroy the people uh, attitude of these elites in the Democrat Party. And I think the Republicans and the people as a whole, Democrats as well, who are sick of it, are, are going to go overwhelmingly red. We're just yeah. sick of it. Mm -hmm. that, sorry, yeah, I, now, I may sound zealous, but gosh darn it, we're sick of it. Now, Father Altman, you said you can't be a Catholic and vote for Joe Biden. Yes. And you got pushback for that. Why is it? Well, double down, I'll triple down, I'll quadruple down on that one. <laughs> I, I got pushback because there's a lot of cler clergy who are on the wrong listen. If something's true, anything contrary to it's false. You know this. It's just basic philosophy. You understand they're mutually exclusive things. Well, how dare any shepherd of the church say something as egregious as they think it's okay to support Biden, that uh, 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 who's, who is part of and parcel of the entirety of their platform, which is contrary to people of faith, whether you're Catholic or whether you're Christian. So the reason why I got pushed back is because those people on the left that happen to be in the clergy and the hierarchy, uh, they're always, as, as you've seen in the writers, looters, burners, and shooters, they're always the one to cause uh, a fuss to try and squelch the voice of the truly faithful, of, of the good people. And uh, so that's why I got pushback. It wasn't because my own bishop, I don't believe, really disagrees. He said he didn't disagree with the thing I said. He just didn't like the manner and tone. But, you know, fundamentally, the truth was spoken. And if there's clergy or hierarchy that don't like the truth, they're not genuinely Catholic. They're imposters, and they're leading them astray. Listen, as you heard me say, truth is nine to nothing. Opinion is a five to four vote. So when you get two-thirds of the Catholic bishops saying, yes, life is prime, primacy of life, and you get a third of them over on the other side trying to confuse us with that heretical, seamless garment, mm -hmm. that just shows you that there are insidious diaboli at work in the church. And, that, well, of course, they hate me. Because How many other people do you know call them out on it? Right. They're all pussyfooting around like a bunch of wimps. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to get off my canon lawyer. And, and Father <laughs> Altman, I mean, why is it that so many priests, so many priests are so weak when it comes to the politics? And I'm not yeah. talking about like, oh, well, we can't endorse from the pulpit. I'm talking about actually subverting the political process. I'm thinking, did you read Bishop Barron's Voter Guide? No, no, I only heard about it. I, okay. No, but that's the thing I'm talking about. It's like, 
oh, there's all these issues and it's a toss up and just sort of vote your conscience. It's weak. Like you said, pussy footing. It's also it's not even just weak. It's error. It's blatant error, period. Yeah. I mean, what part of the non-negotiables is he not getting? This is beyond question. All these other things that they try to confuse us with have nothing to do with intrinsic evil. They're debatable points. When it comes to intrinsic evil, Biden's on the wrong side. This is black and white, crystal clear, night and day. There's no excuse for any shepherd of the church to not speak up and speak out in that way. Not when babies' lives are at stake and everything else. It just disgusts me. Yeah. It's horrible. It does. It's horrible. So you think he's going to win, Father? I I believe so. Yeah. I think it's going to be, yeah, a red wave. Yeah. I, they're not even going to see it coming because they, they didn't any more than they saw him coming in 2016. But they don't understand the people are sick. Okay, but can I just say one more thing? That I've never seen a more profoundly followed candidate. You you were there. I mean, you see the yep. rallies. I got to go to one myself. It's amazing. But on the other side of the coin, you have somebody who can't string two sentences together. Right. Who's I've never seen a more a, a bigger buffoon, a more befuddled, incompetent person. Do you, I mean, do you really want that person who can't put two sentences together with his finger on the on the button? Oh, right. it's just crazy. It's Nobody crazy. in the right mind could vote for him. And you know what? They don't like to hear it tough. Right. Well, I'm just glad to hear a priest talking real, man. Well, I, why aren't we? Why isn't everybody? That's right. what I don't get. Yeah. Father, you sound like a black preacher. I'm, I'm digging it. <laughs> He's hyping it, man. He's hyping it. I, but I agree. I, I agree. I think that I think that we're gonna win, uh, uh, Wisconsin. I want to read you some numbers right now. Yeah. Is uh, the uh, the electorate going into election day was, or in the main vote was twelve point three ahead for the uh, for the Democrat. Right now we're at five point nine. In twenty sixteen they were at nine point six. So we're looking at a what what is that, a four point three gap. Uh right. Biden is running behind Hillary Clinton. And I think the father is right, and I think that I think the media has totally missed this issue. Is you might have two or three percent of Republicans cross over to vote for Joe Biden. That Lincoln Project never Trumper uh, mm-hmm. uh segment of the population is so tiny, but you're gonna have hardworking union Democrats, registered Democrats crossing over in droves to vote for Donald Trump. Let us not forget that Louisiana is still a state that has a majority Democrat registration. Democrats are voting for Trump, and it's not the other way around. And I think that Wisconsin will give us the 270. And this is the avenue that the campaign, the new campaign manager bill uh, uh, devised for us was to go through Wisconsin to reach 270. But I think, you know, we'll be above that. Okay, so if we look at the map, Father and Ali, okay, so we got Texas is red, all right? Arizona, Ali's saying is red. Florida is stronger red than it was in 16. Georgia, North Carolina, red. Lots of great black black vote support there. Ohio and Iowa have always been red. Always been red. Father Altman, you're saying, was Father Altman, isn't Cardinal Burke in Wisconsin right now? Well, you know, he was, I think he just had to leave yesterday. Oh, no. I think he had to go out to Kansas. There's something going on in Kansas he had to go to. Because I was going to try to go see him yesterday, and I, I wasn't okay. able to. So but he was. He's here this weekend. So I just, you know, I just, I think Wisconsin is a wholesome state. That's when I think Wisconsin, I think cheese curds. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think 
beautiful, beautiful summers, soft grass, and they, I just think they, they wholesome people. Family values. Yeah. Good people. We have family values. And, and, and that means we have to love and care for our family. That means that we need to be in a country that's free. For, listen, what they've done to lock down those kids out of school. Yeah. That's, I, I, how many teachers have I talked to? They are so disgusted uh, that, that that's happened. The parents are disgusted that this happened. Open up. That's what Trump says. Open yep. up. And every, yeah. So I just, I think it's going to be a huge win. Well, one thing that concerns me, Ollie, is that we, you know, I got the map on the screen. You can't see it, yeah. but, you know, I've got Arizona, I got Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Iowa, Ohio, everything on there. And I just made Wisconsin red, where Father Altman is. And that only gets us to 268. We're too uh, short you- on our journey right now. We need two more votes. Well, we have Maine, 2nd Congressional District. Do you have that marked as red? I don't, but do you think that's legit? And explain to the audience why. In fact, we're more likely to use – we're more likely to lose Nebraska's 2nd District than we are to lose Maine's 2nd District, but I don't think we'll lose either. So, you know, is there there a scenario where we get 269-269? Sure. Yep. Um, But but, but I don't think – look, in order for 269 to 269 uh, would happen, it suggests that – we somehow pierced Wisconsin in a way that we couldn't pierce Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Minnesota. That would defy the Catholic demographic, right. the Union demographic, the white demographic, uh, and then the the riot uh, the riots that happened. And so, uh, so uh, it would just be pretty hard to win over some moderates in Wisconsin, but then not Nebraska. So I think there is no two six. I think that two sixty nine is a is a point one percent chance of happening. Right. I think that we're at two seventy minimum. Okay. So. Right now on the map, we're at 269 by adding that district in Maine. Yep. And w- right now we have in play Nevada, Minnesota, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Of those four, which is the most likely to, to go red wave? Of those four, which is the well, most red? Of those four, look, I, I, God has placed Minnesota on my heart, uh, and, and, and it makes me sound like a crazy madman, but let's take let's – take, Let's take a look at Minnesota. For real? You really think – I would have put that in fourth place. I know, and, and, and most operatives are. I'm, I'm just okay. disclosing what has been on my heart since, uh, since May or June. The riots started – let's not forget the global Good order point. folks have chosen that instead of focusing on Arbery, the black man who was killed in Georgia, and probably wrongfully, they didn't want to focus on him. Mm-hmm. They instead created this narrative – with George Floyd, who it looks like was not killed unlawfully. And they did this on purpose so that it would spread across the Midwest. Don't don't be fooled. The CNN producers, the executive folks at CNN, MSNBC, CBS, they planned to have a summer of chaos in the Midwest so that people would blame it on the president. Don't forget that uh, Joe Biden had a speech about June or July where he said, Donald Trump's America. If you can reduce an incumbent's president's uh, uh, presidential, uh, you know, how people see him as a president, then he cannot win. He's caught in a frame in which no matter what he does, he can't win. And I don't think that that ended up working. But so what happened is 
these riots have affected people. We're seeing 97% turnout in rural Minnesota. We haven't seen that before. Here's a state that elected Al Franken and Jesse Ventura and <laughs> Tim Pawlenty. This yeah. is not a state that's in, that's, that gets offended by right. weirdos and people no. who tweet, <laughs> tweet a lot. So uh, what I actually, and then there's a U.S. Senate race. What I think actually happened, Taylor, is I think that when you watch, and remember, uh, Mayor Fry. Uh, was was booed by Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all these Marxists and this anarchist. I think the pro- the young progressives in Minneapolis, the young city of America, are not going to vote. And I think that all the rural Minnesotans are going to vote. And the data the data mm. coming out of Minnesota is it's only 1.2 percent black. This means that the Somali population that's been imported by right. uh, the global elements of the Catholic Church and then the the State Department um, that that they're not also voting. So I think that we're going to do a lot better in Minnesota. And what I want to remind everyone is that Clinton was polling 10 points ahead of Donald Trump in Minnesota in 2016. She won it by 1.4%. It was the largest error right. in, in 2016 by 8.6. And, and so what's Biden polling now? What's the real number? Uh, Bi- the Biden and Biden in Minnesota is, hold on, I got my election night worksheet. Biden in Minnesota I don't even have, hold on. Let me have it. I think Biden in Minnesota is 6.6%. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Last time I looked at it. So, yeah, if, so it swings, if it swings eight points, it's, it's red. It's solid red. And I mean, and I don't think. You think it's a, a solid red? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, you know, everyone says watch Michigan, then watch Wisconsin, or watch Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So, go right from left. That's what the polling data says. I think the pollsters are liars. I think that Kenosha and uh, and, and Kyle uh, flipped Wisconsin uh, definitively. Yeah. And I think that the George Floyd uh, uh, mayhem that did reach the mm. edges of the suburbs flipped Minnesota. That's amazing. And I, and I think the riots, I think the riots, if coronavirus killed Trump's candidacy, then the riots want it back. Yeah. So you think that the George Floyd thing backfires and gets and gets Minnesota red? Well, t- Taylor, let's take a look at their thesis, right? Black Lives Matter protests turn out the black vote. That didn't happen in 2016 when they manufactured a crisis like this. It's sure. not happening now in the early vote or the mail-in vote, and it's not happening on election day. So I, I can't actually understand where the math is on their side. They have to admit that there's an error. How is the white vote, which is decreasing as a, uh, uh, as, uh, uh, as a percentage of the population, how is it exactly the same as it was in 2016? Something is happening. And if we've made inroads with Hispanics and blacks, then it keeps coming down to college-educated white women, the Karens. The Karens. The, the Karens. Karens. Which, by the way, Donald Trump won 52% of white women against Hillary Clinton. Right. So if Donald Trump, you know, that number can't get like below 47%. Right. Um, and, and, but the pollsters want to tell us it's 58, 59, it's 60. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I think that people are lying to the pollsters. And during the riots, they had uh, Joe Biden uh, go from plus five Minnesota to plus 12. It told me everything. I think people are lying to the pollsters, actively lying. Right. right. Or, or maybe the pollsters are just lying themselves. I mean, there's this orchestrated like you said when they when they created a crisis it seems like they're orchestrating they have pulled out all stops they're using everything they possibly can including the covid hoax the lockdown hoax the keep the kids at home hoax the blaming trump for all the rioting hoax they're they're just orchestrating this entire grand play to to defeat trump in any way they can and they and they have they're ruthless evil and 
Uh, it's all a hoax. So the, I don't when when the numbers finally come out, uh, you're going to I think what we're going to see is we're going to see they're going to be exposed. And then, hallelujah, Trump's going to say, OK, now I'm cleaning house. At yep. long last. Yeah. This is the end. This is what Ollie's been saying lately on Twitter. The end of the mainline industrial media complex. Yeah. We yeah. we we busted them four years ago. And they kind of had a, 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 a... They were on probation. This yeah. time, they are busted again. Both hands in the cookie jar. Uh, the American people are going to be like, we are through with cable news forever. It is dead, gone... It's a cold corpse. And I'll tell you what's going to come alive. You know, uh, Father Father Altman, he was streaming all these amazing sermons during COVID. People couldn't get the normal access to preaching that they normally got to parish. Suddenly they found Father Altman on YouTube. They're like, oh, every Sunday I'm going to listen to Father Altman. Alternative sourcing of their preaching. People don't get to hear a guy like Ali Alexander give this analysis, which is brilliant, by the way through CNN or the mainline channels. So they say, oh, well, forget them. I'm going to go listen to Ali Alexander on Periscope, right? Or they don't hear theology, philosophy, right? From their schools, from their colleges, from their high schools. And they say, oh, I'll go listen to Taylor Marshall on YouTube and hear about infiltration. <laughs> What's going to happen is, is in all these areas, people are going to be through with these jokers and they're going to yeah, start yeah. streaming directly the people that they can trust and they can hear. And we have to earn their trust and it has to be legitimate. And they will start to figure out who are the golden voices who are being honest with integrity and who yep. are lying to the people for cash and prizes. Right. Yep. I think we'll move. I, you know, I don't think that we'll be a meritocracy, but, but we are living in an illusion and it's really hard for people to kind of wake up until they lie to you. And, and right. that's what I think is happening is I think that 150 million people are going to wake up tomorrow and realize it was all a lie. It was yeah. all a lie. A lot more of us support Donald Trump with all of his faults right. and support the, 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 the systemic say, say, the systematic Satanism that's on their side. One thing I want to point out is what's been humorous for me is is kind of watching like, OK, I believe that miracles manifest in the physical plane. How would they manifest? Well, I don't know. They would construct a lockdown, a college lockdown, that would take the one reason why Iowa's ever a swing vote because of one university, they would close down that university and lock up Iowa. They done messed up. <laughs> they done messed up. They done what messed up. Thinking? What else would they do? I don't know. Well, they would close the churches. So on the Sunday before the election, when they have their routine, it's called the souls to the polls. It would be... They are 15% on their benchmark of what they plan to turn out black people on the early vote in the Shoals to Polls program. They're DOA, man. Yeah. They're DOA. And and people can't appreciate it until it's all said and done, you know. But but the signs are there that the lockdowns have actually hurt Democrats at the polls more than it's hurt Republicans. And Republican operatives, they don't want to say what I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, I don't have to get paid by campaigns anymore, so I can kind of blow the whistle and— and and uh, but I, I, I think that the lockdowns actually helped us politically. It's hurt our country. But what small business owner says, I want to keep this going for a year and a half and I want to go work for a Fortune 500 company that's going to police my language, my speech right. and control what I can put into my child's 527. Uh, yes. Zero. None of them. Not me. <laughs> Not me.
Well, Father Alban, do you want to? Do you have stuff to do? You want to bounce out, or you want to stay with us? Yeah, it probably should. Uh, yeah. Okay. I just, I thought I'm going to stop. Well, before you leave, can you give us a give us a blessing for America and for all of us? I sure will. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Send your Spirit down upon all of America and fill the hearts of those who might still be confused and lead them to the way, the truth, and the life. Let us always be inspired to be a witness of our faith in our public life, as you have called us to do. We ask this grace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the privilege of joining you this morning. Thank you, Father. Yes, sir, Father. Well, thank you so much, and God bless you. Keep on praying. Keep on praying, everybody. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Father. All right, the great Father Altman. That guy has been a lightning rod. He's on fire. He's on fire, and uh, the bishops don't like him. And uh, Father Altman was just preaching fiery, awesome sermons all during the COVID lockdown. All of America was tuning in, listening to him on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, the bishops were like, oh, no. Oh, no. They're listening to <laughs> Father Altman. And he's saying, you can't be a Catholic and vote for Joe Biden. It's impossible. Ali, he's the guy who had the famous quote. He said, I wish I had him say it while he was on with us. But he said, I did some research. I did tons of research. And I, I looked up the number of how many Catholics voted for Hillary Clinton four years ago. And yeah. the answer is 0%. <laughs> because you can't be a true Catholic and vote for Hillary and vote for abortion. 100% of the true Catholic vote went to Trump. And I just, that went viral. That's good. That's good. And everybody That's loved good. it. And everybody loved it. So, okay. So I'm shocked that you're so bullish on Minnesota. Um, I believe in the American people, and I do not believe that white women want riots, school closures, and higher taxes. It's true. And, and, and I could be wrong. And this, people need to remember, you know, this is a state that still went blue in 1984 against Reagan. Um, but if we've learned anything, Ohio's not Ohio anymore. Virginia's not Virginia anymore. And I believe that Minnesota is no longer uh, Minnesota. And, and worse, I think that when you put the corporatist Democrats on the top two slots of the ticket— um, they've actually and, and then Democrats are more polarized than they've ever been. You're actually going to have people who decide not to vote uh, at the top of the ticket. Those mi- people really, can't appreciate- really. Yes, really. People. I mean, look, this is the they just tossed out one of the longest serving Democrats in uh, New York. I believe I, I'm trying to think if he was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee or whatever. OK. Uh, and then in, in, in St. Louis, uh, they've done the same thing. The Justice Democrats are staging a tea party coup uh inside the democrat party and those voters are so much more ideological than the tea party Mm -hmm. that they're willing to lose and right now they're in power so they can afford to lose a couple of seats and so taylor going back uh at least since 1950 if you were to say what are the most liberal organized cities for this foreign funding or whatever funny, funny, funny money, you would say that Minneapolis is one of the most well-funded, well-organized, um, liberal, progressive, Marxist, anarchist element in our country. I mean, everyone thinks about Berkeley, but there are more foot soldiers in this organized leftist movement in Minneapolis uh, than probably anywhere. And that's why they imported the Somalis, too, is they needed to wall off that state and then try to bleed it across the Midwest. And fortunately, that hasn't happened yet. But but this is a state that is it's very blue. Yep. 
I just don't think all the blue votes going blue. And I do think that it's crossing over and and we're maxing out Republican turnout. There won't be more Republican voters than vote in 2020 uh, for Donald Trump in Minnesota. It just won't. That's our highest number that we're ever going to achieve. Right. Okay. I trust you, Ali. <laughs> Who I'm knows? Gonna, I mean, you know, this. this I'm going to trust you. <laughs> but we'll I, see what happens. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Minnesota, but I like your narrative. I like your read on it. And that on the map for everybody following on the screen, that puts us at, if we include the main district of the one boat, that gets us at 269. All right. Now, if, if everything else on that screen, that's gray, went blue, we'd be at the two, the, the infamous 269 standoff. Right. But what yeah. about the next? So I, I, I'm surprised because I gave you, uh, Four states. I gave you Pennsylvania, Michigan. No, five states. Pen- yeah, four. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And I thought you'd go for red meat with with Wisconsin, which is why I pulled in Father Altman. I was like, oh, perfect cue. I'll bring in the fiery priest from Wisconsin, and Ollie's going to drop <laughs> Ollie's going to drop a bomb on Wisconsin because that's the red meat. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're like, let's talk about Minnesota. And I'm like, Ollie, you're off script, man. You're messing up my show here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. threw you red meat for Wisconsin. Well, I'll tell you this. We've had a, a more fulfilling and analytical conversation than they, they are having in cable news. Yes. Um, you know, I've been bullish on people. They don't even know it because, you know, they don't know me in your audience. But, but I was the first person to say that Minnesota was competitive in the country. Uh, you know, on a national level, there are people on the ground there who thought it was. And I was the first person to call it for Trump. And then when Trump, the Trump campaign uh, took it out of their final buy, I threw a stink and then they put $500,000 in. And uh, I, I'm telling you something special is happening in Minnesota. And it, look, if, it, if, 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 if the riots flipped Wisconsin, they're going to have an impact elsewhere. And this is why I didn't say Nevada, because I'm sure that's actually at the top of everybody's mind. Look, almost doesn't count. And losing Nevada by one vote is still losing Nevada. And I think that our ceiling is just cannot beat the Harry Reid machine. The Democrats have amassed, unlike North Carolina, unlike Arizona, unlike Michigan, unlike Wisconsin, unlike Minnesota, and unlike Florida, Nevada is this anomaly where the Democrats have actually built up a firewall that exceeds that of 2016. And in the other states that I mentioned, Donald Trump has actually reduced their firewall and we're about to blow them. We're about to blow them out of the water on election. It's just it's it's insane what we're about to see. Marco Rubio today tweeted something that I said 20 hours ago and I said and people are making fun of me. And I, I, I don't I don't know if they understand math, but today <laughs> today we will Republicans will get a, a higher margin of the vote on Election Day than we've ever received. Now, that's because mail-in vote and early vote and either 50 to 53 percent of the votes already voted. But that makes a difference when you're saying, oh, we're only going into Election Day one point behind, two points behind, because we're going to be at 55, 56 and 57 percent on Election Day. That number's nothing. That number's nothing. And so I, I think that will come up a little short in Nevada. But guess what? Trafalgar thinks I'm wrong. Lawyer Robert Barnes thinks I'm wrong. Jacob Wolf thinks I'm wrong. So I would I'd be happy to be right. Um, but it doesn't do anything towards the outcome of the election. It's a little buffer zone, but it does not. When you factor in Nevada, if you're not losing Iowa, it doesn't do anything to determine who the president is or, or not. And people like me, our job is to calculate probabilities and align them with outcomes. Our job is not to 
you know, just worry about uh, some raw number or anything like that. Right. Now, I'm, I'm a little shocked here, Kali, because when we spoke on the phone yesterday, you said, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Yeah. And I said, I'm feeling bullish. I'm feeling good. I'm, how are you yeah. feeling? And you said 60%. I was yeah. like, I'm 90%. But hearing you today, man, and what you're saying about Florida and what you're saying about Minnesota and Arizona, you sound like you're more than 90%. Where are you today? Uh, I have full faith that God has not done these events in isolation. I truly, truly believe that. I, it's It's been uncanny. We've seen roaches and crickets on Joe Biden. We've mm-hmm. watched him become sick on stage. Jill Biden almost pushed him off stage last night. Yeah, his jump. We jump. That was weird, man. <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing, but he got mad at her. I you know. know he I, turned around and was kind of barking at her. I didn't like that. We saw a temper from Joe Biden. We saw the real Joe Biden for a glimpse of that. And, and Donald Trump, I mean, again, the cycle is moving so fast, and we are the victims of, of, of mass programmed hysteria. That's what they're doing to us, right? Um, and, uh, but Donald Trump was miraculously cured of the coronavirus. And Donald Trump is in the high-risk category because yeah. he's overweight, uh, because he is older, and 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 he actually um well, and uh, the know, man was, is under severe stress severe it's not stress. like he's sitting around watching uh days of our lives and wheel of fortune the guy's yeah. on an airplane traveling 24 7 meeting with people i mean he is in a is a, in a stressful environment he was cured in three days too so i don't believe any of those things so what's funny is 60 percent to me probably sounds like 80 or 90 percent to everyone else just because again we're dealing in probability statistics and when you're getting into 60, you're basically saying, unless something crazy happens, it's going to happen. And, um, and I don't think anything's crazy is going to happen. Now, I do have some incoming information from Florida, and Broward County is having record uh, uh, Democrat turnout. Um, and at the panhandle, you know, we're uh, in some of these places that are Democrat, we're at 39 and we need to be at 40. But I'm still pretty confident. Um, uh, Miami-Dade is slow to count, and it's going – it's going Trump. A, a lot of people will be kind of familiar, like, who's that rapper Donald Trump's talking about? They said Little Pimp, and it's a little yep. pump. Um, that's that's that Miami Dade community, and okay. and they're going they're going insanely for uh, Donald Trump, and that's when they knew something was wrong election night. Miami Dade County was the first time they said, uh, Hillary, I think we've got a problem with non-whites, and right. uh, and then we would come to learn there was a problem with black turnout. Then we would come to learn that white women didn't like her. And then we would learn that there were union crossovers. Then we would learn that people stayed home and all these this perfect alignment of events. But look, Taylor, I think I think you have the core, which is Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, ME2, and I think the Nebraska, you know, I think we get Nebraska. So that's what's called core. So you need core plus one. And that's just that's all that's all we need. And whether that's Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, or Pennsylvania, I don't know. Okay, but so know that- so on the map, let me put the map on the screen. We're we're still yeah. locked at two sixty nine here. I think it's good because for people you're not to giving see us it. Nebraska. Why do you think we're not going to get Nebraskas? No, I have Nebraska red. But it's you have it strong okay, so red. If you, if you have Nebraska full red and then me two, you should be at two seventy. No, I'm at two sixty nine. What's missing? Let me let me do the math with you. Okay, so let's go let's go real quick. Florida's twenty nine, Georgia's sixteen, North Carolina's fifteen. I'm doing this on the real clear map. Arizona's eleven, and I have wait now. Which which Maine are you talking about? You talking about one vote or two vote Maine? The one, uh, the one. So they're going to get yeah. three. We're going to get one. So click on that that one number. I put I clicked the, the one. 
Oh, oh, I, I don't have the Nebraska. You're right. I didn't have the okay. Nebraska. Mea culpa. So when I click the Nebraska district, it gets us to the 270. So that's a win, but this is rioting in the streets win, right, Ali? Uh, yeah, we're having rioting tomorrow. But, I mean, uh, don't you think it's better if we win with a 320, or does it matter for the rioters? Taylor, I think it's better if we win all 50 states. Uh, <laughs> but, look, but here's here's – and, again, who could fashion this other than God? I mean, the Republican Party sucks. But right. look at this. When you do this math, Taylor, it says of our four available options, we can win any of them. Ten is all we need. Ten in Minnesota or ten in Wisconsin. Or you get Michigan with 16 or Pennsylvania with 20. None of them are nine. None of them are eight. None of them are seven. I mean, this is this is uncanny. This is absolutely uncanny. And let me tell you this, Taylor. If we actually did the census every year, Donald Trump would actually on this map be somewhere closer to 275. Okay. okay? New York's lost votes. California's lost votes. Texas and uh, Florida are going to gain votes. And we're redistricting next year. So what the media is going to say is, oh, Donald Trump narrowly won. That's not true. Mm-hmm. America supports Donald Trump, and this map actually is giving Democrats a chance. Even though they want to act like it's giving us a chance, we're having to pierce into their blue wall. But look, I, I think that we're I think we're going to win Wisconsin. What people need to understand about Wisconsin is it is the most it is the most hyper partisan state. That is to say, the Democrats are the Democrats and the yep. Republicans are the Repu- Republicans. True and there's that. a lot of money. Okay. A lot of money. And there's the Republican institution and there's the Democrat institution and then there's conservative movement. And then there's the workers movement. I mean, you have a lot of money. You know, the Koch family has fought over this state for, for decades. I mean, a lot of people fight in this state. And so this is a bellwether for the nation. That's why I don't think that Wisconsin's going to be in isolation. It's going to bring Michigan, Pennsylvania or Minnesota with it. Or we might see a sweep across all four. It can't be in isolation with how that state operates. But it does have the most professional operation of the four states. And, and that's why I'm not paying attention to polling in Michigan that shows us better in Michigan than Wisconsin. The operation in, in Wisconsin is going to be surgical. Right. And, um, and, and they, have, they have less of a chance of cheating in Wisconsin than they do with Michigan and Pennsylvania, which those two governors, they will cheat their butts off. Um, so Wisconsin for me and then Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin, you think Wisconsin has a better chance than Minnesota? I thought you were the other way. No, no, no. I'm Wisconsin first, Minnesota okay. second. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't want to decide between Michigan and Pennsylvania because I just think both of them are going to commit fraud. Right. Um, but, uh, but who knows? We could pull all of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I got uh, Jason Jones here. You want to bring him in? I think he did yes, some he did yes. some campaigning in um, in Michigan, as did I do some campaigning for the president. So he might have an interesting perspective as well. You, you know, if I bring him in here? Yeah, please Let's do. do it. OK, here comes Jason, y'all bringing in Jason Jones. High energy, big time, big time Trump lover. So, uh, Jason, are you there? Jason. Hey, Lamar. What's going on, man? Let me pull you in real quick. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. You're about to come on the screen. All right. You're on screen with Ali Alexander, Jason Jones. Uh, Jason Jones, did you vote already? I don't want you on here unless you voted, bud. I voted. Okay, you got it. You got the sticker. I wear my bag of hat, but they knew what this meant. Yeah. (laughs) If you're wearing an American flag, you're, you're Trump. And then this is, you want to see the back of my shirt for the yeah. 
Social justice begins in the womb. Amen. I like that. Jason Jones. My voting attire. My, my voting attire. Yeah, it's quasi-partisan, I guess got to say. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, no one stopped me. Awesome. So uh, we're, we, we just, we're going through the electoral map, Jason Jones. We just, Father Altman just came on here. It was awesome. And uh, here's what we got going. Florida, red. Texas, red. Georgia, North Carolina, red. Ohio, Iowa, wet, red. Kind of some debatable ones here. Ollie is really bullish on Minnesota red. I'm not so sure about that. And I think Arizona will go red. We got Jesse Romero praying up, churching up over there. What do you think, Jason Jones? Do you think do you think that Minnesota and Arizona are in play for Trump? I think Arizona is, you know, I do not think Minnesota is, but a lot of my friends in Minnesota tell me something amazing is happening there. Okay. So, uh, you know, people who should know better than I do tell me that they think Minnesota is going to go red, which that was the only state that President Reagan didn't win. So could you imagine? Whoa. 1984. Yeah. That would be awesome. I think if we had a month, Hawaii would go red. I think if not for all the early voting, you know, there's something happening even in Hawaii. Yep. Uh, If we had another month. I think this is going to be the last time Hawaii goes blue for president. Really? Time. That'd be amazing. What do you think, Ali? Likely or not? Oh, I don't study Hawaii. I think the people are fed up. They have locked that state up. In fact, they've now coordinated with the hotels because they have a 14-day mandatory uh, quarantine, and the hotel will rat you out to the police. And, and you have to come for your appearance back. It's the strangest thing. Um, so they totally killed their economy. They are betting on a Biden presidency because they need a state bailout. That's the coming crisis in 21 and, and, uh, in 21 and, and 22 is that there's a lot of state budgets that are not going to be uh, solvent unless they have a, a president that's willing to uh, ram something through the Senate and the House. But So I, I don't really study Hawaii, but a lot of people are fed up there. But we are seeing a map of realignment. Jason, before you got back on, I'm like, look, let's, let's just admit it. Ohio is a red state and Virginia is a blue state. The, 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 the body of politics that we're all used to is gone. And in a lot of ways, thank God for President Trump, because, you know, this whole no offense, but libertarian conservative type of thing would not work with the workers in the Midwest. So if no we're way. not playing for the workers, if we're not playing for the Midwest, if we're not addressing the cultural genocide and the genocide of jobs that's happened in Appalachian, the Rust Belt. We literally can't reach 270. And so, you know, the man met the moment and. Um, uh, so yeah, that was a long diatribe. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, so no, that's where I see that Trump has brought together the both best of both the parties' traditions. Yes. You know, and, until Trump, the the liberals in both parties yeah. have abandoned the workers in the Midwest, abandoned the workers in Hawaii. And I fell for it as a young college Republican. I was campaigning for NAFTA and GATT, and GATT ninety four destroyed Hawaii agriculture. And you know, it was basically Pat Buchanan and Donald Trump. We're the only two guys in America in the early 90s sort of fighting against those, um, you know, trans. I don't know. I don't want to call them libertarian, you know, because the way Trump talks about it is fair, free trade, but fair trade. And it's not free trade if at the other end of the deal, there's slaves making your Nikes. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so it's it's a free trade that's grounded in a respect for human dignity yep. and a thoughtfulness to your constituents and the people who live in your political communities. I mean, NAFTA 
destroyed the Mexican uh, family farm. And that's why so many of these family farmers now have to sneak, you know, come to this country to work for corporate farms because of this disagreement that was given to us by Bill Clinton and the Republicans in Congress. So you're right. If Trump wins, it's a total realignment yeah. and a new day for America. Yeah. And if Trump wins, what I've, what I've predicted is that the Democrat Party does go into a civil war. So the Justice Democrats, the squad, as everybody knows, you basically have five people in the squad. Um, you got the four that everybody knows, and then you got whatever her name is, Jamala or whatever. She's like the godmother to all of them out of Washington State, and she leads the progressive caucus. So let's just say there's five, quote-unquote, justice Democrats. They've probably got it up to 10 or 15 incoming, and uh, AOC is going to become the most powerful person uh, in in uh, D.C. Uh, That's and, crazy. Yeah. So she either becomes the most powerful person or she becomes the second most powerful person because Trump is in charge. And right. uh, uh, but they're going to have a civil war on their hands if we if 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 we win. And so both parties. Right. If if Trump loses, I mean, I don't want to name drop any names, but there are people within our party. Well, I can drop one name. There are people in our party that like Nikki Haley that are going to come uh, for our throats. And they're going to say, see, you guys lost us. And they're going to try to shove out nationalism. And when they do that, it will break this party in half. Mm. Or we win, and then the Justice Democrats and the Corporatist Democrats go to war. And then these Fortune 500 CEOs who are funding these social justice causes say, whoa, 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 I'm never going to be good enough. I, I, can't, I can't fund my own destruction. And so America is really at a great crossroads today. Today, everybody needs to text every white woman they know and say, I will stand in the polls with you. Can I take you to to the uh, polls? Uh, you hello, know, can I, I talk to Karen? Hey, Karen, hey, Ali, come and pick Ali, you up. Taylor, Ali, were you guys like me? I was looking at the white women in line at the polling place like they were unicorns. I was like, which way are those women going to go? Yeah. I, was of them. I was like, oh, my destiny is in their hands. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and, and Jason, I was telling Taylor earlier in, 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 in the cast is like, look, there are some of my friends uh, in the in the nationalist movement who say that Donald Trump pandering, uh, which I don't like that word, um, addressing people's concerns is not pandering. But a pa oh, he pandered to the Hispanics and he pandered to the blacks. And look, he's not getting enough of a percentage to make up for the whites that he lost. Well, like, look, one, the white woman cares about the reputation that Donald Trump has as a racist or not racist. That's one. OK, you know, you're not just touching the community that your that your policies are impacting. It's the perception of all those other voters, especially white women. And that's why, you know, the body of politics, our, our language has changed just for women voters. And uh, 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 I'm losing my. Oh, yeah. Is that the alternative was that the electorate browned and if the electorate browned, then we'd actually be in a worse position today than we are now. But the electorate has stayed the same since uh, as 2016. This hasn't happened two cycles in a row. So something has happened where Hispanics and blacks are giving us a shot to have America back. And it's the Karens who will get to decide whether they want riots and school closures and higher taxes or not. And I, you know, I say, this is the best outcome. We want to come from behind. It's when Trump performs the best. Uh, it's a less brown uh, electorate. Um, and, and I'm looking for a future electorate that's more brown, but more receptive to the Republican message, the pro-worker uh, pro-family message that Donald Trump has. And uh, so things could have been worse than the white woman uh, deciding uh, this election. Um, but but we'll see. Um, I, I got I got faith that they're that the pollsters are wrong and they only need to 
be half wrong on the margins of white women for us to win decisively. And I think that's what's going to happen. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I know, I know the, uh, here she comes now. Oh, that's not my wife. It's one of my is daughters. that a white? Is that a white one? Oh no! I got I got some food coming. I, I haven't eaten all day. So thank you, my dear. You want to say hi to America? Hi. Who are you voting for? Trump. Yeah. See, <laughs> Trump. There we go, baby. I love you. Thank you, sweet pea. You know, I'm so proud of my two oldest children who are brown-ish, half brown. <laughs> they both they're big Trump supporters. And uh, I was just watching all their posts on social media, and it just warmed my heart that, uh, you know, this family, we all voted for Trump solid. Awesome. Well, my white wife voted for Trump. So. Wow. There it is. Our numbers, our numbers in uh, Maricopa, Arizona are going through the roof. Tell us about it. Uh, Republicans, uh, we just saw a 23,000 vote increase. So we're at 38.5. The Democrats are at 14. Others at 26 for a total of, of 80. So just just on Repu- registered Republicans alone, no crossovers, no independents, uh, we're, we're at nearly uh, half the vote. So we're probably you know well above that. This is this is good. This is very good. I had a glimpse into why the polls are so wrong. Um, I went to Austin to give a speech for a pro-life organization a couple of nights ago, and it was downtown Austin. I forgot, you know, I wasn't thoughtful of the fact that I have a big Trump bumper sticker. And there are just hordes of jackals roaming the streets. And they saw my car. They were like circling my car, swearing at me. And And it dawned on me, this is why people are so afraid to say they support Trump. And it was my first real experience with that because in hawaii even though it's a blue state you know the people are very thoughtful and respectful you would never see that and i live in a hill country that's very uh republican now in texas and i go to san antonio where i would never think to hear that so i think there's a lot of parts of the country where people are flicking me off as i was driving around austin and i said this is why the polls are going to be so skewed and why people are going to be so shocked on election day yep i was um I was in South Lake, Texas, sitting in the back of my truck one evening, watching the the last presidential debate between Joe Biden and Trump. And my truck is totally trumped out. Like you can see me coming from miles away. I put it on the screen again. There, that's me right there. Okay, that's my truck. It's got American flags, Trump flags, big Trump flag off the tailgate. So this uh, three young people, probably college age. We're walking past, past my truck, and one of them, the girl, was like, idiot, <coughs> idiot. And I thought she was talking to her friends. Then when she got right on, like, within a foot of my truck, she was like, <coughs> racist. <coughs> and I was like, I, I, was smoking a, I was smoking a cigar. I was like, I heard that. <laughs> and then her two friends ran away. I, I, I'm not going to do anything. I mean, just like, you're a nerd. And then she backed up her, I think it was like a LeBaron or something. She backed it up, and then she got right up square with me and uh, leaned out the passenger and gave me the, and then just sped off. I'm like. She's a nasty woman. Whatever. fond of calling themselves. So I'm a racist. How How many times 
this wouldn't apply to you, Ali, but us white people have been called racist this past year. Like, all the Me? time. I've, I, uh, the news media, you know, I congratulated you and others on the Vanity Fear hit piece because, one, it was well-written. It was great storytelling. It made you look epic. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and you were right on the issue. So, you know, it was a great recruiting tool. Thank you, Vanity Fair. Right. Um, but I've had my fair uh, share of, of hit pieces, and I've literally been called um, a, a white supremacist, uh, a white nationalist. Uh, I, I've been denounced by the aid. You know, my business partners are Jewish. I'm half Arab, so I'm a half uh, half a Semite. You can tell with my nose. And <laughs> and I've been called. I've been I've been called. It's it, it's strange. Donald Trump got elected, and it was the first time I ever met black black white nationalists or discovered that I was one. And it's just <laughs> the strangest thing. It's the strangest reality. And and here's what I what I now, are, are they saying that without seeing your face? Are they making no, assumptions? My face. That they face. and they still say you're a white nationalist. Yes, and 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 and, and, and here's here's why. It, it, you know, it, it's funny to us, but it is the Marxist control of language. It right. is it is the academic belief that that your how you vote and your policies can trump your identity while they're playing identity politics. So you can be racist. Uh, without knowing it, like 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 uh, Chief Justice Roberts says, uh, Obamacare is is a tax, even though Obama argued it wasn't a tax. So uh, and even though it's an involuntary, uh, it's an involuntary service right. because it's like, OK, well, what's happening here? It's the Marxist control of language that in the absence of doing what they want you to do, you are now a negative word. And and they're doing it all across the society. So you'll see this in their language. They're they're A B testing it. It's not enough to be racist. You must be anti racist. I'm not racist. I don't know what anti racist means. It it, it, it seeks to compel my actions uh, beyond that of what I am agreeing to do. And so I've been called a, yeah no joke. And and here's what's crazy. When I was attacked for pointing out that Kamala Harris has no African American heritage, that she has Jamaican heritage and Indian heritage, and she comes from a privileged background with lots of money and lots of slaves. Um, you know, I had, I had, I didn't have black journalists attack me, not black liberal journalists attack me. It was white and Asian and Indian and a Cherokee. It was the strangest thing. But, but look, here's what I want people to understand. Look, we can talk about all that stuff. That's cool political theory. There's R plus one, there's R minus one, but what a lot of people and my colleagues are forgetting is there's zero. And the liberal who can't stand Trump but watches that girl do that to you at your truck says, well, I'm just not voting. I'm not fed up. And right. here's what I said three days ago was a Democrat problem. The Democrats maxed out their high propensity voters, okay? The Republicans did not. So think of it this way. The the Democrats have probably spent 80% of their ammo, 80%. Republicans have spent 50% of their ammo. If you're saying it's a high turnout election, that means there's other people interested in the election. Why aren't they your people? There's a lot of people who are going to sit out this election. This election could actually be even higher. And it, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. That's so shocking to me, Ali, that people would sit this out. That's shocking to me. They did it in 2016. They did in 2016. It's just that simple. Don't let the three million number that came out of California uh, uh, and, and is assigned to Hillary Clinton's popular vote fool you. Democrats were not enthused with her, which is the only you know, you and I talked about this. Donald Trump did not win Michigan. He did not win Pennsylvania. He did not win Wisconsin. 
Hillary lost those states mm. and there weren't enough crossovers to make up for a mandate for Donald Trump or anything like that. It was the number of of union guys who set it out. There are more union guys who set it out than crossed over and voted for Trump and all because of TPP. And this has been a big mistake in the Trump campaign. When Obama joined Biden on the campaign trail, he should have just reemerged TPP. If Biden gets in, he's bringing back TPP. And, you know, there'd be no question that we would win Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania all over again. It would there would you know, it, it'd be it'd be over for him. But um, that's what people need to understand. There's a lot of people on the left that are choosing not to vote. And uh, so there's still a lot of them out there, um, but um, but uh, there's more of them than there are crossovers. And uh, and I'm excited about that. Their party is more polarized than the press is reporting. You know, Ali, I was real quick, uh, Jason, before you follow up on that, Steve Bannon's going to call in in just a moment. Nice. So um, is there there anything we want to ask Steve Bannon when he calls in already? Yeah, China's influence on the Catholic Church. Yeah, let's do that. And on the bishops. Let's do that. You know, yet Bishop Barron apologized for an, a fundraising email that went out mm. from his people uh, for implying that something made in China is of poor quality. <laughs> and, you know, our uh, wow. Bishop Barron has never once tweeted any words of support, as far as I know, for the Uyghur in concentration camps. Nothing forceful on behalf of Catholics that are suffering because of this corrupt deal with the church. Yeah, I want to know if there's hard drives with bishops on it. Oh, yes. oh, okay. So. All right, well, Steve Bannon will be calling in, I, I've been told, here in about 10 minutes. So um, that'll be interesting. That'll be cool. I'll ask him that. Okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you, uh, Jason Jones. You can follow up with what Ali was just saying. Yeah, Ali, I was at a retreat, kind of like a get-together in the woods uh, with some with black Hollywood. A lot of my friends that are in Hollywood that are black. Nice. And a lot of them were Muslim. And when Biden secured the nomination, they were like crying. They were so upset. They don't like him. They they have less respect for Kamala. Oh, I I knew people that actually were excited about Hillary, believe it or not. I don't know one person in all of my relationships, high school, college, army, work, neighbors, I don't know one person that's excited about Biden. I don't know one Biden supporter. I know people who hate Trump. Mm. I did know some people that liked Hillary. But have either of you met anyone that is enthusiastic, that just loves Biden? No. Not one person. Delaware's not big enough. <laughs> I, I know one. I know one person. Lady Gaga. That's the only one I know. She does have 666 tattooed to her head. Yeah. But, she- you know. She's in the she's into blood it, and Satanism and all that. Did you see the cringe video of her being like, "Is this America? Put your hands up for Joe Biden." I was like, "This is cringe to the max." Did you see like, Lady Gaga in front of a billboard that said "A Fight for the Soul of America"? Mm. Was horrifying. It's, uh, it's not a fight; it's a cell of the soul. Ooh. <laughs> Bus tour for Dr. Taylor Marshall. Um. Ping-ponging off of uh, pinging off of what uh, Jason just said, this is what's really interesting. In hindsight, if if Biden loses, what Jason just said is going to seem kind of like duh, right? And it's it's the same thing with Bob Dole, and it's like mm-hmm. okay, and that's what I, I I tweeted that I tweeted that months and months and months ago is that I think that Joe Biden is their Bob Dole candidate. There are a lot of people who hated Clinton in the base, and then the party selected 
you know, a former majority leader to uh, to to go up against him. And I think that that's what we're seeing now is Biden could raise the money. Biden was perceived as being aligned with Obama for whatever god awful reason. Uh, the Democrats thought that people associated the Obama Biden administration, the black community with success, which they did not. Uh, but uh, Obama got a pass, but they don't uh, they don't associate uh, success with that administration at all. And um, and and that's what I think that we're seeing is that, yeah, I, there were people that were excited about Hillary. There are more people who hated Hillary than hate Ob- uh, than hate Biden. But this isn't a referendum on Biden. This is a referendum on Donald Trump. And at the end of the day, they need it. They need a lot more haters than I think that they actually have access to. Hey, Taylor, I'd like to just mention to everyone watching, this is an incredible opportunity to have someone who worked so closely with the president joining us. I hope everyone's emailing their friends, calling their friends, and telling them. Are you talking about Steve Bannon? Yeah, to hear Steve coming on your yeah, show. Yeah, Steve Bannon, he's going to he's gonna call in here in just a little bit. We're going to ask him about China and other such things. Pretty cool. You know okay. what? I didn't even know I was doing it this morning. I started off with Mike Church, <laughs> and there was, so, there was like 4,000 people. And I said, well, let's just keep riding this train. And and here we are, here we are, uh, you know, then we, I got Ali came on and we had Father Altman and then we got Jason Jones, our own Steve Bannon, Catherine O'Neill from Catholics for Trump says she's going to maybe hop on. I sent a text to Jack Posobiec at OAN, maybe he can jump on. Um, I sent a text, to, we got to get Edward Verostigi on, Jason. Yeah, I'll text Eduardo right now. Okay. And then yeah, I'm going to text, text you privately someone else interesting I might be able to get on. Okay, you. cool. I mean, we're just hanging out. What else we going to do? RCP is saying uh, North Carolina is going Trump. We already knew that. Yeah, we knew that. We but knew just, that. This is what I love. Everybody, the media is going to have to reconcile. I, I emailed this to you, Jay, uh, uh, Taylor. Uh, Jason, if you text me your email, I have 24 pages on election night uh, of, of predictions, indicators, bellwether counties, all of it. And we'll be able to call the uh we'll be able to call the election before the news media and i'm just telling you it's lining up with that first conversation that you and i had yep. over coffee when jack Pasopa connected us and it's just lining up with everything that we've seen and i, I again i think that we're going to be able to credit blacks and hispanics with being uh kinder to trump than the media said they should be yep uh we're going to be able to credit catholics which uh, by the way folks Catholics are heavy in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Iowa. Of all my battleground yep. states, uh, Catholic is the number one Christian denomination yep. in all of the battleground states except yep. for North Carolina. And so and I think North Carolina and Florida, but I could be mistaken about Florida. So uh, but, you know, I've counted Florida in Trump's column. So something magical is happening. And, and, and Donald Trump has just had this instinctual insight of who to bring to the table. It's been so encouraging uh, to watch, you know, you know, you guys who are more of my new friends, uh, what you guys are doing really courageously inside of your own church. And, um, you know, some people say, oh, you're polarizing this or whatever. The way I've painted it in any of my analysis is like, hey, the data says that those who attend mass voted for Trump and Clinton differently than those who didn't attend mass. So I'm going to refer to these people that Trump's associating with as faithful Catholics. So all of my analysis just says faithful Catholics. And that yeah. number is going to go up for Trump. And then again, I think that the non-mass attendees that identify themselves as Catholics, they're going to more not vote. Uh, and then that's going to hurt uh, Joe Biden. So I don't know. This is a this is a powerful map to be watching come to reality. I've been waiting 
two years to watch this map happen and, and it's happening. Yeah. So I, let's finish up the map while we wait for Steve Bannon to call in. Um, it keeps resetting, man. Real clear politics. You can't do this to us. You can't keep resetting <laughs> the map, man. That's not cool. So Texas is red, Florida, North Carolina, obviously Arizona. Yes. Iowa. Yes. Ohio. Yes. Ollie's Ollie's bullish in Minnesota. I'm not, but I'm going to trust Ollie because he studies this yeah, more. Put than it me. as blue. Put it as blue or toss up. No, we, I'm going to leave it. it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to follow our analysis here. Uh, the district in Maine is red. Okay, so our 270. We we all agree Wisconsin. I mean, let's. We got Jason Jones here while we wait for. Didn't you? I campaigned in Michigan. Did you campaign? I thought you did, Jason. Yeah, no, I campaigned in Michigan. Um, you know, I. I've been talking to Eduardo, who's working with the Latino community. I have mm-hmm. been seeing in Texas. I just moved here from Hawaii. This office was just built. The contractors who built it, uh, the husband didn't speak English at all. The wife spoke English, but they were both from Mexico. They were so enthusiastic in their support for Trump. Yep. That's Texas. And That's Texas Mexicans that. so right what there. Talked, what, what to me is beautiful is the idea that this election will be delivered to Trump by quote unquote black and brown folks. And that means so much. And you know, a lot of Clarence Thomas and Ali, you've suffered to me being called a sellout or an uncle Tom is worse than being called a racist. And what we've seen is the people who really love their community, care about their communities more than what people say about them. That's the cream that is rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear what Ice Cube had to say, I'm like, this is a man who really cares more about people than he worries about what people think about him. Right. Yeah. And this is going to be the last cycle. If Trump wins, they'll be able to play this game. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. it'll be a complete realignment at who people look up to for leadership. And I always tell my children, love people more than worrying about being loved. And what's amazing about what Trump has been able to do with this deplorables branding is these quote-unquote deplorables are people who love more than they are worried about being liked or loved. They are willing to be called the worst. You look at Eduardo Verastegui. This man is beloved by his community. What did he have to gain personally by pausing his movie business, marketing his own film, and traveling the country to campaign for President Trump? He, he just gets attacked by the mainstream media. What this tells me about someone like Eduardo is he loves his community more. He loves this country more than he cares about what people think about him or say about him. And so what I'm excited about is after this victory, maybe this cancel culture comes to an end. Yep. Because it's just been cruel, violent. And the only good part about it is like all the beautiful people in America, Dave Rubin, Christy Alley, I saw somebody from the Sex Pistols tweet out recently. Uh, all the, the most interesting, unique, beautiful people in the world who want no part in the cancel culture and dis- destroying this beautiful country that we've been given, um, they've all kind of come to our side. Yep. And and I'm hopefully it'll be a complete, uh, the great reset will have new meaning. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, a good reset. It will because and, – and, and here's what I think you know, uh, is that is that, look, there's two reasons why cancel culture could end. 
it could end because people take a a moral or an ethical stance, a philosophical stance towards it. I don't think that's going to happen. What I think is going to happen is we're going to wake up and be like, realize like, oh, Dr. Taylor Marshall is more popular. Jason Jones more popular. Right. Ollie Alexander is more popular. And and what people can realize is they only kill you if you cooperate with with the the whole show. And I refuse to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And so um so we're not dying. Yep. We're canceling canceling. So Ollie, you just you just sent me a text on what Kamala Harris is up to right now. <laughs> Tell everybody what Kamala's doing. So here, look, you know, this is what the base loves. This is what guys like me hate. But what I will tell you, this is going to be very encouraging, uh, is that if you're looking for the tea leaves that have nothing to do with numbers, 90% of that is bad news for Democrats. Mm. I've never seen an election like this in my life, okay? 90% of it's bad. You had earlier today the campaign, the Joe Biden campaign manager say, we can still reach 270 without Florida and Pennsylvania. I don't know why they said that while polls are still open in both states. But that's an indicator that Democrats believe they're going to lose today. Yeah. And then Kamala Harris in Detroit just said this, which means if she's in Detroit, they're not happy with the black turnout. Yes, exactly. Uh, And and we already know that because three days ago in the Detroit Free Press, uh, they ran an article where the government outed said, hey, black uh, voter turnouts is above 2016, but way below 2012. And that was a signal to the Biden campaign that they need to get their butts there. Uh, and, And again, that's a bellwether for what's happening in. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Philly, Jacksonville, Charlotte, Raleigh. Anyway, uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris said this, quote, uh, when she was asked about her chances. Listen, the day ain't over. Ask me after the polls close. Maybe I'll have a better idea. Guys, does that sound like someone who's 10 points ahead as the Wall no. Street Journal has in the Twitter trending column yeah, today? Yeah, in Michigan. <laughs> in Michigan. In the blue state where they have all of the statewide offices. Right. You know, the people counting the votes are Democrat. The people enforcing the votes are the Democrats. The people locking people up are Democrats. Uh, you got a crazy, crazy attorney general there. George Soros, attorney general statewide there. Uh, uh, folks, magic, not mad. Miracles are happening. We're watching miracles. We're watching the physical manifestation of, I think, favor. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I think this last minute push by the Biden campaign, too, to like, Talk about we're going to close the country down. We're going to make you all wear masks. I'm thinking, who are you trying to get to vote? People with OCD who are afraid to leave their house? Right. You know, this is not like a last. And this morning, his tweet. Did you guys see his tweet on the Second Amendment? No, but they've no. done it three days in a row now. They've oh, done it here comes Bannon. Everybody share this video. we got Steve Bannon coming on. Hello, this is Taylor Marshall. Hello, Dr. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, what an honor and what a blessing. I can put you on speakerphone here. And uh, can you guys hear Steve Bannon? Is it coming through on the mic? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for calling in. We had a couple of questions. Um, first sure. off, how are you feeling on the election? How bullish are you? Trump going to win? Got well, 90%, 70%? I think my number is 289 electoral votes, and I'm 90% uh, there that he will get there. I think tonight he'll put up a big number. I think the game day vote will be huge. I think we'll lock in Ohio and Florida. I believe it's going to come down to Catholics in Northeast Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Put him over the top. I agree. Western Pennsylvania is red hot right now. Catholics, red hot. I think that Butler County all in there could definitely help carry that state. Even if we got some liberals in Pittsburgh, uh, I I think so. Now, you said 289. 
Which which state are you leaving out that's in play? Uh, I'm, I'm from our 306, I'm leaving out uh, Wisconsin. I'm oh. Out Michigan. Oh. Yeah, Michigan. And, and, and Nebraska, too. I think he wins... Uh, I think he wins, uh, you know, everything he won, plus the key battleground states of Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, Iowa, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and uh, Arizona. So I you're. I don't think we win Michigan. I don't think we win Michigan, and I don't think we win uh, Nebraska too. Wow. Okay. So you say no one. Kamala Harris is currently in Michigan right now. You think they're worried? I think they're extremely worried. Debbie Dingell, who, who, you know, I don't agree with her politics, but she and Michael Moore know Michigan as well as anybody. She's been sounding the alarm there for weeks. I think this thing in Michigan, look, I think Michigan, Minnesota, and Nevada are on the cusp. I just don't think they're gonna, we're going to get there because the campaign ran out of money. Okay. Uh, and I, we don't need to be greedy. Let's just get it done. <laughs> Let's just get right. it on 270. You know, so, right you're, now, so the extra vote, are you giving it the main district or the Nebraska district? Yeah, main two. Yeah, main okay. two. Definitely get things in. Okay, but not uh, the Nebraska. The, not Nebraska. I think Nebraska, okay. that suburb of Omaha, we're just not getting the suburbs. I think uh, actually being pretty bad in there. Uh, we're just not winning the suburbs. I mean, what's, what's Trump would have a landslide if he could uh, replicate what he did in 16 in the suburbs for a host of reasons. He's lost that female vote, and uh, I think it's a fool's errand, and I thought it was a fool's errand on the campaign to try to capture it. I think he has a much better opportunity particularly it was a glorious ACB uh, to capture a larger percentage of the Hispanic vote and a larger percentage of the African-American male vote. I think you're seeing that in South Florida. I think Florida could shock people. I'm hearing guys that said that we win Florida by maybe 3%. Uh, and look, I'm still, this is, this is why everybody has to get out today. These are all going to be tight. You know, I, I think you're, Florida could be at 1%. And we could be under 1% in Arizona, Georgia, and North Carolina. So I'm very confident he's going to do well. But this is going to be, uh, you know, these are going to be hard, hard fought. And I think Pennsylvania is going to be very tight. Remember, people have to remember, at 16, I think it was 72,000 votes total, 42,000 in Pennsylvania, and then uh, I think 12,000 uh, 20,000 in Michigan, and then 10,000 in, in Wisconsin. These are all very, very, very close. And so we've got to make sure that we... Uh, hunkered down and everybody's got to get out today what's the possibility of a loss for trump i think we've taken a loss uh off the table tonight with biden i don't think biden gonna get the knockout blow they wanted four weeks ago biden had a chance of him to close this thing out after president trump after the first debate and after uh the uh he had covid uh, biden went to ohio he couldn't do it yeah i think biden actually got a problem with catholics uh, instead of being able to close with them. I think Catholics could determine this. I think that's one of the reasons he couldn't close the deal in Ohio. And uh, so I think we've taken that off the table tonight. So to me, there's only two options. Trump either wins tonight or sets the framework to win very, very shortly on some sort of short count of these mail-in ballots or the election stolen from us. And uh, I don't think President Trump's going to let it be stolen. I think he's going to stand up with righteous indignation for the deplorables. So I see I'm, I'm very comfortable, at least right now in the early afternoon of a Trump victory. We still have, you know, five hours to go. Uh, they have a big uh, effort to get votes underway. This is going to be very tight in all these states. There's a massive amount of uh, mail-in ballots accounts. So we're going to have to fight through this. Amazing. Off topic, could you share some of your thoughts with uh, Pope Francis, Vatican, and China? It's outrageous. I mean, listen, I don't know. 
as, as your audience knows, the, the you know the first century church is one of the strongest times the church history because of the persecution. One of the strongest churches we have in the world, or aspects of the church, is what Cardinal Zen has helped build in, in communist China. You know, there's anywhere from 25 million to 50 million, you know, practicing Catholics, and I mean really devout Catholics, that the Vatican served up, and they served it up for money. You know, Miles Guo on my show three months ago, you know, called them out for taking billions of dollars. They never refuted that. In 2018, Doctor, when I went over for that, for that disaster, that debacle, that was the uh, bishop's conference over there on pedophilia, that's when they leaked that they had signed a secret deal. I went up on a, on a rooftop of a convent right there at the Vatican and lit these guys up for an hour. The reason they signed a secret deal, it has the pathway to recognize the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is a atheistic, materialistic, gangster organization that is determined to destroy spirituality of, of the Muslims, the Tibetan Buddhists, and particularly Christianity, the evangelical mm-hmm. Christians, and particularly the Catholic Church. And what we've done is sold out the Catholic Church in China. And more importantly, it's actually allowed the Chinese Communist Party to become a working partner with the Vatican. Look, the Pope is the Pope, and he's infallible, you know, when he's talking about theology, or, you know, he, he's already been called out as a heretic by 25 of the top theologians. He's never answered the Nubia dubia that you know they put forward so on the theological side that's outside my realm but finance international deals i know better than anybody in the vatican this stinks to high heaven what's happened is that because of the pedophilia crisis and the fact that they're not preaching catholic doctrine the little guy has stopped giving the vatican has got a financial crisis they're looking for every source of income and, and francis's politics and his economic policy is nothing short of radical He's a Marxist Jesuit uh, that is in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. And this is outrageous. There is no reason that deal should be secret. Everything should be on the table, a particular deal that was negotiated by McCarrick. This was all driven by McCarrick, who is one of the worst, most fully evil people to be in the Catholic Church in the last hundred years. And so it's outrageous we're letting this stand. I strongly recommend that everybody cut the Vatican off of every possible penny. We've got to bring to account uh, Francis and his regime in there. And this is on the administrator and finance side. They are out of control. They're in business with the worst people in the world. Miles Grove called out the Knights of Malta as a money laundering organization and the Vatican Bank and said, look, this is why the Chinese Communist Party is in business with them. So they use it as a money laundering operation. The Vatican's never responded to that. We know from our sources in the Vatican, they're petrified about somebody putting the, putting the real magnifying glass in their finances. This is why Cardinal Pell uh, was blown out, right? Anybody that wants to get into the operations, get into the administration, get into really where the money goes, uh, is you know automatically stiff arms. So this thing at the Vatican stinks to high heaven. Yeah. Do you think that the Vatican, since the, the early two thousands, and then of course with the McCarrick scandal in two thousand eighteen, are they just turning to Abu Dhabi and China to get the financing that they're lacking, or has this already been in play for many years? No, I think that I think this is current. I think that they've gone absolutely as as as, as the little guy in the people of the United States throws off eighty percent of the cash flow to the Vatican. Yep. Right. This is why they all say they'll never be an American pope because they they feel that the, the American Church has too much power, too much authority. Listen, it, it's quite obvious we're going to a schism because there, there, there's two different uh, traditions being preached. You have the traditional Catholics, right, that understand. 
of the Orthodox nature of the Catholic Church and, the, and observant Catholics, and you had this wild globalist cultural Marxist regime, particularly, particularly these liberation theology Jesuits that are that are now surrounding the Pope and are deeply embedded into the Vatican. And in addition to the to the rampant to the rampant issues they've got. Uh, with gay priests and with uh, and with pedophilia and and all those issues, which they've never really come uh, clean on. So you've got this whole nest of vipers in there that's never been cleaned out. Uh, now they're in business with the worst people in the world, right? And they're taking cash from the worst people in the world. They get called out on this and they won't defend themselves. The reason they don't defend themselves, they know that they that the, that the records and the receipts are there. And so that's how they're financing this. And they're getting more and more radical. If you look at this Green New Deal, they're actually supporting the neo-paganism of the secular world, which is the, you know, Gaia and the Green New Deal. That's all it new. There's no set of economics. There's no set of understanding of science or understanding of really of finance. This is all just Gaia. It's a, it's a new neo-paganism, uh, you know, with, with the Earth Mother and with, you know, pre, pre-Christian doctrine. That's where the church is going right now. And, and, and for Francis, to me, when he's talking, he babbles about this stuff he knows very little about. Uh, and uh, and he acts like he's uh, you know he acts like he's a genius, but this is why the church I think administratively and financially I think the church is is, is hurtling towards a crisis, and the only way they avoid it is taking cash money from the worst regimes in the world. Yep. Do you think that the influence of Archbishop Vigano is still having any sway in the walls of the Vatican? And also, do you think President Trump? received well the open letter that came out on Friday from Archbishop Vigano? Well, I made sure that the original letter, he sent an original letter, I made sure it got to the, uh, got to the president uh, months ago. Uh, and then the open letters, I think, are very powerful. I actually think the open letters probably work uh, better because then many, many more people can see them immediately. Uh, the, the private letter he did release uh, eventually. But uh, no, I think, I think Vigano speaks to a world audience. I think what he has to say is very powerful. And he, I think, framed this election... Uh, very, very um, accurately. I think he's one of the. I think uh, the, the Archbishop is one of the smartest thinkers on the world stage today. And uh, I tell everybody to get the, you know, as close to his writings as possible. To me, he's a real leader. You see in the church, there are tremendous amount of even a new generation of uh, of leaders coming up that are very reflective, very thoughtful. What I love about it, a lot of this is coming from Asia. A lot of this is coming from Africa. A lot of this is not just coming from Europe and the United States. And I think, although you are seeing leaders in, in those two areas also, but I think you're seeing a call of Catholicism throughout the world. And I, at this next generation of leaders, I think they're going to stand up to a lot of this nonsense and say, we can't go on like this. Now, don't get me wrong. There's also a big contingent of, uh, of uh, bad hombres. But uh, it's, uh, I, I'm very impressed. And, and Archbishop, you know, his writings, I can tell you, for somebody that fights for populism, and nationalism every day and is connected to the global populist movement and connected to all the nationalist groups out the world, Vigano really resonates with people. Yeah. Do you think we'll see an intervention after we kind of get out of this presidential cycle, the, the election here? Will we see leaders like Archbishop Vigano, Cardinal Burke, link arms and make a stand against Francis? Or do you think we're going to kind of be in stalemate for a few more years? I think it's going to take a. Uh, I think that, that it's going to take some uh, deep prayer and thoughts of what go for. Here's what I can, I can tell you: just on the administrative finance side, Francis can't keep the take, can't continue to take the church no matter what's going on. 
because the church is just going to financially collapse the collapse and all the work of the little guys the people in the pews that put in those dollar bills uh from, from their from their hard-earned pay over the centuries that built these magnificent churches and built these schools and built really this physical infrastructure off the sweat of their brow that's all going to get wiped out that's all going to get wiped out in, in basically bankruptcies it's going to get wiped out to pay for really uh the sins of these uh barbarians that are in charge so i think it's going to head to the crisis but i do think you need a young generation i have tremendous respect for cardinal burke i have tremendous respect for archbishop vigano and some of the older element that I think are the leaders, but I think you need a new generation that will really challenge it. I think that generation's coming up, and I think you're going to see an intervention. I think there's a new generation coming up that's not going to tolerate this and say, hey, if we go down this road, we're not going to, this church is going to implode. We've got to put an end to it. We've got to get back to the basics. And we also have to, we have a responsibility to be shepherds of the resources of people and really to make sure this thing is organized in a correct way. And I think, I think you're going to see a, I think you're seeing intervention, but I think it's going to come up a couple of years and I think it's going to be triggered by the experts. Look, if we can expose that secret treaty, I think people would be outraged. I think yeah. people would be outraged why they kept it secret. I think you'd be outraged why they took cash from a murderous dictatorship. Does this new generation, is this clergy? Is this lay people? Who are you thinking here? I think it's a combination. I, I don't want to just call out names. I think it's right. a combination of laity. I think it's a combination of young people. I think it's a combination of, look, look at the prototype. Look at Glorious in four weeks ago is that a lot of establishment Republicans, a lot of evangelicals that didn't like the House style of Donald Trump. He was too crude. He's got too many sharp elbows. You know, they just don't like the way the guy rolls. They would, they, this, this element, and particularly there were a lot of evangelicals that, and, and, and definitely uh, some Catholics and definitely some establishment Republicans, particularly in places like Arizona and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. You see those people coming home. One of the most important parts of that was Gloria's ACB and how she comported herself. Her lived Catholicism, her lived Catholicism, to me was just as such an example to people in the modern world. How someone could be that bright, how someone could be that sharp, how somebody could be at that level of power and still be the humble, decent servant of Christ, formed by her church and formed by the dogma of her church, was just astonishing. And I think in particularly in the modern secular world. And you saw the media back off. The reason they backed off, they realized a lot of people, they'd attacked her more, more people would have been drawn to her. You have a generation of people like her that are coming up, and there's a lot more where ACD came from. And I think you're going to see that in both the both in the clergy, I think you'll see in the laity, and I think that this is the new vanguard of a real new reformation that's going to come and really reform the church as it needs to be reformed in the 21st century and start to throw the bums out. Yeah. Do you think, you know, Bergoglio, Francis can't live forever. What's your prediction for a, no, a next conclave? Will they, will they, will they elect someone that's into the Pachamama and the eco-theology and all these things with deals? Or are they going to go radical and choose someone that's maybe more like Bennett XVI or previous pontiff? Well, you see, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in that, but you see that he's trying to stack the decks already. Exactly. He's got he's 51, to, he's 57% sure, right now. He's, he's trying to make sure that he gets all his guys in there. And I can tell you, 
knowing some of them, they're not great picks, okay? That's why I think you're going to see a younger generation step up here. I do think there's going to be a, either an intervention or a crisis or a couple of years away from that, and I think that will change people's opinion. What, the, what, these, what these Cardinals have to understand, the current way it runs and rolls is just, just not sustainable. And what they have to be told is not sustainable. Can't go along in this, and I think this is gonna. This is not going to be easy. People are going to have to fight for their church, just like right now you're fighting for your country in the United States. You're fighting for your republic. This is not easy, and it's not going to be easy going forward. So if if, if you think it's going to be easy, this is not the you know just go play golf and uh, and dial it in and, and you know live your life. But if you're concerned about your church as an institution, if you're concerned about uh, what you bequeath in your work to future generations and what obligations that we have for the generations that came before us, which is, I think, a, a very big thing for Catholics. You know, what's the obligation we have for all the little guys that actually helped build this magnificent church, right? Uh, then I think people will step up, but it's going to be, this is going to get ugly. You know President Trump more, better than any of us, and I get asked this question all the time, and that is, what do, how does the president understand Catholicism? Is he interested in Catholicism? Is it on the table for him? Would he ever consider it? Um, and then do you think he has a little bit of um, hesitancy with the way he's been treated by Pope Francis? And does that play into it? No, I don't think, listen, I think he's very much what I would call a Norman Vincent Peale, uh, you know, the um, uh, 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 mainline Protestant. Yep. Right? He really connects with evangelical Christians because he's done so much. For them. He realizes they're good people. I think he's very attracted to Catholicism. You know, New York City is a very Catholic church, and he's a New York City guy. He's right down the street from from St. Patrick's Cathedral, so classic kind of, you know, contemporary classical uh, Catholicism in the 1950s, 1960s, pre-Vatican II, I think President Trump is really drawn to. I think the best thing, and this is what I tell people, and this is what, this is what Benedict said, it would be better if we had a smaller church, but it was live Catholicism, yeah. right? Kind of that's why he took the name Benedict for the Dark Ages that, that came after the fall of the Roman Empire. And I believe that, that the biggest impact you can have on Donald Trump is the way you comport yourself and the way you take action. I think somebody like, like um, uh, glorious ACB has a thousand times more impact on somebody like Donald Trump than anything else. Because he sees somebody who is a player. He sees somebody that's playing at the highest level in her profession that could be on the Supreme Court of the United States, to be one of the nine justices from the massive legal complex we have, to really be on the Supreme Court of the greatest republic in mankind's history and the most powerful nation in the history of the earth. That that gets him. And, and for her to go on the lines there, which tried to tear apart Kavanaugh, that tried to tear apart uh, Scalia, that did, did tear apart Bork, to have her go in there and with nothing under fire. And i got to tell you what impressed him. When she was getting hammered and she sat there and answered every question, well, these guys have binders full of books and age running up, everything like that. And she turned that, she turned, I think it was Cornyn's question, she turned that pad up and it was empty. That yeah. gets to Donald Trump more than anything else. When she, he sits there and goes, hey, I get it now. And you see, listen, the power of ACB is her lived Catholicism. And you just see how the church, the formation of her as a young woman, like her parents in the church, had a lasting and massive impact. And uh, and that's had a big impact. I'm telling you, it's going it's to be one of the most significant things in this campaign to turn this campaign around. And really, I think that one of the foundational elements for President Trump's victory. If we hit 300 at midnight or before tonight, 
what will Biden and the Democrats say on TV at this at that moment? Will they? Will they well, concede? Okay. They don't care. They know. They don't. They don't care if you're in the lead tonight. They're gotcha. what Taylor Turner said. We are not never going to concede, right? They will never concede. They will never concede until the vote's certified. Remember, concessions don't mean anything anyway. It has no legal standing. You know, he can concede all he wants. Does it? Doesn't mean anything. The vote has to be certified by the Secretary of State of that of that uh, state, and you got to December eighth. The safe harbor is December eighth. So, no, they're going to fight this. Look, they're already going to court. you got the Attorney General of Pennsylvania that's sitting there saying, hey, we're try- uh, Biden's already won. Yeah. You have voter suppression. <laughs> you talk today throughout all the polling days. you got polling stations down. they got four-hour waits in certain areas of Pennsylvania that are strong Trump. These guys, there's nothing they won't do. They're all about power. They don't care how they play. There are no rules to them. Here's the rules. The rules, is, uh, you know, the purpose of their revolution is the revolution. They, they, they want to, they're going to add two states immediately. They're going to add 100 seats to the House of, to Congress. They're going to add another six justices to the Supreme Court. They don't care. They don't care. Look what they did to the – look what they've done to the little sisters of the poor. And when you see nuns in habits at political rallies, something I've never seen in my entire life, right? And they're there because they understand that this republic's on the line. That's all you need to know. That's all. You just look at the sisters that show up at Trump at MAGA rallies, at Trump rallies, in their, in their, uh, in, in their, you know, it, it, it basically dressed as nuns. That's yeah. shocking. You never saw that in the old days. And the reason is they know what's on the line here. So it's, uh, it's, uh, this is, uh, it's a, this is a very, very important night, but they're not going to concede. But tr- President Trump is not going to let this be stolen. Yeah. Is President Trump, his campaigning, schedule has been impressive he has been hitting it hard is is he fighting for a win or is he fighting for a win plus margin in case they try to steal it what's he thinking i think he's a, he's a game day player i think president trump focuses he's trying to close yeah you know, what he's trying to close trump wants it all you know he wants minnesota he wants nevada he wants michigan he wants when he goes you know, he was on me for not going to Minnesota enough. And I said, look, let's not focus on Minnesota. Let's get, let's get Michigan and Pennsylvania. Let's get, let's get the win. And he was right. We went to Minnesota one time. We finished under 1%. If we had gone more, he would have won. He was absolutely okay. correct. I said, hey, given that we had to do trade-offs. But look, when he goes to Nevada, he wants Nevada. When yeah. he goes to Arizona, he wants Arizona. When he's up in Minnesota, he wants Minnesota. He went to Minnesota the other day. He wants it. So he's a guy that wants it. He wants to get a bigger mandate than the first time. But he'll take the win. Because I got to tell you, in this second term, he's going to turn the guns on him. He's had enough nonsense. It's, it's President Trump has a great saying: "No games, no games." Yeah. And I, I think you're going to see this is going to be the no games administration. You think he's going to be a lot more aggressive in this in the second term? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, okay. he's going to come off the chain. I think he's going to fire Ray tonight. I think okay. the FBI director is going to be fired. Right. I think going to get fired. I think Fauci's going to get fired. I think he's going to start getting rid of people that don't support his program. What Fauci did the other day, yep. coming out right for the election, is a fireball offense. And they give you all this nonsense, oh, you can't really fire him. Well, guess what? He's, he's commander-in-chief. He's the chief magistrate, and he's president of the United States. They'll find a way to fire Fauci, yeah. trust me. Yeah, that's good. I can't stand Fauci. He needs to go. So heads will roll. What about the wall? What's going to happen with the wall? Well, I think I, I hope we got to build a southern wall. We know the southern wall helps protect the people in northern Mexico. What it does is break the backs of the cartels. I don't think the wall's got enough play. 
in this campaign. I think President Trump has, has done a tremendous job down there against all odds. Nancy Pelosi is going to fight him tooth and nail. These liberal judges are going to fight him tooth and, tooth and nail. We've got to get this thing built. This is about American sovereignty, and it helps the people in northern Mexico. Why? Because it breaks the back of the cartels. It stops the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, all the contraband that comes across there. We've got to build it. It helps people. Uh, it's got to be done. And it's going to be a big fight for President Trump in the second term. Yeah. Well, as a resident of Texas, I welcome it. Well, Dr. Keller, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Great hey, honor. thanks for all your insights. I'm a, huge, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Well, it's an honor to hear. Thank you so much for watching. And I'd love at some point to have you on, uh, just the two of us, and we can we could go longer and talk about more of these things. We've... You, 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 anytime you want to, I'm available for you 24-7. I, I'm a all huge right. fan of all your work. Thank you so much, Steve Bannon, everyone. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless you. Let's pray for a big victory, over 300. All right. Well, that was awesome. That was good. That was good uh, to hear his perspective. Did he, now, I think he went back and forth. Did he say we win Michigan or 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 Wisconsin? He said, I believe he said, yes, Wisconsin, no, Michigan. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, I think that's what I heard him say. Is that what you heard, Jason Jones? Oh, Jason, you're muted. Sorry. It That's is. Right. That is what I heard him say. It seemed like he was more confident about Minnesota than Michigan. He kind of was. He's kind of got the Ollie spirit How there, man. Something? Dude, you know, you're you're probably talking to some of the same people hearing some of the same things, you know, that I'm hearing, Jason. But, like, right. the infrastructure there has never been stronger. The money guys, they know that if Joe Biden gets, a, you know, there's a there's a guy who's raised a lot of money in Minnesota. Let's just say that. And he's made sure that some of that money that he's raised for Trump has stayed in Minnesota. Yep. And if Joe Biden becomes president, they're going to lose 10,000 jobs that he employs. So, exactly. uh, you know, the Trump's uh, uh, China tariff, the original executive order, saved tens of thousands of Minnesota jobs. And I oh, think in Michigan, too. Yeah. You know what the real irony about this campaign is? especially someone who moved from a blue state to a red state. We're fighting for blue states. We're fighting for people yeah. who live in the blue states. That's crazy. You know, I was going to tweet, you know, it's a win-win. If we win tonight, I'll get to watch miserables be heartbroken for a couple of days. If we lose tonight, I'll get to watch liberals living in blue states heartbroken for four years. But when I was living, living in Hawaii, I had real anxiety because I knew if Biden won, we were destroyed as a state. Mm -hmm. It was over. And so this is really a fight for the life of people who live in blue states. There is so much more at risk for them than there are for guys like you and I, Taylor. I live in the hill country of Texas. Right. And I have to imagine one way or the other, we're going to make sure we're OK. Um, but but I'm really worried about what's going to happen to the blue states. And then uh, one of the questions I would have liked to ask Steve is, you know, a Biden victory, my real fear is those concentration camps in East Turkestan, Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, will turn into death camps. There are already deaths in those camps. There are already organ harvesting in those camps. But the left has been attacking uh, Chinese freedom protesters. They've been attacking the Uyghurs who are protesting against the regime physically in the streets. Uh, Biden has apologized for China, its treatment of the Uyghur. So my real concern is also what would a Biden presidency mean to the Christians in Iraq and Syria? Uh, you know, with the rise of ISIS is 
the caliphate's back has been broken, but these radical ideologies have a way of springing back up again. Uh, what, what's, there, what's going to happen in Iraq and Syria to the Christians? And also the freedom movement in Hong Kong will probably be crushed. And I, I, I really, it's horrifying to think what will happen in East Turkestan. Yeah, Jason, one of the great things that you've been bringing our attention to is is how this ripples and affects to third world countries and how there are places that will, a lot of this has to do with, the, most of it has to do with the pandemic and the lockdown. There are places in the world where millions of people will die yep, yep. because of decisions that are being made by blue Democrats. I, I think the, the, re, the real heroes of 2020 have been Trump's political appointees at the State Department and USAID and working together with David Beasley, who just won the, the Nobel Prize at the World Food Program. Right. A quarter of a billion people because of the ham-fisted COVID shutdowns in blue states and in Europe, uh, slowing down food production, processing and distribution. It pushed. It's We could have had the biggest famine year since World War II. But the heroic effort of the leadership of President Trump and his people at Department of Agriculture and State um, and David Beasley, again, who just won the Nobel Prize, which the media didn't cover. Can you imagine? Um, Sickening. No one in America knows that David Beasley won the Nobel Prize. And, uh, you know, if we do what Biden said, another 12 months of a shutdown, this is traumatic. When I said this in early March, that if we respond in early March, I wrote an article for the stream where I said, if we follow Italy's lead across Europe and the United States, we will starve the world. And people didn't understand it or see it then. But now it's become clear. There are food riots this week in Nigeria, from Bangladesh to South Africa. There's food insecurity. Even in my home state of Hawaii, Ali, I don't know if you've seen, there were food lines seven miles long. I, yeah. Seven mile long food lines. Um, if there are seven mile long lines of food in the United States, what do you think is happening in Nigeria? What do you think is happening in Bangladesh? Um, so there's a lot in the line. A lot. And not just the uh, Biden political opponents that they're going to uh, schedule for assassination in Ukraine or <laughs> or some of these other places where they've spoken up against the Biden crime family. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the Biden crime thing, the whole Hunter thing is totally disappeared. Sorry, we overlap. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. So James Biden took in $1.5 billion to reconstruct Iraq, and not a penny of it was spent in Iraq. And So what would a family that takes money that's meant for a country that their policies destroyed and stuck it in their pocket, what are they possible? What, What wouldn't they do? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was saying that we kind of got overlapped there, Jason, but the whole Hunter Biden thing has disappeared in the last five days. Why is that? What's going on? Just not useful. You know, I know that I don't know if you've experienced this every day. I'm seeing a lot of my friends depersoned and removed from social media. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a very harsh censorship. I was just at this big event in Texas um, because of COVID rules, only 500 people were allowed. But, you know, that's been the biggest event I've been to since COVID. And um, there were state representatives and other elected officials there. Half of them hadn't even heard of the Hunter Biden laptop. It's amazing. Elected wow. officials. Wow. 
And you followed it pretty closely, Ollie. What's your take on the on the Hunter Biden laptop and all that? Well, that's shocking. Uh, but um, look, if you go to Google Trends, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop has uh, dwarfed Hillary Clinton's emails um, by, I think, 30, 30, so high 30 somethings percentage. So I actually think that there's an underground movement of people who are very aware of this story. And like I said, you know, there's there's R plus one, there's R minus one, but there's zero and zero is a vote for us. And um, and so I think there's Democrats who are rightfully turned off that there is accusations of 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 drugs, um, of of uh, weird sex, incest uh, and all kinds of other stuff. So I think that there are Democrats who are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If Joe Biden raped Tara Reid and, and Hunter Biden's doing all this other stuff, this is kind of too weird for me. So right. but what I will say, and I haven't tweeted this because, you know. I'm a little bit of a propagandist on Twitter, but I will say on your show is that then when I plugged into the Twitter trends, uh, Donald Trump's taxes, that dwarfed Hunter Biden's laptop right. by a lot and Hillary Clinton's emails by at least double. So that's interesting. Now, I'm not sure if people care. Did you people see that Trump care. tweeted on his taxes this morning? I did not. I did. I was surprised this morning. I thought he just let it die, but he said, I prepaid millions in taxes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's interesting that he's beating that drum on the day of election. Or maybe it was well, yesterday, a, but I thought it was today. Uh, there's some, yeah. So what that says is that they're when they're polling, you're doing what's called message testing. And the message testing is saying that he's weak somewhere. Mm. And the Democrats have had this brilliant line. He only paid 750 in taxes when the $750 is a filing fee. So it's not taxes. Right. And then they're not factoring in his income because he's giving 100% of his income Right. to the government back. So it's very it's very interesting that the Democrats lie. It's almost true. Right. And so Trump is seeking to put another, you know, a bow around a, a finer talking point. Right. But it's got to be small like that. I prepaid five million in taxes if he's showing any movement. And right. so, that, so uh, you, they're really hearing back that that's a resistant point for people. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, but it, my guess is it's not primary, but it's it's got to be it, it's probably secondary for some voters, right. apparently. So Dan Scavino said, put out a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. It's well, really interesting. I, I think I I don't think we've seen, um, you know, you know, I hope you're OK with this language. You know, I, I mean it in the lightest way possible, but we, we've not seen a linguistic wizard like this in in 150 years or something i mean mm -hmm. donald trump has a very special gift and um you know actually thank god he got COVID, and thank god he healed yeah. from it because it gave him a pause a lot of people don't remember we were suffering a really bad talking point and what i'll tell you on air is that the state parties were in 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 panic because Republican four of four, so that means Republicans who have voted in the past four of the four elections, Republicans who vote in primaries, had requested absentee ballots and then not turned them in. Right. So they're thinking, like, why isn't Mary Sue turning them in? And this was this led to the historic uh, a margin that Democrats had got on us uh, with the mail-in ballots. So it wasn't just COVID. It was that our voters were refusing to turn in their ballots. And these state parties, multiple state parties, I can tell you, um, were calling their voters to try to sample what was the common denominator. And they're like, I don't trust the post office. Right. So ironically, if Donald Trump wins or, or loses this narrow, if, if Donald Trump loses narrowly and it is because of 65 plus, 
then he lost the election and the Republican Party didn't. And that will be his fault. I don't think that's what's happening. Uh, and early vote is uh, early voting, in person early voting is an indicator that, that we've kind of cured that. But we did suffer a huge problem. And what's really interesting that brings me back to my original point about the linguistic kill shots, as Scott Adams would call them, is that after he got COVID, he came up with this talking point. And, and we all hear it. I hear it in my ears yelling right now. Uh, uh, vote early, vote in person. Do not let them steal your vote. Yeah. It's just like no Republican operative would have come up with that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's almost but it's almost it's rhythmic. It's 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 an affirmation. And and it fits into the profile of the voter of what we need the voter to do who requested their absentee ballot, but is going to go vote in person. And so and we're seeing that. I mean, that's the data that's coming in right now out of Florida and North Carolina. So um, what a gift uh, this president has. Um, and he's realigned the party. He's been weak where he's allowed to be weak and he's finishing strong. This just this 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 feels great. This feels great to me. I mean, yeah. I want to come from behind. And I, th- I think we are. So Steve Bannon said 289. I put that map up on the screen. Um, it's lacking Minnesota and it's lacking Michigan, I believe. Isn't that the right count? Yep. Yeah. So that's you. Everybody's looking at when Steve. Uh, ba- no, no. Did I have it wrong? No, uh, th- he said that uh, Nebraska, too, is going liberal. Yes, I have that as grayed out. Oh, it looks it looks solid red on my screen. Maybe there's a delay. Nebraska, too. Maybe there's a delay. I have Nevada, Minnesota, and Michigan as gray. No, you're looking at you're looking at a delay. Then I think. Okay, yeah, I'm on YouTube. I'm looking at delay. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at delay. So uh, it might it'll come up here a little bit, but um, yeah, this is the this is the Steve Bannon. He called in and he gave this 289, I believe, mock up. Michigan does not go to Trump, and Minnesota does not go to Trump. I think Michigan does go to Trump. Ollie thinks Minnesota's going to Trump. So if those happen, if I switch those over. Both of those states bring us up to 315, and uh, that's an uncontested victory right there. Yeah. That's what I heard the president say today. I, I heard a clip of him where he said he's going to get 315. He feels very comfortable he's going to get 315. Okay, so that this, what we're looking at now, would be President Trump's map. Interesting. I want to share yeah. this with you, actually. I'm going, so, to, I'm going to uh, screenshot this because Real Clear Politics resets it every five minutes. So that's the Trump map of 315. you got the main, one main vote. You don't have the one Nebraska vote. And then you've got the whole South. You've got Arizona, Utah. you got Pennsylvania. And you got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. And, and Jason, this makes sense why Trump would say 315 because he's yeah. been hitting – He's been hitting Wisconsin. He's been hitting Michigan. He like, he's had a little bit of play in Minnesota. So like Bannon said, he's going for the close. It's the art right. of the deal. You go for the close. ABC, always be closing. Coffee is for closers. You know, one of the things that I don't hear people talk, I worked for President Bush in 2004, actually, in Wisconsin. And... That was one of our biggest years. I think that was the first year since 1928 that Republicans won a majority of the Catholic vote. Our rallies were smaller for Bush in 04 than Trump's rallies are now in the time of COVID. Amazing. And of course, there were no such thing as Trump trains. My daughter saw a mile-long Trump train in Hawaii yesterday. Of course, there was the Amish Trump train in Pennsylvania with wagons. 
you you saw that rally. These rallies are huge. The media thinks that if a rally happens in the woods and you don't cover it, it didn't happen. But <laughs> there's so much excitement out there. But but the other thing I have noticed is I've this is the fewest I've never seen so few bumper stickers. Even in Texas, I don't see a lot of Trump bumper stickers. It's like people. But when their car is left unattended at the parking lot of the grocery store, they take them off. They don't want to be keyed. Yeah. So yeah, I you think put what I do is if I'm in a sketchy zone, I got all the the flags on my windows, and if I'm in a sketchy zone, I'll take them off. Yeah. But the excitement is unlike anything we have ever seen. And in 04, that was the, probably the most, ex, you know, most excitement we had seen as a party since Reagan in 84. Yet Trump is dwarfing this right yeah. now in a time of COVID, in a time of shutdown. And I uh-huh. wonder, what is the impact of all these people who are really afraid of COVID? They believe if they leave their house, they're going to die. Right. I mean, how is that going to impact voter turnout, especially today? Well, let me tell you something that impressed me at the Butler PA rally where I was at. This past weekend, there were so many talking points when he talked about fracking, he talked about energy. I mean, key points for Pennsylvania people. One of the biggest rounds of applause, freak out, roaring, just people losing it, like the Beatles coming into a stadium, was when President Trump, and I hope he's been repeating this at his rallies, he said, you know what? Kids are going to school on computers People can't go to church. And he li- he kind of lists all these aberrations of COVID life. And he goes, but we're going back to normal. And people blew up. I think there is so much, so much ex- anxiety amongst mm-hmm. the American people. We're dividing our family because some people on Thanksgiving are going to insist on masks and social distancing. Some people aren't. Kid- p- parents are freaked out because their kids are having to do I mean, we're doing some online stuff with homeschooling, and it's like, oh, the stream dropped. Oh, dad's upstairs. He's doing five hours of streaming right now. We can't get on our Zoom call for for chemistry, right? Just all these uh, Halloween. Oh, our neighbors aren't, you know, doing candy or oh, you know, it's all this stress over COVID, and people are just done with it. And for President Trump to say we're going back to normal. It blew, it just blew it open. And I was impressed by that. Uh, uh, I love it. I just got a text from a friend of mine who's an actor, POC, famous. I don't, I'm not going to out him, but he's like, I just voted for Trump. I said, I said, do a tweet. He said, no, I'm not doing a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have him call in. Yeah. Show his face, show his face. You know, we are so blessed, guys, to live in this republic that we're just normal guys. No other country in the world could normal guys have the ability to influence (laughs) and have access to our political leaders. In this country, anyone who wants to be involved in the political life of their community has the ability. And I really do believe the left has lost faith in freedom. They've lost faith in, in our system of government. And that's what we're fighting for right now. We're fighting for regular folks to have religious freedom, economic freedom, and political freedom. You know, when I work around the world in the Middle East and Africa and I talk to people, if your grandfather made uh, an enemy with somebody in power, your life is hard for generations. Right. Mm. These are things we can't even begin to comprehend. 
You know, we just take the, the blessings of liberty. So I know there's some people watching, Taylor, who think they don't need to vote. Oh. They, everyone needs to go vote. They think they look at their district and they, oh, I'm good. We're good. No, everyone needs to vote. Well, because you got to get the popular vote up. It's right. rhetoric. It's just a rhetoric thing, man. It, it may not. If you're in California, yeah, you're probably not going to turn California red. However, it does change the rhetoric. And then it does change the strategy on all the minor offices and for years to come. Look what they've done to Texas, guys. Like, oh, it's turning purple. Oh, it's getting blue. Oh, and it's, it's what it's doing is it's demoralizing Texans, right? So you may live in Texas and they go, oh, we're going to carry it. But if you're in Colorado or California, you go vote Trump, it starts to show a little bit more purple in that state. And that's an important rhetorical statement that you're making to the nation. Yeah, and, and let's not forget that if they didn't have the argument for the popular vote, that is what underpinned the Spygate, Obamagate, yep. and Russia hoax. Yep. And so they used that three million number uh, to kind of underpin everything. And so there never would have been a Mueller investigation without the three million. There never would have been protesting of, of, of firing James Comey, which the Democrats hated more than us. Uh, uh, you know, they totally inverted our whole system with this magic three million number which is the total number of additional people who voted in California for the uh, first open U.S. Senate seat in decades in California. And so it's just a, it's a totally fabricated talking point. And so, yes, if you live in the bluest of counties, you must vote. If you live in the reddest and safest of counties, you must vote. If you're unsure if you can vote, try to go vote. Keep it legal. A a request to fill out a provisional ballot. Do whatever you can. Offer to stand in line with people. If you're watching this broadcast and you can take off of work to go help someone vote, one vote does matter. Yes, Every yeah. vote matters. And you would be surprised. I'm, I'm so glad that Rush Limbaugh is hitting this point. But look, political people and astute people follow all three of us. I would still say that probably 35% of my Periscope audience, and I only do Periscopes about spirituality and, and mainly politics, do not vote. It's just how people what? think. And everyone, it's, I would think I, your audience is super politically activated. And yours is probably more. Yours is probably, well, not, what I'm saying is yours, yours probably votes less. Right. People listen to Rush Limbaugh don't vote. That's and crazy. So people, it's so crazy. But, but isn't this what we know about the Christian church as well? If right. Christians stood up and voted, you know, there's no something. Right. Over. And so we, we just get, we condition ourselves. We either say, oh, we live in a red county, we're safe. Or, oh, I, the Texas electoral vote doesn't matter. It matters now. Everything's being de decentralized. Everything's about the talking point. Uh, everyone's got to vote every single time. And this time we've got to vote down ballot. I voted for some Republicans I do not personally like right. because I, I need them to stop. The Democrats are violent. Mm -hmm. They are violent. We cannot give them state powers. They are, they are already so violent, they're not prosecuting the rioters. Okay? Right. If they get power... Where they can now prosecute people when when we follow a Biden Harris bus on the highway, we are gonna we're, we're a couple of years away from the gulag. Yeah, I we're mean, going serious. to jail. And that's we're going cool. to jail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Ali, the beginnings will be depersoned. You know, yeah. people think the gulags happened in 1917. With this great with these shutdowns in these Democrat states, yep. this is we're we've there. lost liberties faster than the Russians did after yes. the Bolshevik Revolution. Yes. This is like warped. I've been, I don't know if you know, Ali, I was arrested. No, I didn't know that. In early March, I was arrested at a reopen event 
in Hawaii. They, they never even filed the charges, but they threw me in the back of a police car, left me there for three hours. The other two people wow. in the backs of the cars got heat stroke. Um, and this is where we're headed. There's a lot. Of, and it seems hard to believe. And voting is so easy. I still feel guilty. I missed one election. It's when I turned 18. I was already in the infantry and I was on relentless deployments. And I didn't vote that year in 1990. I still feel guilty about it. Because it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's you're not an A student because you voted. It's you're you got a sixty percent. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just the very beginning of of showing gratitude for the political life, the political community that we've inherited. It's the very beginning. Yeah, and a lot. You know what, Jason? A lot of people think. You know, just confession time. Um, you know, I'm a. I don't. I'm a live streamer. I'm a public speaker. I work for campaigns and business executives. But a lot of people don't understand. I still deal with anxiety issues and in particular, like travel anxiety. So like when I fly, I'm very particular about how I fly, because, you know, if I'm if, if I'm in like zone five, I start panicking. Can I put it above the thing? And, you know, it just it just gets in my head. And it's an insecurity that I have. And and I'm, and this is someone who I fly 20, 30, 40 times a year uh, or more. And so I'll tell you guys this. I work in politics. But when I vote, I get anxiety because every time I go vote, it's different. And I'm like, why can't it just be the same? Right. You know, and I and I'm very meticulous and I'm OCD about how I vote. And, uh, you know, but it was this year. It was just like, you know, put all that aside. If I have to stand in line for seven hours, I'm going to wear it as a badge of honor. And today, what people need to know that if you are in line for three or four hours, probably 60 or 70 percent of those people are Republican. I mean, in some yes. of these counties. So it's, it's, it's really crazy. You are by friends. We don't have to whisper that we're Republican. Today, the Republican nominee will receive a greater portion of the vote than any Republican in history on election day of a contested election. Any. Yeah. And so we should be very encouraged. When we have long lines today, we want long lines. And so people have to go vote. If they, I, I just can't stress it enough. If you're in Hawaii, if you're in Massachusetts, if you're in Montana— or uh, Minnesota, go vote. You have to go vote. You have to text people, harass people to go vote. You know, Ollie, one of the things that Joy and I were talking before I went live this morning is if you're a passionate, fired up Pennsylvania Republican, Michigan Republican, you've been to one of these rallies. I've been to this rally. I've been to the rally, man. It is cold. <laughs> it, it can be windy. It's crowded. You got to go to the bathroom. You're going to wait 45 minutes to get into one of those porta potties. <clears throat> okay, so it is not a luxurious experience to go to a Trump rally. These are thrown together. Okay, if someone goes to a Trump rally and spends three to five hours of their time being miserable to hang out and party with Trump and listen to Trump talk for an hour, yeah, they're motivated. So if they, it's like a two hour line to vote, they're going to stand in that line for two hours. If you're some flighty Democrat who just doesn't like Trump, but you don't like Biden, they, oh, the line's two hours, they might just roll it. They might be just, well, let's go get a water, or they don't have water burger up there. Let's go get a McDonald's, and, um, and maybe we'll come back, maybe we won't. And I, I think that if the polls are jammed up and jacked, I think it helps the Republicans big time. It does. This time does. around especially. More than any time in history, I can't stress yeah. that. And just and just just to just to you know prognosticate a little bit, people like me who have to go out there and make 
a series of, you know, like in my election worksheet on my website, this is about 70 predictions in this entire sheet. And so how do we I'm get your sheet? Ollie, the- tell people how to get the sheet. So if you go to AliAlexander.org, uh, there's a 24-page document. So I did one in 2018. In 2018, I called over 50 races correctly, contested races uh, correctly. I called that we would expand the Senate, and I and I called that we would uh, lose the House. And so, you know, I have the reputation of being the most accurate in, in 2018. There are people talking about a red wave. It didn't happen. There are people talking about a blue tsunami, which also didn't happen. Um, it was a D-plus-7 race. And it's and if you if you take out the uh, uncontested races that the Democrats had an advantage in, then it's actually it was only a D plus three. And so um, we're doing a lot more work here. But in this and that was 14 pages. This one is 24 pages. It has the breakdown of the battleground states and not the fake battleground states like Texas, the real battleground states. It says what counties you want to watch. So you don't need Fox News. You don't need Twitter. You can just pull up the county registrar's office and watch the votes come in yourself there are benchmarks and percentages of how trump needs to perform in these states there's a senate worksheet and my uh, guesstimates and a place where you can write uh, what actually happens there's a house worksheet that will let you know ahead of time if we're going to win the house which we're not um but it'll let you know ahead of time if the republicans are having problems or the democrats are problems but if you go to AliAlexander.org, this has taken me four weeks to put together. Lots of resources and data. It's for fifty bucks. But anyway, what I want right, to I say just put to it you, on the screen so people can see it. I'm, I'm getting. I did. It right no, now. I did. I, put, I already did it, Ali. I put the link up on the screen. Oh, oh thanks. Oh, yeah. So people and can email, see it. And both of you, both of you, have a copy in your email. But what I want to say is that what people like me need to do, and this is how people need to start holding people accountable. Okay, is your influencer, your favorite. Your favorite e-guy or e-girl is like what they say, how often does it come true? And so today I'm watching all of this data come in early and I'm saying, okay, do I need to adjust my model? Because there's no ego here. There's nothing wrong with not guessing 70 things in a row correctly. But what I'm here to tell you is that the map I have, the map that I have that has Trump at 296 is holding up right now. We are somewhere right now. Between 270 and and you know my top is 316. It's encouraging to hear Trump say 315 because I know that we're operating off the same premise. And so, so what I want to say is like if we vote today, we win. And 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 even more than that, political scientists will study in history that the Democrats rigged an election, and it didn't it didn't just break out evenly. It actually hurt them. What Jason Jones was saying earlier is like. You made all these people hypochondriacs, and then you expected them to go vote on election day. The voting booths are still open, but you told them it's not safe to vote. I mean, to God be the glory because you couldn't make this up. You couldn't say that Donald Trump, labeled a racist, was going to expand with the black vote, expand with the Hispanic vote, that the the battleground states are fake. We're fighting in all blue states. We're fighting in the Midwest, which is where Donald Trump wants to fight. And that the vote would be determined by white women. You could not make up that story and say <laughs> and, and Republicans not say, hey, yeah, I want that story. So right. it's it's really shaping up, guys, to be. And I agree with Steve, the Catholic vote. We won't know until it's all over. And what a lot of people don't know is that the media went back and they 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 reengineered the exit polling on Catholics. So now they're trying to say, oh, Hillary Clinton actually won. It. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, was, well, I, was, I was doing some research. Well, maybe because I hang out with the real Catholics and that we all know we won. Yeah, Trump. People yeah. with Irish and Italian last names who haven't been to mass in 20 years. She won that vote. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now so people are asking. Good. People are asking in the live chat. And I've been kind of ignoring them because we've been on a roll here. But they wanted. They wanted to know if y'all, if you guys, will talk about Senate and House races and how this is going to be affected this time around. Sure. All right, do it. I, um, <laughs> um, look, I I think that I think we're either going to hold the uh, Senate by one vote or it's going to be fifty fifty. Okay. And I, and, and I said, uh, what, what's funny is that um, is that wouldn't it be so twenty twenty uh, to have a fifty fifty Senate and then that go into twenty twenty one and literally who the president is determines who who is in charge of the Senate. And what's interesting is that that means that Mike Pence would have to sit in his his chair because that he would be so cool i mean so, i don't want that to happen i prefer not but if it did that'd be cool and it speaks to the times and it might actually, actually you should explain that to people who haven't taken american social studies in 30 years so the vice president of the united states his really his only constitutional duty is to preside over the senate now yeah. he's got all this other stuff that's going on but he's a backup for the president in case the worst falls but the uh, the um, the uh, the reason why you see senators on the floor and they say, Mr. President, uh, they're talking to the president pro tem who's not presiding. Right. Who is who is. So there's someone presiding for the president pro, pro tem who is co- ghost presiding for the Senate president. Right. Which is the vice president. To use and Catholic so, language, you have a vicar <laughs> for a vicar. <laughs> That's way above my pay grade. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take your word. One who stands so, in for one who stands in. Right. So what's interesting right. is like so the Senate will have a 50-50 and because of all the quorum. So think about this way. If the Senate was at 50-50 and Mike Pence wasn't there, the Democrats could call a parliamentary uh, 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 procedure or order. They could call a quorum or anything, and then he'd have to run back over there. So right. um, so the vice president does have an office in the Senate. And uh, he's just going to have to spend a lot more time there if we're stuck at 50-50. So here's where my math has. I have us losing Colorado okay. um, for sure. Uh, we're going to lose Arizona with McSally. Now, hopefully a miracle happens and Trump pulls her across the finish line. Um, but she is a squish, and she did lose in 2018 for the other uh, U.S. Senate We shouldn't have put up a loser. Uh, we shouldn't have put up a short woman. Uh, we should have found a great conservative Hispanic mm-hmm. in Arizona, I think, but whatever. And then we're going to lose Maine. And again, a miracle could happen in Maine. Susan Collins is the okay. indestructible woman. Uh, every time that she's won re-election, I've projected that she's going to win. And this is the first time I've projected that she's ever going to lose. And we're going to pick up Alabama. So mm. we lose three, we gain one, uh, and then that puts us at 51. The question of the night is, do we lose North Carolina? The polls have us losing North Carolina by um, one point or or two points. Um, I think the polls are wrong. Tom Tillis is a squish, and he is going to lose some of the MAGA vote. Um, uh, and then the Democrats are energized behind Cunningham. But the Cunningham guy slept with his his battle buddy's wife. And there was like this Swift Boat Veterans ad of, of veterans and people from – uh, from his unit who said you can't trust a guy who does this who sleeps mm. with your you know your bro's wife and so i think we're going to win uh, north carolina some of the concerns i had were montana i've been told that my concerns are exaggerated okay. uh joni ernst in iowa i've been told my concerns are exaggerated and then the georgia special georgia's both senate seats are up for uh election uh and then the senate uh the democrat will win the special but she won't win uh 50 plus one 
So it'll go into a runoff and then the Republican will win. So so we are for sure losing three seats uh, and we might lose four. And so I think this I, I think if Trump wins, Mitch McConnell uh, is presiding over the Senate in in 2021. Okay. And um, that's what I that's how I think that the Senate shake uh, shakes out. Now, here's what I want to say. Going back to the presidential map, if we all think he wins Wisconsin, there is another surprise coming in the night, right? Okay. The, What's the that? surprise is Minnesota, or the surprise is Michigan, or the surprise is Pennsylvania. Some there is some other surprise where there's some bleed over, and the Senate works the same way. Where Donald Trump carried like three senators over the finish line, like a remarkable number of senators in 2016, he pulled over the finish line. And then he pulled a number of House races over the finish line, like 10 or 15. Uh, And people can go search this on the Google or whatever. I don't like Google. I use DuckDuckGo or something like that. I'm the same way. I use DuckDuckGo. But um, so people need to realize that whatever the polls say, that's nightmare scenario. Whatever the polls say, that's nightmare scenario. Right. And Trump has never performed at nightmare scenario. So so I don't know what the surprise might be with the Senate races, but there's always been one. And right. um, and with Trump, you know, there's usually been a couple. So I, I don't know what that's going to be. Maybe he ends up saving um, Arizona. Maybe maybe Susan Collins people end up turning out. Uh, maybe there's not so much cheating in the Boston market that bleeds over into New Hampshire and then and then maybe Maine. But, you know, um, uh, that's anyway, that's that's what I think. And then we, we don't have a chance in heck of, of winning uh, the House. Um, a good way of thinking about the House is that in the country, the white college educated to the white uncollege educated right. non-college degree is uh, 12 points, a 12 point mm-hmm. gap, which has yeah. allowed Trump this narrow victory. And then in the battleground states, it's an 18 point gap. So the gap actually widens in the battleground. Wow. states. And uh, but with the top 20 house toss ups, it halves. It's nine. So there's no way my projections since last year have been a two percent chance of winning the house. And again, I called in 2018 that we'd lose the house, but win the Senate. And so I still put us at a two to five percent chance of winning the house. And um, uh, it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for us. But. I think we'll keep the state legislative bodies that we have, including in Michigan, and that's what's in charge of redistricting next year. So let's redistrict the heck out of them. Yeah. Ali, I'm glad you brought up the state house districts because I think, Taylor, you shared with me that, you know, this is not your avocation to be involved in politics or your vocation to be talking about politics, but this is you, you understand your duty. And I think your audience is in the same boat. But we need to recognize we have a, a duty and a responsibility to be involved in the political life of our community and the state house is where it begins. And so what I would hope is those of us who really care about our country and wanting to leave our posterity, this the freedoms that we've been blessed with, I think everyone needs to commit to being really involved at a higher level in the political life of our community, whether Trump wins or loses. Because so much is at stake. Yes. And to me, you know, the state house, your state house is where it all happens. Most of the things that are important to you happen in your state house district in your life. And that's, I think, the first place people need to really begin is find out who who your state representative is at the state house, your state senator. And uh, if they're on our team, you need to support them, fundraise for them, get to know them, uh, because that's where so much happens. And they often at times get in position to run for Congress, for Senate, and for governor. 
Um, but I'm glad you brought that up. And this, this redistricting is going to be very important. Very, very important. Very, very important. And um, we can thank God for Obama gaslighting the country because he lost something like 900 and something uh, state uh, legislative seats. And because of that, we got to redistrict in in 20 uh, in uh, in 2011. So 2010, when we won, we got to redistrict the country with uh, the largest gain basically ever that Republicans had of state legislative bodies. And uh, another way of thinking about this is is um, everyone, you know, for the past couple decades has assumed that we are that the South is so Republican. uh, But they they you know, they, they don't know. It wasn't until 1992, you know, George Bush and Ann Richards that right. moved Texas ahead of everyone else. But yeah. but like Tennessee was still a Democrat controlled state until 2012 or 2011. True. Um, uh, Louisiana flipped. Arkansas was still that way. I mean, a, a lot of when you drill down in the states, what was happening is that the sheriff was a Democrat. So people registered as a Democrat so they can vote in the primary for the sheriff. Right. And that was that was how the South has been ran. And, um, you know, whereas in the north, you have this alderman system. So in south, you have the sheriff system and, you know, they have sheriffs up north. But you know what I'm saying? Um, Their primary concern for governmental employees and, you know, Betsy, who works at the library and all that is who is the sheriff. And um, that affects candidate recruitment and then who ends up running for state offices. And then if they were in state offices, then they would just switch to become a Republican if they need to run statewide. And so what's interesting is that Obama probably sped us up in the Republican realignment, uh, especially with the older demographic that had just planned to die Democrat. He probably sped us up anywhere from five to eight years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what they have sown for evil and rot, you know, God has used for good. And Republicans have never won anything. Democrats lose everything. Right. And it's, you know, all of our wins <laughs> since after Reagan can be de- can be described as Democrats sucking. Yeah. And uh, maybe the contract with America was a Republican good thing. But other than that, like we've got by on the skin of our teeth. And, you know, George Bush won in 2004 because Karl Rove put gay marriage on the ballot in Ohio. That's it. Right. And otherwise we would have lost to a traitor to our country, you know. Um, so it's it's really fascinating how some of this math shakes out. But I think there's awakening. I think there's a great awakening happening. And now that people realize, oh, this other party hates me and my values and wants my children to spit on me when they turn 18. Right. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't that. want that. Yeah. Uh, Ali, you just sent me a tweet from the Cotto Gottfried, and it says, Marion County, Ocala, my bellwether for how mid-sized Florida GOP bastions would perform with in-person early voting just hit a record for voter turnout. <laughs> so that's that's really good for Florida. I also, what, what kind of sparked my interest in that, uh, Ali, I don't know if you remember, is Ocala was one of the places with the worst church Catholic church burnings. Wow. Did you know, know about that? I don't remember what, you know, you know, I've this, it was in Ocala. It was, it was where a guy came in and poured gasoline in the narthex and oh. lit it up. And there was people in church. They all got out. Everybody was safe, but it was know. one of the, it was one of the really bad Catholic church burnings. And so, um, thank you for that data point that, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that was, but, uh, so I, I'm sure Catholics remember that, that, you know, crazy people burning down churches is not you know it goes back to the the white suburban women the less safe they feel the more they vote for trump that's been proven across the country so if your church got burned down you're more prone to vote for trump 
Yeah, we're going to see the riot effect. And, and, and this is the question. If the rural counties in America are turning out at 90-something percent like crazy, um, then will the suburbs adjacent to the city do something similar? And if they are, I'm not going to use the word red wave, um, but, you know, you, you will see a very decisive victory this night. Um, and, you know, now I will say this. Um, uh, Broward County, there's some serious cheating already going on. And, you know, and, and my friend said, aren't you worried about this? The Democrats are expanding their lead in Broward County. They could flip the whole state. And I said, no, I don't think so. We're going to have a stronger Miami-Dade showing. Uh, Miami-Dade is one of the last to count. The panhandle is an hour behind uh, in voting, and we're holding, obviously, strong there. And then the rural counties of, of Florida are going to max out their vote. I'm not, I'm not scared. Now, the Democrats are showing up today for some reason in Broward County, but this is the county where a lot of weird stuff happens. I don't want to get conspiratorial, but a lot of weird stuff happens in this county that okay. seems connected to national events uh, for decades. Uh, this is the... You know, with the clean MAGA white van guy who sent all these letters and stuff to Democrats um, threatening them during 2018 during the midterm elections. That's yeah. that's this county. This county's the Parkland shooting. This county okay. is Sheriff Scott Israel. This is Brenda weird. Snipes. It's it's a weird county. Uh, and, and, and every time I go there, it feels satanic. And um, uh, but uh, so there so I will say that just to to. Give the analysis is like, you know, I think Florida is solidly Republican, but, you know, the Democrats are going to try to hype it because of Broward County. They're, they're making some good gains in Broward County. I just right. it's not enough to overcome us. It's just not. Ali, I want to address your point on voter corruption and maybe ask both of you this question. Why quick, I'm going to go to the restroom. You guys carry it for a minute or two. All right. You I've been on here. For, I've been on here for like five minutes or five hours. Homeschooling or something. All right. Y'all guys carry. I'll be back. Good? Wash your hands for twenty seconds. I will. I'll, I'll wear a mask too. It's like, all right, you guys, you guys have the floor. Don't behave while I'm gone. Behave. Yes, all right. Sir. Now, can we start selling things? Yes. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Movie to movement dot com. The hearts of America. Go to Salem now. <laughs> Taylor Marshall said it's his favorite movie. Okay. Um, you know what frustrates me as a veteran. Infantry, my brother my, fought in Iraq, my dad infantry, my grandpa in Korean wow. Vietnam, I'm Korean World War II, my brother, my son fought in Iraq and Syria. To me, the greatest crime one could commit is voter fraud. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's right there with treason. It is a type yeah. of treason because why we, we have peace and order because we agree on a process with rules this way, I don't get together with my friends to ride into your village and set things on fire. Um, so my question is, why don't we take voter fraud more seriously in this country? We know it's happening. I never see it being seriously prosecuted. There never seem to be really investigations. And when people are busted, like I remember when I worked in Wisconsin in 04, we videotaped voter fraud. The RNC told me to destroy the footage. Yeah, I didn't. I gave it to court TV and they aired it. But there were some people that were arrested because they were bragging. Some children of mayors, Democrat mayors, were bragging in line at a Starbucks. There was mm -hmm. an FBI special agent playing clothes, drinking his coffee, overhearing it all. And they ended up 
being prosecuted. Oh, thank God. But but I mean, literally, you have to have an FBI agent drinking a coffee in your vicinity to there to be an investigation. Why don't we take voter fraud more? Republicans or Democrats seem to just we know it's happening and we don't. We don't we're not up in arms over it. I, you know, this issue is near and dear to my heart. When 2018 was happening and we were watching Florida being stolen in real time, I, I got on my live stream and I started cussing. And I said, I don't understand why you people aren't effing in the streets. They're stealing your election in slow motion. And, uh, and then Jack Posopic said, we need to stop the steal operation there. And I said, okay, well, go. And, and I'll help you raise money. And he's like, I'm actually going to Poland. Uh, they were having their anniversary or whatever. And he said, you go. And I went, and it changed my life. But what I will tell you, Jason, is that the RNC was stabbing me in the back the entire time. They raised money off of my efforts. Um, I was there for six days. When I left, Ronna Romney McDaniel flew in at my protest and, and held the press conference right there. She raised $150,000 off my efforts. Um, all they did was pay for lawyers. I'm the one who brought the people, the scrutiny. I'm the one who got Pam, uh, uh, Pam Bondi to reverse her position and get the Florida Bureau of Investigations involved. I'm the one who got Rick Scott to reverse his position because he thought, oh, I need to recuse myself of anything. I'm like, no, you're still the governor. You have an obligation to protect our votes. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm as equally passionate about it, and thank you for your service. This is what I think. I think the media has so stigmatized the issue that they don't want mainstream Republicans talking about it. But it happens. And I know what I think I suspect, you know, and that's that, you know, Democrats are better at turning out voters. I mean, since the 60s, they've been having these bus operations and church van operations. And we Republicans do nothing like that. It's amazing that we even win any elections because we're just relying on people showing up. The Democrats operation, people watching this won't appreciate it, is 30 times better than Republicans. And it has been since the 60s. And so. What I think is if we take it seriously, if we shatter this this prison that we're in that says we're not allowed to talk about voter fraud, it's going to 90-10 affect uh, Democrats. And by the way, Republicans who do it, I want them to go to jail. I've oh, yeah. always- if I saw a Republican committing voter fraud, I want him to go to prison, honestly, for life. Yeah. No, I, I, mean, I, I think you should go to prison for your rest of your life. I think that you should be prosecuted for violating the civil rights of everyone who shares your ballot. So I actually think that we should prosecute the uh, voter fraud as a federal civil rights violation against the victims of everyone who shares your ballot because you're diluting their vote. So someone who commits voter fraud did not add a vote. They minus my vote. And if my vote becomes less than whole, then you've violated, you know, the dignity of my personage. And so I, I think that we got to get more serious about it. And I think that the governors need to treat this like the cartel, put giant posters, put people in prison outfits. And I'm usually against perp walks, but crimes against the dignity of self-governance ought to be. You got to get the full cartel, you know, put a put a stack of ballots on a table have that person grab them by the hair and put them in front of the camera and say, this is voter fraud and it'll never happen again. Yeah. You know, I tried uh, two election cycles ago to run a, to raise money. I wanted to run ads of veterans who were amputees and others talking about what they sacrificed for our way of life. And we'd have like a a number to report voter fraud. But like you said, from the, the powers that be, 
they were sabotaged. They, they do not. And I don't understand it for the life of me. It's it's real, people. It's real. The Republicans do not want conservatives talking about voter fraud. It is one of the most strangest red pills you get when you're working in both the Republican Party and the conservative movement. You're like you start finding out some weird truths and it's 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 unnerving and it's creepy and it's weird. Yeah. All right, guys, we got uh, Jack Posobiec calling in. Jack Posobiec, how are you? Taylor Marshall, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Are you? In, you're in Philadelphia, right? Uh, yeah. If you hear any sirens behind me, I'm, that's because I'm in North Philly right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got the crew, and I, I'm feeding them the cheese steaks right now because they've been out with me all day so far. This morning. No, I'm not joking. They're literally on sirens right now. So, are you? Are you? Are you Geno's or are you Pat's? Um, well, we're in, that's South Philly. So okay. We're in North Philly right now. The North Philly spot is definitely Max's steaks. Okay. You're doing the max, doing the max. Oh yeah, doing the max. Good. So what's what's the feel in Pennsylvania? Are we going to win Pennsylvania today? So you know everything my sources are telling me in in both camps is that is that the Biden team is very scared about Pennsylvania. They're yeah. very scared about what's happening. They were they knew that they they. I mean, obviously they went into uh, election day with about a seven hundred fifty thousand vote lead due to mail-ins just based on party affiliation but they didn't expect the turnout numbers that they're seeing on the ground today and they knew that they blew out their four of fours or they're also known as super voters prior to today so that was all during that mail-in voting uh trump supporters are coming out in droves in the central part of the state and the western part of the state and here in the city of Philadelphia, where i'm at there are i mean the lines we're around maybe in sort of that early morning rush, so maybe um, seven o'clock to about nine o'clock. Since then, long lines don't exist. I mean, there's a stream of people going in and out voting, but you know, right now I gotta say there's a longer line to get cheesesteaks right here at Max's that we're in. Really? So the lines, the lines are broken down. They're not long. Not in Philadelphia. Not since nine a.m. So is so that's a good sign, right? Well, I mean, it depends, right? So it depends on, does that mean that the city of Philadelphia isn't coming in? The city of Philadelphia, of course, is a very Democrat stronghold. And the reason that, one of the major reasons that Hillary Clinton lost Pennsylvania in 2016 and ultimately presidency was that her, was that she had an undervote in, in Philadelphia. What does an undervote mean? Barack Obama won the city of Philadelphia by all, over 800,000 votes. Uh, but Hillary only got about 500,000 here. So that's, that's a huge loss from her. This is a place where you, where if you want to win the state of Pennsylvania, you've got to sort of counteract the, if you're a Democrat, you've got to counteract the Republicans in the center of the West. Hillary Clinton didn't do that. And unless all of those people, those 800,000 I just mentioned, also voted by mail for Joe Biden, I ain't seeing it on the ground here right now. That's a good sign, because I mean Philly. Philly is the scary place. Well, and that's why we're here, right? Because you can from you can tell very quickly by Philadelphia turnout uh, which way the state is going and which way Pennsylvania goes. Typically, ends up being uh, the race. In fact, when I was here four years ago in 2016, I was doing the same thing. I've been going up and down the city from North Philly to South Philly to West Philly. We've been all all around them today, Grace Ferry, uh, up to Temple University and back. Uh, we were in the Northeast a minute ago, Roosevelt Boulevard. And, 
you know, I knew by about 5 p.m. that that Trump would win Pennsylvania and that Trump was then going to win the presidency. So I ended up going to the uh, going to the train station and buying a ticket to New York, and I went to the party at the uh, the Midtown Hilton. So uh, how are you feeling about, you know, Steve Bannon was on about maybe an hour ago. He was saying he doesn't see Trump getting Michigan. He put the the map at, at 289 votes. Do you think that's accurate or do you think that Trump's going to break through with 300 tonight? Yeah, look, Michigan and Wisconsin were always two states that were very marginal victories for the president in 2016. Um, Pennsylvania was close as well, but it was it was a wider victory than either of those. Uh, state of Michigan hasn't been won by a Republican in in a generation prior to 2016. So having that victory the way the president did really came as a shock to everybody. And same for Wisconsin. I mean, these are very deep blue areas typically, and it, it was simply because of that that working class vote that came out for him in 16 that he got to where he got, but. That being said, Joe Biden has cut into some of those households because there, I do think that there are legitimately people who see him as a, in their view, they see him as a, a return to sort of a, uh, a bygone era in politics, you know, move away from sort of these sensationalist politics that have been going on since about 2008, 2009. And um, I think that that's something that may cause some converts in those states. Now, that being said, uh, we're not going to know everything until the dust settles. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised walking around in Michigan, you know, just suburbs, knocking on doors, going to different places, Knights of Columbus. I mean, just down-home Michigan people. You know, you say, who you vote for? I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm voting for Donald Trump. You know, and it was just no convincing needed in, in a lot of these neighborhoods. Now, I don't, you know, this is not downtown Detroit or whatever, but I, I feel pretty good on Michigan. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Trump got Michigan again, especially the Catholic vote is surging there and the Chaldean Catholics, you know, they're from Iraq. They don't like to vote. You know, voting in Iraq was a, was a not a very safe thing to do. And their, their turnout and their registration is, a, I've heard up. And so if he won Michigan by 10,000 votes, you know, maybe he, they can start pushing that margin to 40, 50,000 votes. I know that's a tiny, tiny margin, but who knows? You know, there was a there was a statement that Biden's campaign manager put out a couple hours ago, and she said, uh, "Jen O'Malley, Jen, what is it? Uh, Jen, Jen O'Malley, Dylan." And she said, "She said we are currently looking at pathways to win without that don't include Pennsylvania and Florida." And I'm like, "Look, I, I, I understand that mathematically you can do that, but if you look at it in terms of voting patterns, if you've lost Pennsylvania and you've lost Florida." then your percentages are going way, way, way down. Uh, and they're not seeing the numbers that they needed to pull off a win nationally. And so putting out a statement like that. Why would they the even day, say that, Jack? Why did, that doesn't make I any mean, sense. Why would you even confess that? Save their credibility. Uh, I mean, it, it really just has to be that because you know, they know what they're seeing in terms of the data, that they know it. But do you confess that on the third? Is it- you know, I, I had an interesting conversation with my wife, and uh, yesterday while we were um, uh, we were driving somewhere, and and we were talking about the difference between the electoral college and the popular vote, and I was sort of explaining. And I use this analogy that you know to explain to some people where I say, "Well, it's kind of like football, right? You can you can get the most yards in the game, but that doesn't mean you won right. because it goes by points, 
right? And so that's, you can get the most votes, but it goes by electoral college. That's how you win the race. And then she said, well, didn't Hillary have any advisors to tell her that? (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I must have almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just one of those, that's what I would almost say about Biden's campaign right now. I said, right. you think the advisors would tell her to not say something like that halfway through the day? Yeah, I mean, if you say that, that's basically. I mean, it's it's a it's a soft concession if you if you admit no Pennsylvania, no Florida. Come on. Yeah, and look, you can you can string together, you know, a Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin. You know, even if they win those three, then they're still going to need Arizona and probably North Carolina. I just, I just don't see it in terms of the patterns. Then I just don't think that works. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what number uh, electoral votes are you seeing for for this election? What do you think is going to happen? I I think it'll be, I think it'll be tighter than it was in sixteen. I, I honestly, in my head. I was pretty close to where I saw Bannon's map this morning, and I think in my head that's pretty close to what I was looking at. I've also followed Richard Barris's polling, uh, People's Pundit. He runs he's director of Big Data Poll, yeah, he's good. and uh, that's that's very similar to where he's at. But he, in in recent days, has actually been saying that he. So he originally call, was polling Wisconsin plus two Biden. He thought Biden was going to win Wisconsin by two, but just last night I saw him posting some tweets saying that he was seeing some movement in the numbers that called him to question some of his assumptions about Wisconsin. He said, you know, we may have been wrong about Wisconsin. There might be, you know, we may have undermodeled it in terms of Trump support. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed that he was even starting to consider that Trump could win Wisconsin. And, and he was specifically looking at what was going on in and around the city of Kenosha. Yeah. So, so what, what, what's your number? Yeah. What's your number? You, do you like Bannon's two eighty nine? Yeah, I'd be, I think I'd be around that. I think I'd be around that. I don't. I you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump wins, but comes in under three hundred. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. So you're 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 a little bit. You're under three hundred, whether it's two eighty nine or whatever. Right, but I mean, there's there's a lot of things going on this this year as well. Where I mean, what does Nevada have uh, do? What does North, New Hampshire do? A lot of these marginal areas that you really have to question if if these mail-in ballots have so many issues that we keep hearing. Um, the fact that the Democrat Party decided to put so many of their eggs in that basket um, and to also really. I mean, really just scare their voters from voting in person that did that end up causing a problem for them in some of these marginal states. Right. Right. So if he gets Pennsylvania, which state, if you're under 300, which state swing state are you not giving them? Are you not giving them Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona. It'd be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Wisconsin and Michigan. I okay, think you're, Wisconsin and Michigan are, yeah. are, are they've, they've always been tough lifts for Republican. They, they just, yeah. they just are, right? They just are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Minnesota, it's, it's one of those, I mean, he came within a point, but I just, I don't know with Biden on the ballot if it's going to be within reach. And keep in mind, this is why they nominated Joe Biden, right? They, they knew that Biden would perform better in in those specific Rust Belt states 
than pretty much anyone else on the Democrat slate. If you look at that early number of about 20, uh, 20 people who got in the race, they knew that Biden would be the one that campaigns well because of his name ID, because of his image, you know, and, you know, certainly we've done a lot to talk about his image, but he does have a very strong built-in image with, you know, people who aren't watching One American News, who aren't paying attention right. to what Taylor Marshall's putting out and all the information that we have because, you know, look, uh, these elections aren't won by people that are focusing on these issues on a regular basis, but that might show up once every four years to the polls. Right. I mean, it's you talk about the Catholics who only show up on Easter and Christmas. Imagine, a, you know, a voter who only shows up on election day once every four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that gives you without Minnesota, without Wisconsin, without Michigan, and you give the one district for Maine, that gets you 279. It's a win. It's a win. It's a dirty win, but it's a win. It's a win, yeah. W's a W. Mitt Romney's not president. Exactly. Exactly. And you saw something similar. You know, a lot of people don't talk about this, but you saw something similar with Barack Obama, where his win over, and this is what I'm referencing, his win over Mitt Romney was not as strong as his win over John McCain. It actually softened. And uh, Republicans won the House and Senate in 2014. And so this is, you know, it, is it, is it potentially that something where President Trump could see a similar situation where some states do end up flipping back, but he still maintains the presidency? Yeah. And keep in mind, unseating a president in Republican or in, in American politics is it's something that's very hard to do. The presidency has a lot of built in yep. advantages to it. I mean, you have the you have the bully pulpit. You have so much power of. Uh, of the office itself. I mean, the fact that he's flying around in Air Force One and he's, he's working in the White House. And bottom line is, I really do have to think about the idea that, you know, it's, I know it's cliche, I guess, for a conservative to say this, but the aphorism love trumps hate actually is true. But only, but it wasn't right in the sense that Hillary was using it because she was running against Trump. She wasn't running for love of anything. Right. Uh, her, her, it was a campaign based on fear and anger. Whereas Trump, and he said this again and again, and, and I've, mm -hmm. I've been to enough rallies. You, of course, just spoke at what I believe may have been the largest rally of the campaign to date, uh, 60,000 people there in Butler, oh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess they heard they were coming. Um, that, uh, <laughs> That it's it's love of country that you, that right. is the major animating factor and motivating factor for Trump supporters. Love of country that's that is the glue that that kind of binds all Trump supporters together. I mean, there might be differences on you know this policy and that policy or certain cabinet members, etc. But you know, I think there's this idea that it's just general love of country and a return to those values of Americanism that 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 built this nation because you're seeing so many signals from the other side that they're you know uh, they're out shopping for a new operating system for the country so, so to speak well fantastic let's let's pray our rosaries and um, let's let's pray for the right hand of victory anything you want to add no that all sounds great and just to everybody else out there I would you know, recommend you know don't be glued to your TV and your Twitter feed and everything else all day and just know that uh, this too shall pass. And, and, and the major, you know, spoiler alert is that in the end of it all, God will win. That's right. That's right. That's right. So what time are you going to, what time do you think things get real tonight? What time are you going to start watching seriously? 
10 o'clock. So, I mean, in four hours, the votes start to roll in on the East Coast. Right. So we'll know. And, and Pennsylvania and Florida are going to come in. And then Florida, maybe a little bit longer because that panhandle does extend into yeah. the uh, the next time zone. Um, and the panhandle, of course, is, is you know, Trump <laughs> country. So you're going to see the cities come in first. But if, if Florida, imagine a scenario where Florida gets put to bed by 9 p.m. and Pennsylvania gets put to bed by 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's a very strong position for the president to be in. Yeah. And, of course, we've heard that... Uh, if the president, I wouldn't be surprised that if he win, if he, if he come puts to bed Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Florida, throw in Georgia and, and maybe maybe one of the others, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts making signals that he's going to that he's going to declare victory. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, what time do you think that would happen? Um. I think the earliest you'd see that is, is you know, and this, this is, of course, is a best-case scenario. So I'm very clear about that. This is a best-case scenario. But in a best-case scenario, you might see 10 to 11 p.m. Yeah. Awesome. My class time. Yeah. Good. All right. Jack Kosovic, OAN. I'll be following you. I'll be watching you. All right. Thanks, guys. And check out AntifaMovie.com. That's right. AntifaMovie.com. You're not totally shut out of the social internet now, are you? Social media. They haven't closed you down completely over that thing. No, they haven't haven't got me yet. I always keep one step ahead of that thing ever. It's amazing what they're doing to people like you and others. It's crazy. Well, keep fighting, man. All right. Stay frosty out there. All right. God bless. Godspeed. God bless. All right. That was Jack Posobiec, OAN. Man, they've been they've been busting them up over that Antifa movie. Yeah, they have. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. Well, Ali, we got some we got something to do tonight, man. We got your viewing party. Yeah, it's gonna be small. It's it, I shouldn't say so. it's gonna be intimate. Yeah. Uh, but but I'll tell you what, what we're seeing in the polls, we also saw in ticket sales this morning, and so, uh, you know, they call uh my. my the co-organizer called me. He's like, your team told me we did this. I was like, that's strange. That's not the number I had. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we're meeting in, in Dallas and it's going to be safe and secure and we've got security and we've got a great list and a great venue and we got great people coming and, and I'm looking forward to it because you know what, this is, if I could, if I again could get a little spiritual is, is, you know, I was really wrestling with God saying, Hey, I'm a smart guy. A lot of people depend on me for their analysis, to be objective, to be as hard on the Republicans as I am the Democrats, even though I am a conservative Republican. But this election, it was almost like God laid it on my heart to just have faith, like to have faith. If we can command miracles, if we can ask for the Holy Spirit and God's intercession, then and we can only do that by having that childlike faith. I was like, could someone like me, a natural pessimist, an, an analyst, somebody who gets these numbers, could I do that? And and you know, finally, I had that piece about uh, last uh, last week Sunday, I think. Uh, and I just, I was just like, yeah, it's his. And yeah. and and it's funny because what I've noticed is that we work ourselves into doubt, mm. and then we carry it like a burden, yeah. like it's our responsibility. It's like, what's wrong with being wrong? Mm. But what I will tell you is this is the morale is high. Every indicator that doesn't belong to mainstream media 
says Trump's going to win. Yeah. So the doubt is only coming from the enemy. That's right. The, the, the psyops, the lies, the abuse, the psychological and emotional abuse. And I, I totally agree with you when Trump talks about that at his rallies, mm-hmm. that that speaks to a human, right? The suicide yep. rate, depressions, anxiety, loneliness. Correct. Correct. Uh, people in their twilight years. It's just horrible what we're doing to the to country. So I, I will say I feel great. I've been empowered by our friendship. I, I think that our friendship has been spiritually edifying for me. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's poured over into my work in politics. And, and I, I think that God has the win. And I believe that God has ordained Trump to win and for us uh, as believers to like kind of take the mantle of our role so that we can act as an example for everyone else. It's like, well, how then should we live? Well, the Christians are going to have to be the ones to say, you know, tell that's everyone right. how to live. That's right. And so we've, we've neglected our duty. And, and I think that's, that's why people like me are in, 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 in search for a deepening of our faith. And, and so anyway, I admire everything that you do, Dr. Taylor Marshall. Uh, and, uh, and thanks for having me on. And I am, I'm so excited to, have uh these strange series of events have happened like they happened well i'd love to keep going you kind of just did a little sermonette there and i'm gonna i'm gonna use it as an outro because i just looked up at the clock i have been live streaming for six hours ali marathon one bathroom break which was not that long ago and uh i'm kind of worn out i'm glad you guys came on and helped me out but i mean we had Ali Alexander, we had Father James Altman, we had Jason Jones, we had Steve Bannon, we had Jack Basobek. I kind of want to call up like Mike Cernovich or someone and get them on here. I think he's li- hold on, he's live on Periscope. Is he Maybe live? On. Hold on, I think he's live, and we're still doing great numbers. And Jason Jones wants to come back and do an outro. Yeah, yeah Mike's Jason live Jones right wants now. to come back in, so let's pull him back in for an outro. I mean, I, I hate to hang up when you got over six thousand people watching. Unless you just want to keep on talking, I mean, I just. Well, I got to go get it. I, I missed my I missed my haircut appointment. You missed your so, haircut. I mean, what's yeah. going on here? Let me. Jason Jones wants to come back. Hold on, Jason. Let me bring you back in, bro. Where is he? And I'm going to tell you this: we're going to be live. I think tonight with updates. I know. We're, we're going to be live. So uh, we'll be on. I guess we'll be on your Periscope. Is that what we're going to do tonight? We're going to do some Periscoping. Yeah, we're going to go on Periscope, and anytime we think we can call a state before the media. You're going to try to beat him. Oh, did I lose? Oh, no, I lost. What happened? Are you still there? Oh, we lost Ali. Let me pull in Ali again. Can you hear me, Jason? I, I can hear you, brother. Okay, just hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Got to get Ali back. Where's Ali? Son of a, son of a gun. Ah! Where is he? Here he is. Add him in. Man, I was going to outro you, Jason, then you just bounced out. I had to do uh, something you had to do. Oh, you had to go to the bathroom, yeah. No big D. I wash my hands. No big D. So uh, here he is. He's back. Sorry, when I brought in Jason, it dropped you, Ollie. Can you hear me? <laughs> my bad. Oh, no, no, it was my bad. I, I messed it up. So um, all right, now i got to put Jason Jones' name back on the screen. Uh, yeah, we were just, we were kind of getting all spiritual. I was kind of wanting to sign out, but, you know, Ali brought up, he's like, hey, we got over 6,000 people watching us right now. It's kind of a bummer to turn it off. Kind of kind of on fire here. We got up to uh, over 7,000 mm-hmm. when Steve Bannon was on. And uh, that was kind of cool. 
I got I got to admit I was a little I was pretty pumped up when he said he's a fan. I didn't know he watched me, so that's pretty cool. What do you have to say? We were kind of getting all spiritual. What do you have to say, Jason Jones? Well, I don't um, you know, I don't want to break the all spiritual part about it, but uh <laughs> you know, for me, again, I just I've been a part of every election since 1992 as a volunteer or working on a campaign in some capacity. And for me, it all began, as you know, as a 17-year-old who uh, my high school girlfriend had a forced third trimester abortion. And that was my inciting incident to just commit the rest of my life to trying to protect the vulnerable from violence. And Mm -hmm. elections have consequences. Right. And the invasion and then abandoning of Iraq led to multiple genocides President Trump opposed the invasion of Iraq. He resisted overwhelming pressure to topple and started a regime change war in Syria, which would have displaced 800,000 Christians. We have a judge on the court now. We can be very hopeful uh, to see Roe v. Wade being overturned, which will send the battles back to the states. And the balls in our court, like we are so blessed to live in a, a constitutional republic. And, and we think of, um, I just think of my ancestors. And then I think of my posture. This is my family tree right here, Taylor. This is my family tree. My first ancestor was an indentured servant. Did you lose me, Taylor? Nope, I still got you. Well, he, my first ancestor in America came here from Ireland as an indentured servant. His grandson was the first governor of Oklahoma. And his his uh, siblings were all uh, abolitionists. And I feel, you know, we need, uh, uh, Seneca said we need to knit our life together with our ancestors and with our posterity. This is how we do it. And this is not normal to be able to walk down the street free from violence, uh, to be a working class person like me, and then to achieve all of your goals politically, financially. This is a blessing. And this election, every election is important. But I think we all know that it, this feels like it, it's existential. Yeah. And, you know, like I look in this family tree and my ancestors who are early abolitionists and I read their articles and look at their pictures and I, I hope someday that my posterior will be proud and know that their great-great-grandpa leaned all in for them. Right. And, uh, and, and that's what I hope everyone watching votes. I hope and brings everyone in their household that is well-formed and thoughtful to vote. Don't bring everyone. There might be a cousin. You just stay, <laughs> stay home and watch the kids. We're going somewhere. Um, but all, you know, this is, it's very important. And, uh, and I think about the consequences of this election on the most vulnerable and from the child in the womb to that, the families in concentration camps in East Turkestan. So that, you know, and I'm just grateful to be on here with you two gentlemen, with your, your audiences who are very engaged, very active. And, um, so it's just been a privilege for me just to kind of sit here and listen to all of Ali's information. Yeah. And I'm, awesome. I'm ordering, I know you sent it to me, Ali, but I'm going to order it because I can tell you put a lot of work into that. Did he say don't order it? 
I'm ordering it. He sent it to you. All right. Well, speaking of, hey, speaking of kind of ending things on a spiritual note, I got, we got good father Dave Nix. I'm going to bring him in here. Hopefully he comes on the screen. I've never done four at a time. Here he is. Oh, I lost him. There he is. All right. Father Dave Nix, Reverend Father, how are you? Good. How y'all doing today? Great. Great. Can you hear us? We can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Thanks for having me today. Awesome. So you got any feeling for the election, Father? What's what's what do you think? You know, I don't know if you saw I put this on Twitter. I said, I'm a pessimistic Irish melancholic, and I still think Trump's going to win. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, why do you think so? Do you think is this a spiritual discernment thing or is this based on you observing things? I don't think I have any um, real special gifts, but I think um, just a gut instinct. I mean, it's 70 deg 76 degrees here in Denver. Uh, Ali sent us that thing about just how beautiful the weather is. And I guess, well, grace builds on nature. We got we to gotta point some of the facts. Right. I, I feel like something changed in the past week where a lot of people on the middle of the road, a lot of the, a lot of the fence riders who maybe don't care about the unborn, don't care about trafficking, just looked around and said, I don't want my cities on fire. Right. I think a lot of Catholics who aren't really looking at these deep issues of, again, trafficking, Trump's awesome at anti-trafficking, um, pro-life. We know that he's the pro-life vote. I think there's just selfish people out there. I hate to say it. They're selfish Catholics that looked around and just said, I don't want my cities on fire. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of the fence riders out there fell towards Trump this this past week or two. Yeah, what do you think about the Karens? They just, you know, it's all fun and games and you're talking about BLM, but when your local church burns down or there's a riot in your neighborhood, suddenly they switch back over to Trump. I think that's right. And I, uh, I know a family from North Carolina, they were driving through New England, which, as you guys know, is the most liberal part of the country. And the dad of this family said when he looked around the signs in people's yards was 12 to 1 Trump to Biden. So if you're mm -hmm. going to see that in New England, the most liberal part of the country, right. then I don't know what's happening in the numbers and all these uh, things about, you know, election ballots and stuff. But I think if even New England has more Trump stickers or Trump posters than, than Biden, we're looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Father, what one of the things we haven't talked about today, we talked about pro-life, is, you know, you've you're very much aware and very prayerful about human trafficking. It's an issue on the southern border. It's actually an issue all across the United States. Can you maybe talk about President Trump and his language and his, his policies regarding sex trafficking, minors, et cetera? It's an important issue that I think has kind of been neglected in the, uh, the campaign. That's right. Well, I wasn't planning on talking to the negative uh, on this show, but I, I think we have seen some decent evidence. Ali probably knows this. Wasn't there some evidence that Hunter Biden was involved in some pretty shady stuff in China along those lines? Um, I can't hear Ali. Ali? Oh, maybe he's he's muted on my end here. Can we, go ahead and try Ali. No, you're muted. Uh, what about now? No, you're fine. Yeah, I got you're you. good now. That's weird. I, you're I right. You're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. China, Hunter Biden, the worst of the worst. And yeah. um, he's not blackmailable. He's an active, uh, compromised agent. Right. Well, yeah, and back to trafficking. I mean, uh, Trump has put more traffickers in prison in four years than Obama did in eight years. And we've been seeing new busts happen across the uh, across the nation. 
there's a lot of anti-trafficking work across the globe that has to be mercenary. Uh, it has to be done by mercenaries. My friend's friend is with a group in Spain that has helped rescue Boko Haram kids, and they went in without the approbation of the government or the diocese in, in uh, Nigeria because everything is so uh, locked down as far as dioceses and and as far as governments, that a lot of the anti-trafficking work, especially outside this country, has to be done under the grid, under the radar. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what Trump's involvement is, but at least since he's become president, we see a lot of official busts above the board uh, in this country. And I also believe he's a friend to a lot of the busts against these Johns and pimps in foreign countries uh, in things that we're never going to see in the media. Yeah, yeah. That's really what's excited Eduardo Verastegui, I know. And why he's been so committed to this campaign is is so many young women from Mexico are brought across the border and exploited. And, and Eduardo saw what the president was doing to protect these young women. And that's why he leaned in so hard to support for support the president, work for him around the country. The largest so bust, the largest bust ever just happened in Ohio, I think, four, four or five days ago. Um, okay. and, uh, I don't know if it was 42 children were saved. Mm. I think it was 42 children, uh, in Ohio were, were saved and the Trump administration has been laser That's focused right. on this issue. One of the things a lot of people don't realize about the wall is someone will control the border. It's either going to be coyotes or it's going to be immigration control. It's either going to be really bad people that demand a pound of flesh to cross the border or it's going to be um, American agents that are controlling it. Now, I'm not saying the American agents are saints, but they don't exact of these women and girls what the coyotes do. Right. And so when you think of how long this space is between Mexico and Texas there on the border, if there is no control, that is going to be to a great detriment to these women and children and boys who are trying to cross the border. So this idea that a wall and an immigration stuff is somehow anti-Mexican, there could be nothing farther from the truth in all of this. This is for the protection of women, children, I think about 5% of those trafficked who are kids or boys, but 95% of them are girls. And so control of the border, there's an idea out there that, that it's just going to be nice people crossing. You know, someone will control the border. It's either going to be official agents or very, very bad people. Yeah, that's a great and most point. of their journey, you know, most of these people are from South America. They're not Mexicans. So most of their journey actually occurs, uh, you know, through this through Central America and then parts of South America. And it's just like and, you know, yeah, all type of horrors uh, visit these people. And there's places to declare asylum legally, um, uh, you know, through our embassies and other uh, nonprofits uh, in uh, in nearby countries or in their country. And. It's amazing. It is simply it is simply it's anti-human. It is it is demonic what the left has done with this issue, because we know that women and little girls are victims. We know, right. you know, that they maim their bodies or put drugs in them and 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 it hurts them. It's 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 a really nasty issue. And one of the good things to look at, you know, a lot of the people who have come from Hispanic country or Spanish speaking countries like Venezuela and Cuba I remember it was about six weeks ago, maybe seven weeks ago, we got the news that the Spanish vote, Spanish-speaking vote in Florida had now swung to Trump. That was a full two months ago. And I think I'm not the first probably even to say it today on Taylor Shaw's offering mass and, and stuff, so I'm sorry I didn't see the earlier stuff. I might not be the first saying it on, on your show, but 
everyone, not everyone, but there's a ton of Cubans and a ton of Venezuelans all over Florida. They're not going to vote for Biden because they've seen socialism destroy their country. Yep. So I'm really happy that the Hispanic vote in Florida has done it. Now, this is tied to trafficking because the more socialist a, um, a country, the, the more um, people are going to be exploited and things like that. Father, one of my great frustrations has been certain Catholic organizations misrepresenting Im the immigration issue. Like you may pointed out so clearly, securing the border protects migrants from economic exploitation, being trapped in an underground economy. As Steve Bannon brought up, it, it, it shuts the cartels down so they don't dominate northern Mexico. It shuts down the traffickers. An e-verification system would guarantee that everyone working in this country have the same legal protections that we have. And mm -hmm. it's been it's been, I think, a lot of quote unquote Catholic organizations have been leading the charge at misrepresenting immigration and really benefiting the position of Wall Street and the Chamber of Commerce. This you know, we, we rush the economy on millions of people who are being exploited. Both parties were playing that game. But Trump, I think, is finally breaking that narrative. And folks, regular folks, politics isn't their thing. They they wake up, they go to work, they take their kids to school. Then they got Little League and swimming and basketball. And and the nights of, they, they've been maybe uh, they've uh, they've been confused. But I think finally the narrative is breaking and people understand that the Biden position on the border, on immigration is a position that it's the benefits the coyotes, benefits those who would exploit migrants. And Trump is finally, I think, getting through to a lot of folks. And if he wins, I think the narrative is broken. Yes. For good. Yeah. And, and all the domestic trafficking, OUR says there's something, I think over 100,000 children who are trafficked here. One of the amazing things we've seen the past year is finally Hollywood has broken through by certain people protesting. I mean, that people say priests are the ones that harm children in this way. And yeah, there are there are priests who've done that. Uh, but if you look at the rate, yes, if you look at the rate of uh, of um, people, if you look at the rate of uh, um, who's been blowing the whistle on Hollywood, there's a lot of Democrats that have been getting taken down by uh, the good people blowing the whistle on trafficking in Hollywood. Yeah, Father, I work in the entertainment industry, and there was a film I was a part of several years ago called uh, Open Secret. And it is no secret, the yeah. pedophilia that has been happening in Hollywood. It wasn't an open secret. That film was sabotaged by the industry. Yep. yep. And uh, finally, you know, we're starting to see busts in Hollywood, and people are starting to really pay attention. Yep. Amen. Well, hey, guys, Ollie's got to go. He's got to bounce out. We've got the big event. I'm going to be at his viewing party tonight, and um, you know what? I want to keep this going, but I've been in this chair for six hours <laughs> and 20 minutes. I feel like I've been on a flight, and my back is hurting, and I need to go outside and walk around and hug and kiss my kids before mm -hmm. I move on to more stuff. So I think we can pause. We'll stop here. I hate – there's 6,300 people live, and I want to keep <laughs> the train going, but I am just a human man with the – with the broken body. So I'm going to ask Father Dave Nix to give us the most awesome blessing 
of all time. Can you give us a great super yeah, blessing, well, how Father? About, how about I just copy it straight from uh, St. Paul since since he's going to yeah, be you better can't, than me. You can't beat the apostle. We bow our knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, what a day. We had Mike Church. We had Father James Altman. We had Ali Alexander, Jason Jones, Steve Bannon, Jack Posobiec, uh, Father Dave Nix. I didn't know this was going to happen today. It's fantastic. So uh, thanks to everybody who watched. Thanks for everybody who shared. I think at one point we got close to 8,000 people on here. It's really powerful. Let's just keep praying. Let's keep our peace in Jesus Christ. Pray the rosary every day. I was going to commit to 15 decades, but I've already spent six hours on the screen. I got to get to my rosary beads and uh, pray the rosary every day. You're not on the same. You're not on the team. And our Lord Jesus Christ said you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. Let's pray for a win for life tonight. All right, everybody. Thanks for being on. God bless. Godspeed. Thank you, my friends. Thank you, Father. Thank Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for inviting me, brother. All right. God bless. All right. Y'all see you. Bye.